warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 241. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a walk, Brad. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Clean, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah. I went in fast there. I'm sorry. No, I, yeah, it's like uh, 241 times and you still haven't gotten it. What's, what's going on, <laughs> I man? I went in fast. I've gotten it like, uh, let me look at my tally really, really quick. 17 times my timing was good. 17 times. Jake, that's, I mean, that's a very low percentage. No, I'm not arguing that, but. I was way too fast there. Usually I don't go too fast. Usually it's too slow. It's too big of a pause. You know, let's, let's work on our craft a little, Jake. <laughs> all right. I know, I know you got a lot of other things going on. Hearthstone, Magic the Gathering, and all that other shit, but it's just, it's saying words. It's just saying words, buddy. I know, I know. It's usually that I'm late and I got so nervous about being late that I went, I went fast that time. Yeah. Yeah. It tripped me up a little bit. We're talking about this. This is a thing that we're monopolizing time talking about right now. I like, I like it. <laughs> you would. <laughs> this is exactly the kind of OCD shit I can talk about forever. I know. I, I, I love how you jump in with the self-deprecating critique. It was uh, it, you, you made my job easier, and I appreciate that. <laughs> I felt bad, man. I thought I. I thought I nailed it on our like practice run, and then mm-hmm. I just, it was one of my worst ever on the real deal. That's yeah. the way it goes. Oh yeah, it's it's hard to capture that magic in the bottle a second time. It really is. Fuck this episode already. There we go, guys. Episode two forty one. We'll see you back next week. Uh, this week we are not alone. We've got a couple guests with us. Uh, this week we are joined by writer and assistant editor for Comic Book Resources, John Arvidon. How you doing, John? Doing good. Glad to be here. Yeah, first podcast ever. Yep. You, you you don't sound excited, John. <laughs> I am. I am. It's been a long day. <laughs> been a long. Whoa! I'm sorry to impose upon your long day, sir. 
<laughs> where we get to talk about fun stuff. Hopefully, me and Jake can liven it up for you a little bit, John. I'm fucking with you. And also, uh, this next guest needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. The queen of the leftover army, Rebecca Daling. Welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Absolutely. Yeah, guys, we got a got a lot of shit to talk about. Hey, uh, shit, where's my fucking phone at? Here it is. <laughs> I got man, I got something I wanted to bring up here. I thought it was kind of funny. And I wanted to double check with John to see if this is like a real thing. Um, where is it? I got to I got to find. Yeah, here we go. John, I was flipping around through Facebook. You know how like on your front page of your Facebook it's got all this crap you know, like all these posts from people and different groups and stuff. Well, I yeah. was flipping through there, and I'm part of like a bunch of different like, uh, you know, pop culture groups, you know, Marvel, DC related, pretty much everything related. And somebody had post, somebody, Isaiah Rogers shared a post to the group Batman Addicts. And uh, it was from a, I guess it was from uh, Fortress, it was a repost, and it was originally on Fortress of Solitude. And, uh, it was a Amazon, uh, one of these, uh, <laughs> oh, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? This is you. This is you, isn't it? Yeah, the Batman statue. The Batman statue. So I'm, <laughs> this is you. So I get, so I'm flipping through this. I noticed the name. I'm like, I think this is the guy we're going to have on the episode. And it, it, it says, it's got a Batman statue, statue here. And it says, uh, it's a four star rating for these Amazon, this Amazon Batman statue that you got here. And it's, uh, Cool, cool statue. It's a four star here. And it says, I bought this statue and thought it was great. My wife freaked out about the price and beat me up with a can of green beans. But when I woke, <laughs> but when I woke up, I still had a dope statue. So I'm happy. I'm also single now and have long walks on the beach with Batman statues and I hate green beans. I was just, <laughs> this is, and it had like two at the time. It had, 42 shares and 261 likes and hearts and smiley faces and laughs or whatever the fuck. Nice. I'm surprised that's still floating around. It is still floating around, sir. This is insane. So did you, did you like throw it out there on the internet or did somebody find that and then throw that out there? I posted it on uh, my Facebook page after I uploaded it to Amazon and I don't know who grabbed it, but I just saw it show up everywhere for like the next week. Mm-hmm. So, uh... I'm hoping this is not a true story. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> all right. None of it. It's all fiction, 100% fiction. I mean, I still have the dope statue. <laughs> but do you hate green beans? That's the burning question everybody wants to know the answer to. They're all right. They're all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you still in a relationship? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ah, uh, Yeah. It was nice having uh, Jay back last week, wasn't it, Jake? Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. That might be another reason I goofed up the intro. I was waiting for that again, too. You know, that was so great. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, it was, it was You could tell, like, when we first got there that Jay hadn't been on in a while. He was uh, he was decked out in a in a suit. I was like, Jay, Jay, what's going on? Why are, you, why are you wearing a suit? I mean, like it was some big occasion or some shit. And I was like, this is just not how we do things. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird, especially since me and you had, like, fucking rags on, basically. <laughs> I know, and he, sh he shows up like he's going to fucking homecoming, like, you know. I was like, what the hell's going on here? But uh, it was weird. I show up with my garbage bag raincoat. Yeah. 
no, a lot of people were excited to hear Jay back on, and it was really cool. Um, I know uh, Joe Vitale from the Supercast like messaged me a long, long time ago. And, you know, talking about Jay and how much he missed Jay. And he said something. He said um, he kept an old episode, the episode for Jason, it was titled. And uh, he kept that on his iPhone. And he said he was, he was not going to delete that episode off of his phone until Jay, uh, Jay came back and did another episode with us. So I was like, wow, oh, that's, that's awesome. Kind of a cool little tribute, you know, for Joe Vitale of the Supercast. I thought that was Kind of awesome to hear that out of him. Hey, Jay, uh, Jake, I'm seeing I'm calling you Jay now. Um, Jake, remember, it was a couple weeks ago we were talking about, and I, this was driving me fucking nuts. We were talking about, I, I got done watching the, the toys that made us, and I, I was, I brought up, you know, wouldn't it be cool if they had like, you know, the toys that fucked us, and it was these toys, and like, you know, like, uh, little sex toys. We got the behind the scenes stories of the sex toys. You weren't a fan of my title, The Toys That Fucked Us. Correct. All right. I have I've workshopped the title for you, sir. Yes, I'm you, excited. All right. The, to- the concept is brilliant. I, I love the concept and I, I did like the title. I did like the title, but you pissed and moaned and you had to you had to throw it out there to the world and let everybody know that you weren't a big fan of the title. So it bothered me. It bothered me. I was I was up nights and just thinking of like like what can, okay, what is the title that would grab Jake? Here we go. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. The toys that laid us. <laughs> no, it's not the it's not the swear. You son of a bitch! <laughs> Fuck you, Jake. Fuck you. That is a perfect goddamn title, and it rhymes with the original fucking show. <laughs> uh, it's all right, all right. <laughs> it's just that the, I, I don't like the whole past tenseness of it. It like. I know the, the toys that made us is past tense. It's past tense. Those toys anymore. It's, well, it's you're depressing. not fucking. You're not fucking yourself with a dildo when you're watching the documentary. <laughs> All right. So everything that happened up to that point was things that had fucked you in the past. That, that's a valid point. It's immediate past tense. It's not like you're shoving anal beads up your ass while you're watching this fucking five part miniseries. <laughs> I mean, you could. <laughs> I guess you could. I mean, it's just, to, to revolve a whole title around that act as it's happening just seems ridiculous to me. There's no please. Hold, there's no please in you. If you hold both in front of me, I, I'm still the toys that fucked us is still better. Oh fuck you! I, I, oh god damn you! God damn you! The, the toys that laid us, Rebecca. Thumbs up. Thumbs down. I think it's very clever. I give it a thumbs up. Thank you. I, I think it's extremely clever. The toys that laid us. I like it. Thank it you. It rolls off the tongue. Thank you. You have an eye for quality. <laughs> <laughs> I, Jake, I, I don't know why you're stuck on this past tense thing, Jake. I really don't know. I don't, I don't either. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's- <laughs> it just makes it sound like it sounds like the people that should be watching it are people that have had no action whatsoever for the longest time, like even with toys. It's just the name of a documentary. It's about the toys that laid us, and it goes back through the past, and it shows you what these toys and how they got to the point where they are to the point where they're up your asshole. Like that's (laughs) – that's the fucking – that's what it is. It's not about – like it has nothing to do – you sound like my seventh-grade English teacher. Like it's (sighs) – 
I'd still watch. I'd still you watch. You had like conversations with your seventh grade English teacher? <laughs> no, I, when it comes to past tense, present tense, and the usage, we've had those talks. But yeah, okay. if I had those talks with my seventh grade English teacher, I would have been the coolest fucking kid in school. Tell you that much. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, speaking of usage. I, it, yeah, exactly. It's not, cre- you know, it's creepy when like an older guy is with a younger woman, but like if an older teacher, female teacher is trying to get it on with a 13 year old boy, you are the stud of the school. <laughs> I know, it's, I know. It's I, true. It's true. <laughs> Van Halen wrote a song all about it. Yeah, hot for teacher. Mm hmm. Oh, no. I, yeah, it, I'm glad he used it in the present tense, that he wasn't in the past hot yeah, for teacher. Yeah, it's not sad yeah, that I, he used to be hot for the teacher. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Get off of it. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a ridiculous human being sometimes. <laughs> oh, man. Um, also, uh, if you're bored this week and you want to jump on Reddit, check out the uh, subreddit for Mildly Penis. Have you guys ever? <laughs> I'm sorry. What now? Go Mildly penis as go- opposed to extremely penis? Yes, I will explain. <laughs> now you sound like Jake. He's rubbing off on you. <laughs> I'm just saying like what? Okay, I'm sorry. You explain because I'm confused about the mildly part. Well, I'm going to get to it. It's not like I'm just going to say, check out the subreddit for mildly penis, period, and we move on to the next topic. I'm going to explain it, Rebecca. I'm very sorry. Please explain. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, female Jake. Um, let's, <laughs> so I was I was on Reddit this week, and uh, you know, like I was in one of these uh, subreddits, and somebody posted a link for mildly penis. So I was like, "What is going on here?" So I clicked on it, and people share pics of things in everyday life that resemble penises and it's it's funny it's hilarious the one that i enjoyed it was actually the first one i saw it was a it was a cover for an instruction booklet on a price scanner and the price scanner was laid on its side the little picture and it looked kind of like a penis (laughs) and i was like yes that is mildly penis and i was like i i'm a fan of this subreddit subscribe (laughs) that happened You guys don't that know. Sounds, okay. No, no, that sounds great, actually. I, th- I I love that kind of stuff where it's like, this thing looks like this other thing and it's naughty and everybody giggles. I love that yeah. kind of stuff. I love it when I say stuff and people just don't know where to go with it. Like they're, like they're, <laughs> like they're forming their thoughts and they're like, do I want to comment on this? There's like, I can actually hear like the three of you thinking. And it's like, who's going to jump in and entertain this ridiculous bullshit for this guy who fucking hosts this show? Like, who is going to enter? I was actually already on mute laughing at the pictures a little bit. <laughs> uh, the one about the, where they show the map with the river, the ejaculating river in the, Finland. <laughs> See, I got to get on there. I got to get on Mildly Penis <laughs> and check this out. It is a great subreddit. Definitely subscribe to it. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we're going to get the advertised content. Content people, we like to fuck around a little bit at the beginning of the show, so don't worry. We're gonna get there. It's gonna happen. Um, I had a question for you guys before we did jump into like the iTunes reviews and stuff. I was hungry a couple of weeks ago uh, for coleslaw. I just had like this insane like fucking hunger for coleslaw, and like so I went like on a coleslaw spree, and I was going to like different places and buying. Nobody makes slaw coleslaw like fucking KFC. Nobody does it. There's this, this, I don't, I don't like coleslaw at all. Oh, uh, see, it, it just depends. Cause like most of them, they, they're really heavy on like the, like the, the, the mayo and all this other garbage. Like 
KFC keeps it like real light and it's just like you got like the, the cabbage in there and it's just, you know, like the little thin slices of the carrots and stuff. And, and I was thinking to myself, like, is coleslaw the only slaw? Do they make other types of slaw? Are there other slaws? I don't know. Like a potato slaw? Yeah. Hey, like a there, rife? There's a Brussels sprout slaw and there's kale slaw. Oh, but so yeah, I haven't seen the Brussels sprout. And there's broccoli slaw. Mm-hmm, that too. I've made I, I've made a Brussels sprout slaw. Why are they really good? Why are I've made cucumber slaw? Well, mm-hmm, my, I've seen that too. Why are n- not all slaws created equal? Because I don't. It's like coleslaw is like the the big one. You know what I mean? It's like nobody's nobody's raving about other slaws. Like I I, I don't go to the store and see like oh shit they got a sale on kale slaw this week. Like it's all coleslaw. <laughs> It's never, it's never cucumber slaw. You know, it's, and what makes slaw slaw? Like what, what like how do you? Yeah, that's what I'm hung up on. Yeah, like when does, what when makes does coleslaw coleslaw? It's made with cabbage. I know, but like what take, well, okay, what makes it the slaw? Like when, when, when does cabbage become a slaw? Like what do you do? Is there, what's the slaw process? I want to. I think it's the way you cut it. I think it's the, the shredding of it. That's the slosses of the process? I, th- I think so. Is it the, the so. way you cut it? You should ask Luther Shaver. He's the one who knows all that stuff. Oh, yeah. He would know all that stuff. We should. I should have brought this up last week on our Ant-Man episode. People would love that. Just like they're loving it right now. <laughs> the term the coleslaw arose in the 18th century as it's the Dutch term kusla, which means cabbage salad. I hate it when people like the... Uh, when they invent like a new food or a new like you know thing to eat, and they name it after themselves, that's dumb. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, I'm trying to think of a, a real big example of a the, the Earl person of, named feud. The Earl of Sandwich. Oh um, yeah, yeah. The Cobb Salad. But, it, but it, is that a real after named after a real guy, or was that just a Larry David bit on Kirby Enthusiasm? No, I don't know. <laughs> you don't remember the episode? No, I remember the episode, but I don't know if that's what informed me or if it's really named after a guy. I don't know. Yeah, Mr. Cobb made a salad. Was it, do, they, do they put corn on it? Is that is corn an ingredient? Because, like, corn on the cob, is that, like, an ingredient in the old Cobb oh. salad? You might be on to something there, Brian. Uh, I know, we're tackling the... You cracked the cob. Up salad code. Tackling the big <laughs> questions here this week. This episode is fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, it was named for the restaurant's owner, Robert Howard Cobb. Oh, man. The ego on that son of a bitch. <laughs> right? <laughs> Eat my salad. <laughs> <laughs> Stories vary whether the salad was invented by Cobb or by his chef. Oh, shit. So he's like, like the chef made it, and this guy basically oh. took the uh, took the recipe so and made came, it his own. They came to what an, was his chef's name? Chef Salad. They they came to an agreement. <laughs> <laughs> they came to an agreement, and they said, "You get the chef salad." Hardly fair. The chef salad is like the scrappiest of all salads. I right? know. I know. It's like a sandwich without bread. <laughs> I think like the real chef salads have like like uh you're, you're right, John. Like it is like a sandwich without bread because it's got like turkey and it's got ham and it's got roast beef and it's got all that other stuff. But I think Cobb salad is superior. Personally, yeah, I just call that like dumpster salad, right? Yeah. Just <laughs> throwing <laughs> shit on it. 
Like the it's like he, I could just had not eaten until after midnight, so he mixed together leftovers he found in the kitchen along with some bacon. It's just like mm-hmm. dumping out the contents of your refrigerator and saying, "Hey, I made a salad." <laughs> just throwing Cobb sh- salad, Cobb salad. Anyway, all right, you guys ready to jump? <laughs> I hate this episode already. <laughs> this episode's been fun. I want more salad talk. I thought this was all about salad. Uh, this episode, yeah. Let's <laughs> toss some more salad talk in there. Oh shit, Brian! Oh. You punny son of a bitch. Um, let's jump into iTunes reviews. <laughs> it's one star Eighteen minutes we've talked about salads and Jake has bitched about my titles of shows and ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely John. I didn't I didn't bring up the topic of me bitching about it. I definitely joined in on it. John's getting beaten senseless with cans of green beans. What's going on? This is anyway, uh yeah, you kinda it, 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 that kinda like went uh viral a little bit there, John. Yeah. You know, your 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 excitement uh, level for us uh, for it going viral is just off the charts, buddy. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's been over a year now. It's kind of worn off. Oh, wow. I am surprised that it is still out there, though. Wow. Somebody name a salad after John. Jeez. <laughs> ego on this guy. As long as it's not a green bean salad. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Arvidon salad. Hold the green beans. Uh, let's see here. Oh, that's funny. This, uh, this first uh, iTunes review comes from Lico86. Uh, it's titled, For Your Listener, Love the Show. It's a five-star. Excellent and super fun show. Time just flies listening to you guys. The content is rich. The banter is organic. And I repeat, the content is rich. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're like a hot chocolate. Uh, practically something there for anyone. Uh, and you really cover the spread. Theatrical leases, streaming services, and it ain't just Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon. Video games, etc. I think it's pretty hard doing what you all are doing for three plus hours. Touche, and thank you for the hard work. Zooming in a little bit, what compelled me to write this review was consistency. Uh, I've consistently been surprised or awoken by your recommendation since listening four years ago. Mr. Mercedes and Killing Eve are of most recent memory shows that I took up after hearing the quick takes on your podcast. For someone who loves true crime stuff like True Detective, The Sinner, Mindhunter, Manhunter, uh, Unabomber, you get the gist. You hit me in the feels. With those two wrecks and locked uh, two recommendations and locked me in with Killing Eve. I appreciate your awareness and being the eyes and ears for all of us back here in the Leftover Army. Looking forward to the next Tupperware party, and that comes from Lico86. Well, that was a great review. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, that's a good one. This next one, the final one for this week, is weird as fuck. Oh, good. Because I hate it when I can't be cynical about one. I mean, yeah. it's nice to have one that nice, but... Yeah, I like the shit on him, too. Um, but it's all in fun. It's all in yeah. fun. Uh, it's titled Love You Guys. It's a five-star, and it comes from Air of Slytherin. It's not Slytherin. I would have said Slytherin, but it's Air of Slytherin. 
Hmm. Slytherin was probably taken. You probably would have had to have a big number to do that one. Yeah, or an underscore or some other bullshit. Uh, I love listening to you guys. Great podcast. Also, are you guys going to review The Expanse? Best sci-fi show ever created, even though it appears on the sci-fi channel. It wasn't made by sci-fi. They just show it on that channel. So it's not some low-budget <laughs> sci-fi channel show. It also almost got canceled, but because of Jeff Bezos as a fan, Amazon picked it up and now is making it for season four. Please, please watch. I'll send a topless pick. LOL. Whoa! <laughs> All right, hold on, hold on. Lot to, that is so bizarre. Lot to unpack here, Jake. I like. There's a ton to unpack. Yeah, a lot going on here in this iTunes review uh, from Air of Sitherin. First off, first off, what 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 what's Hufflepuff called in that world? Hufflepuff. I mean, like, anyway. You just take out one letter from each thing, yeah. Yeah. Huffle off. Huffle off. Um, so, yeah, basically gives us uh, an entire, like, Wikipedia section about the expanse and then says, hey, I'll show you my tits at the very end. Like, like first off, like, if we – if because I, I do plan – I have actually planned on watching the expanse because they finished three seasons. This has nothing to do with seeing you topless. Please don't send us any unsolicited, like oh, – no. Don't. Don't. I, the last – thing i want is like unsolicited like fucking like topless pics and you could for all i know you could be a guy i have no idea what i'm getting in into here um you know that's the last thing i need to see is uh i don't know fucking a picture like some guy looking like arting lang showing me his tits um but there also seemed to be some <laughs> subtle shame that the show was even ever on sci-fi network in there uh, right? yeah, yeah. Like they it, bring that up like twice in a row real quick. It's not, yeah. It's, well, it's, I, I think like it, the person is basically saying like, I really want you to watch this show. Don't let the fact that it's on sci-fi channel turn you off here. All right. <laughs> this is not your regular sci-fi channel shit. <laughs> they just aired it there. Okay. Yeah. And then very, very defensive about that. Oh, I know. Yeah. And then starts name dropping Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, <laughs> that he's a fan and that like he bought it and he loved it so much that he's picked it up and he's making it for season four. So it's like, you guys know Jeff Bezos, right? He likes it. You know, it's, this is kind of like the Mikey likes it, you know, life cereal bullshit going on. <laughs> yeah. Except Bezos is like got a fucking hot pocket basically. Yeah, and this just, is true. We'll buy whatever, so I don't know how much you can gauge on that. Bezos is just buying up bullshit, Jake. <laughs> like, Bezos is just like saving ridiculous shows from getting canned. Fuck it. That's, it? How I, that's how I would be if I had just the what? Bezos money. You can, I mean, whatever. What's he doing? Like, like throwing darts at a wall with canceled shows and saying, pick it up. Pick it up. <laughs> like, I think Jeff Bezos has made some good decisions there over at Amazon. Yeah, yeah. I just mean like we haven't really seen any of the fruits of his labors in the last like six months of yeah. property buying, you know. <laughs> Throw a bunch of canceled shows into a fucking Hardy's bag and I'll grab one out and we'll save it. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Uh, you guys don't worry, you're getting season three of Wiener Circle. Wiener Circle was the reality show with that Chicago hot dogs vendor place where the women were really rude to customers, just in case you needed to know that. Um, that's a real show? It was a real show. It was on True TV. It was a terrible 
Apple show. It was. I never heard of yeah. the show. Oh, God. it was yeah, called. It was, it was. It was. It was. There's a real uh, hot dog stand in Chicago um, where the women that work there just treat people like garbage, and uh, and it's the show is called Wiener Circle, and they, I think it went for maybe one or two seasons, and it was just it was absolutely <laughs> terrible. Oh my! So that was like their shtick, like like like. Like that was the thing, like come here because the waitresses are rude to you kind of a thing? Yeah, kind of like, I guess it's not like an Ed DeBevix really, Jake. This was just like, they weren't like funny about it at all. They were just okay. really trashy and mean. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, because that was the first thing I thought of, so I'm glad you made that distinction. No, it's, it's not like it's cheeky not, at all. No, you're not going there for like the Ed DeBevix experience where it's like, oh, these waiters are going to be rude and it's going to be fun. Like, this is just like, <laughs> This is just like people calling you a piece of shit and throwing a hot dog at you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, that just wow. sounds awful. That sounds awful. <laughs> That's why it got canceled. Uh, anyway, what's going on? What's going on in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> That's, is that a rhetoric question? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I, I go. I hate going down these little rabbit holes. I go down. It's weird. I'm not a fan. <laughs> It's fucking blowing up with lightning outside my window right now. Jake, the meteorologist. All right. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it just it keeps startling me. Guys, we've got some heavy winds coming in from the northeast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is not a prediction, though. <laughs> oh, oh shit! Wow. All right. Ah, okay. Uh, you know, I've gone on long enough here. Don't worry. I we got next week. I'm gonna do our. We got a Tracy Ferguson update. She she she's back to her old shenanigans. Jake, you know, you read it. <laughs> oh yeah. Cue the Benny Hill music. <laughs> oh, God. We'll do it next week. We've we've gone on for 25 minutes. I'm not gonna monopolize our time with uh, with her maniacal bullshit. So we'll we'll do that. We'll do we'll do Tracy. Ferguson. Ferguson next week. That'll. Oh, I didn't mean to say it like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, whoa. I know. Wow. <laughs> wow. Anyway, let's uh, jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Uh, I'm going to start off here. Uh, I uh, went to the theater and I watched Uncle Drew uh, a little over a week ago. And uh, this is the... Uh, this is, uh, uh, yeah, I'll read the synopsis here. After draining his life savings to enter a team in the Rucker Classic Streetball Tournament in Harlem, Dax um, is dealt a series of unfortunate setbacks, including losing his team to his longtime rival. Desperate to win the tournament and cash prize, Dax stumbles upon the man, the myth, the legend, Uncle Drew, NBA All-Star Kyrie Irving. And convinces him to return to the court one more time. The two men embark on a road trip to round up Drew's old basketball squad and prove that a group of sept, what? Sept, septuagenarians can still win the big one. I cannot pronounce that word. Sorry guys. Why the fuck is that word 
in an Uncle Drew synopsis. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just to throw everyone off. Gosh. They're basketball fans. They're not fucking English scholars. What the fuck? Um, but yeah, this, uh, sh- this movie has basically, uh, comedians, uh, mixed in with like ex and current NBA players. Um, you had, uh, like I said, Kyrie Irving, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Chris Weber, Reggie Miller, Nate Robinson, uh, Lisa Leslie. Um, and then of course you had, uh, Lil Ray Howery and, uh, Nick Kroll, the comedians in this one. Um, I grew up watching all these guys play in the 80s and the 90s, early 2000s, and um, me being a fan of, like, that era of basketball, like, being a huge fan of that era of basketball, I loved this. These guys, you could tell that they were having so much fun, and it was basically like the story it's it's if you love the Blues Brothers and if you love basketball, you are going to love this movie. And uh, Chris Webber's always been kind of like a fun and outgoing guy, and in this one he plays like a like a like a southern preacher, and he's like you know talking like this and the Lord and all. He was great. <laughs> he was absolutely fantastic. And Lisa Leslie plays his wife, and she's like he's going to play in the tournament, and she's like chasing him down, you know, just just like in the Blues Brothers, you know, like. Um, I, it was so much of the Blues Brothers influence in this one. And um, Kyrie Irving's really funny in this. Reggie Miller being one of the best three-point shooters of all time. Um, it's funny because in this one, like, he can't see for shit. He's, like, legally blind and he's shooting in, like, a Dave and Busters and bricking everything. It was just <laughs> absolutely hysterical. Um, Shaq was a lot of fun in this one. And, um, I, I loved it I, as a basketball fan and as a fan of these guys and as a fan of like the blues brothers and just like the fun comedy in this one. And I love Nick Kroll too. I was a big fan of the league and the Nick Kroll show. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. And I, I feel like, I feel like it deserves that because of like my history with like the NBA and, um, just all the, all the fun that these guys had while making this movie. Like at the end of the movie, you, they show us like, you know, like all the clips of them having fun, and um, I loved it. I I thought it was great because uh, you it know sounds right up your alley. Oh, it was it was great, man. I I mean, you know, like I grew up watching. I me and Luther Shaver, we've talked basketball. You know, like every once in a while, he'll hit me up with something, and we'll we'll just start talking about the old days, man. Like our old days. I'm not talking like my dad's old days with like Bill Russell and shit, but like our old days growing up watching, you know, like Michael and. And, uh, Reggie Miller, and then, you know, even later on, like, fucking, uh, Chris Weber, man, back in the, with Sacramento Kings back in the early 2000, late 90s, early 2000s, you know, that team with Vladdy Divots and Jason Williams, and, um, man, it was, it was great times for basketball back then. It just kind of, it, it was just real cool to see them all doing this movie and having a lot of fun. It got us, like, a 66% fresh rating, too, on Rotten Tomatoes, which really, I don't know. I was proud that it did that. You know, like I know a lot of people don't put a lot of stock into that, that those Rotten Tomatoes ratings. But it was just nice to see that a lot of these other critics, and I know critics take a lot of shit. And I think people look at, like, Jake, I don't know about you, but I think, like, people look at critics today the same way that they looked at them back when, like, newspapers were the big thing. Like, stuffy critics. The Critics have changed with, like, online and stuff like that. Like, a lot of these critics are into the same stuff that we're into. They're younger guys, younger ladies. I mean, that's yeah, just... And the way- in their 20s yeah. and everything that are all getting registered in Rotten Tomatoes. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. 
It's not like they do have that air about them. Like people do think they're just a bunch of like stuffy hipsters, basically that don't mm-hmm. like anything. Yeah, you know, judge yeah. for yourself, and, and that is very much true. But you know, when you amass that much data, there has to be something to it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the thing is, you got we got to understand. Like you know, I don't have it out for the critics or anything like that. The thing that I think we have to understand, though, Jake, and a lot of people have to understand, is the fact that they watch a lot more movies than we do. And, um, and, 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 and most critics anymore aren't getting paid for it, Jake. It's not like there's a lot of people that like they have full time jobs and they do this on the side where they review these things. Like they don't, you know what I mean? There's hardly any mm-hmm. full paid, full paid critics anymore working at like newspapers and stuff. It's just not how yeah. it is anymore. But there's uh, not going to be another Leonard Malton or Roger Ebert, or, yeah. You know, Peter Travers or yeah. whatever. Yeah, the landscape has changed for that. But it was I was so happy to see that you know, sixty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes at the time, and I think it's still sitting there. But you know, like uh, other people are appreciating this movie, and it was it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It's a it's a movie. I saw families there, and a lot of families were having fun, and I really enjoyed it. So. I can see other people watching this and not having the same experience as me. So take this with a grain of salt. But if you were an NBA fan back in the day, um, even if, and if you still like the NBA, uh, and you love the Blues Brothers, you're gonna love this movie. It was just a ton of fun. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, other, uh, couple other things I want to talk about real quick before I talk about some other stuff. Um, Rebecca, I know you watched possibly both of these, but I did finish The Staircase on Netflix. Oh, yes, I did watch The Staircase, for sure. Can I get your thoughts on that? Like, okay, I I mean, um, basically, I want you to talk about it a little bit, but then I also want to know, like, what your personal thoughts are on it, because mm-hmm. I have not talked to any, since I finished it, um, see, I watched the first three episodes, and it just didn't grab me, right? And, and so I kept watching other stuff, but I came back to it, and I watched the fourth episode, and then... Literally from the fourth episode through the thirteenth, it was just a straight binge for me. Like I finished it in that day. I couldn't. I couldn't do anything else. Like I'm literally pissing myself on the couch. Like I'm just <laughs> sitting there, like in, a, in just a pile of my own feces and urine, and just watching the staircase. It was. It was. It was compelling yet disgusting. So I want to know, like, you know, tell me, yeah, tell us, tell our listeners about the staircase, and then I want. I want to know your thoughts on this because. I, I, I gotta know what other people are thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I personally bought a commode and put it in my living room so I didn't have to piss myself. So you oh. might want to try that. If they do another one, just invest, dude, invest. Fucking, and, and you'll, you'll thank you, me for you, it. You, you, fucking, you're like, you're like <laughs> Super Mario Brothers always trying to one up me with, with <laughs> just great ideas. Like I'm, <laughs> I had to, fuck no. all that. Just buy a Gatorade I, bottle, dude. I just, well, yeah, for you guys, that's fine. But, like, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying I don't enjoy sitting in a pool of my own urine and feces. But, you know, to each their own. It's all good. Oh, wow. Um, Ooh, so there's somebody on their high horse getting all judgmental now. Well, I don't, well, I don't like that. But uh, I suppose you, it's all right for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. So the staircase for me as well, like, the first three episodes, it, it, it does take a minute to get into it. And then by, like, episode four, it really – I had the same experience. It grabbed me, and then I, I just – I couldn't watch anything else. I had to finish it. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that was allowed in the trial 
was because of the time it happened. I think a lot of stuff, if, if this happened today, I think certain things would not have been allowed in the trial. Well, t- tell um, everybody, tell everybody like what, like how this all happened. Like what's going on here? Okay. Like what's the, what's the, what's the hook? Gotcha. So, um, this, this guy, he's a, an author. Uh, he lives with his wife. Uh, he had, they have two girls that are adopted. Uh, they have, and they each have like their own kids and they're like a blended family. Uh, according to him, they were having dinner. They have, they have some wine. They're out by the pool. She goes in and says, I have a meeting tomorrow. I'm going to bed. Okay. I'll see you later. I'll, I'll come in later. He comes into the house later on finds her at the bottom of the staircase and there's blood on the wall there's blood on the stairs uh and she's barely alive he calls 911 and you know and and you you hear the tape in the trial and he's saying she's still breathing and she fell down she must have fallen down the stairs and uh she dies there unfortunately and um what happens then is very quickly he becomes the suspect here of rather than this being an accident the police or the district attorney alleges that he killed his wife and uh, shoved her down the stairs in the course of events or through his beating of her, she fell down the stairs, but that he killed her. And um, I, I don't know how much you want me to reveal about like what's let in because some uh, of it is kind of a surprise yeah i don't want to give away any surprises because like i all we really need to tell people is like what you think you know of it from like what they tell you the next exactly. episode next episode will totally change everything that you think you know about this case yeah and like do, don't get me wrong again i feel like because of the time that this happened this happened in the early 2000s there were things that were allowed in the trial that if it happened today i don't think it would have been allowed um i will uh, and i don't want to give away anything i i i don't i don't know i've heard people watch this and go oh he did it he's totally guilty mm-hmm. And then I've heard people watch it and go, I don't think he did. I think okay. Innocent. I'm so glad that you're saying this because like, I didn't know if it was like one-sided or not. Cause I'm not having these discussions with anyone else. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, I have not had this discussion with anybody else. So it's mm-hmm. like, I didn't know if like everybody was watching this and just coming to the conclusion that he did it or he, or he didn't do it one way or the other. And it wasn't. You know, like you couldn't come to either or it wasn't divisive between people that have watched it. So, yeah, I think I think if I had to like, I think there are more people who think that he did it. And I think a lot of it has to do with his attitude. The guy comes off a little more than a little. He comes off arrogant. Um and I think that's his background. Wow. I think that's yeah. because of what he does for a living as a writer. And he's like a, an expert in his field. But he's. He's very calm to a point where you think like, dude, why are you this calm? You shouldn't be this calm. Yeah. it's But there, see, there's like when they're playing the tape, like he's crying and like mm-hmm. he's crying as they're playing the tape. And then like he is like losing his shit when I, I'm just going to come out and say, I don't know what you but I, I I felt like and people can totally disagree with me. I felt like he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I. I will say this the first time, like at the end of watching it for the first time, I said to myself, I don't know if he's innocent or guilty, but I think that his lawyer created reasonable doubt. Yes. Yes, I do. The too. more yeah. the, I think his law, and by the way, his lawyer, 
uh, David Rudolph, he, um, he is also like, he's gone into like doing a lot of constitutional law and people whose civil rights have, have been violated. Um, everything that happens in the later episodes, I mean, he's basically doing for free. Yeah. He, he gave of his time. Uh, to help this guy out for for whatever his motivations and reasons were or were his own, but I think it says a lot about him as a person that he did that. The longer I think about it, the more I lean to I don't think he did it. But I will stand by my initial feeling that I think his lawyer created reasonable doubt. I do too. I do too. I I, I agree with you on that point. But like me personally watching it, I I felt like and everybody I everybody gets. I, I don't know if I felt like he came off arrogant. I felt like that's just him. That's just him. And I felt like he had like this, uh, the, the, his kids were just such great kids. Like those, those two girls that like weren't even his own. Um, and then like his son, they just came off like really great upstanding people. And I, I don't think kids that grow up that way and, and that are that stable, that come off that stable, come from a home that was full of turmoil and mm-hmm. um mm. and the way that uh when bad things were happening to him in the trial and when they would bring up bad things and things to, when it was all gloom and doom and the kids were crying like there were moments when i was watching this that i was like literally crying along with the family because mm-hmm. i was heartbroken for them and and, um, man, it was, uh, powerful. This was a powerful fucking documentary series. Like, um, it was supposed to originally be just the 10 episodes cause this happened in the early 2000s. But like, then I, I, I heard that this was actually available all on YouTube at one time. I heard that as well, but, uh, until it came to Netflix, I had never heard of this. They might have taken uh, it off. I've never heard of this uh, documentary at all. Yes, yeah, so Netflix might have bought it and then it might be removed from YouTube or something like mm, that. But, um, probably. then there were three more episodes that happened, you know, closer, you know, to our present date here. So, and then you actually get to see like, you know, the girls like a decade later and, and his son a decade later and all these, his sons a decade later. I, this was just, uh, I don't know. It was just amazing. I, it's, you know, I think it kind of like filled that, uh, making a murderer gap that we all kind of like the whole, I think the whole nation was kind of like captivated by that crime documentary when it came out mm-hmm. a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was one of them. And, um, this kind of came in. It's not as good as making a murderer, but it's, I, I don't know. It, 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 I think it, actually, I think like as a whole, um, it tells it tells the story really well um and i think it gives you this a more satisfying ending to it in my mm-hmm. opinion because it, you might not like how everything ends up but at the way it ends up that's basically the end i mean and um you're left with the you know w- w- with statements there by him at the end and um yeah i i I will give this a Tupperware. This is this is one that I'll want to revisit, you know, in a few years after I've kind of forgotten a lot of things that kind of happened here. So I think mm-hmm. these 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 uh, these crime documentaries are just kind of blowing up. I mean, I, I know a lot of podcasts do stuff like this, but like you know, even like people like you know reliving this OJ the OJ case years later. Like it was like OJ fever last year. There was the oh yeah for know, sure. They had like that the eight part Hulu mini series. There was the 
you know, People versus OJ FX series. There's like another movie that came out. It's been ridiculous. So what, what would you rate this thing, Rebecca? Oh, it's it's a Tupperware all the way. Um, apps. I, I want to ask you a quick question. Yeah. I was reading um, some other people online talking about the staircase, and they felt that all the stuff that was like um, footage of him at home with mm-hmm. his kids, they felt like it was filler. I did, no. did you did, did, would, would I, you agree with that? Absolutely not. I wanted to know more about them. I uh, See, th- you're, me, you're, me neither. I, I didn't think it was filler at all. I thought it gave a complete picture of him. No, it's. I guess I, I don't know. I, 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 get, I get so weirded out when, with certain people's opinions about things, and they have every right to it. But like sometimes, like what some people think filler is, and what some people think are pacing issues, I'm thinking is necessary to get the complete story to, like in order for for you, in order for you to get to like the point where i'm crying with the family like i need that other stuff like yeah. me as a viewer because like i i was kind of leaning towards like this guy you know the lawyer's given me enough reasonable doubt and i feel like watching this guy and the way he's acting that I don't feel like he did it. I, when you watch OJ in the trial, like there's really no emotion from him. And there is, you know, like, but when you, when you watch this guy, it's like he is crying when he talks about her. And, and, um, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. I mean, no, absolutely he's, not. He's got his demons. I know that. I'm not trying to like brush that shit under the fucking rug, but um, I do feel like he loved the woman. But you know, nobody's gonna. The only people that know what happened is is her and him, and and uh, she's not with us anymore. So the only person that really knows what happened is him. Either he walked into that room and she was laying in a pool of her own blood, or or he did it, and um, you know, it's uh, it's an it's an it's a an incredible documentary, The Staircase on Netflix. I highly, highly, highly recommend this one. And just mm-hmm. uh, you know, those first three episodes are definitely necessary. I told you, like, I didn't get sucked into those first three episodes, but they're definitely necessary to tell the story. But I think, like, once you get far enough deep down into the staircase, um, you're going to stick with it, and you're going. Did you watch Evil Genius? Dude, that's next on my list. I am gonna watch Evil Genius. Okay. Um, I, I I'm so excited because I do remember that case. Um, oh. So I am really excited to watch that. It's only four episodes, people. Um, I'm gonna give this one a high taste. It. Um, it's basically, uh, and this is a true story, and they show you everything, and it's fucked up. Uh, 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 the Duplass brothers. Um, they were, I think, like producers or or i think they were producers on they were definitely involved in this project but um it's another documentary with a lot of footage basically there's a pizza delivery guy um that uh shows up at a bank with a cane a gun made out of a cane and a device strapped around his neck and robs the bank says he's got a bomb and leaves the police hunt him down and he's on his knees on the ground and he's saying i've got a bomb on strapped to my neck and it's like it's like basically like a like a huge handcuff for his neck and like this casing and inside the casing is a bomb 
and he's pleading with the police and he can hear it ticking. He's like, I don't think I have much time left. And they show it like the guy fucking explodes. Wow. Yeah. And so there's other parties involved here, of course, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy, crazy documentary and it's called evil genius. It's on Netflix. It's only four episodes. Um, and this one is, I mean, it runs the gamut over like many people's lives over years and years of them and goes, does a deep dive into them psychologically. And, um, this is, this is another one I don't think you can miss. I'm going to give it a high taste it because I, I just, I felt like sometimes with these, I like a nice kind of like the ending wrapped up in a nice little bow. And this one just felt like. No, it didn't literally end. Like, there's, I have a lot more questions after this one. So, mm, okay. Uh, but yeah, check out Evil Genius. Uh, I've been yammering on. D- John, did you watch any of these? I haven't. No. All right. Yeah. But Evil Genius definitely sounds like something that would be right up my alley. I, is it? The, is it when I said the guy when they show the guy exploding? Is like that what got you? <laughs> Yeah, I like watching people explode. <laughs> Do you remember that old movie Deadlock where they had those things? They were like it had uh Rudger Hauer, I think, in it. And oh it yeah. Hand handcuffs around their neck, but they, yeah. it was like a prison. I haven't thought about that movie. I love Rutger Hauer movies are insane. Most of them are, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, those classic like old USA sci-fi yes. kind of Rutger Hauer movies. Oh man, it's either Rutger Hauer, uh, Rutger Hauer, or Mickey Rourke. Either one of those guys back. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> back in the day, they were doing some crazy fucking shit. Um, but um, let's see here, uh, John. What do you got for good pop, bad pop? Um. So. Outside of Marvel, DC, and Star Wars, I don't really get a chance to go out to the movies much, so I just caught up on a few movies recently. Uh, the first one is the new Tomb Raider with um, Alicia Vikander. Alicia Vikander, yeah. Vikander, yeah. 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 Um, so I've never played the games. I've never seen the uh, Angelina Jolie movies, but I saw this one and I thought it was really good. Um, it was a little slow starting off, but... It really came through in the end. Um, Walter Goggins was great. Um, See, yeah, I mean, we're. I, I, I'll talk about this. I'll talk about my thoughts about this one. I, I got, I, yeah, I got because I have seen this one. I actually reviewed it on the show. Yeah. So. Yeah, I never got around to watching it, mostly because of Ryan's review. I mean, that's really. I just saw it. Like, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I thought it was good. That's really I can't really compare it to the games or the other movies, so yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to say. Other I enjoy, than that. see, I enjoyed it up until they got to the island. Once they got to the island, because I, I loved everything else. Like I loved the, the the bicycle chasing scene. I thought that that was fun. I loved Daniel Wu as the drunken sailor. And then once they got to the island and she started to do like the stuff from like the solving puzzles and stuff like that. I felt like it just kind of fell apart for me. And um, I, I typically love Walton Goggins, but, like, I think this was a little lackluster for him. But, um, you know, I'm glad that you enjoyed it because, like, um, I, I think it's I think it's kind of a kind of a mixed mixed review. Like some people like it. Some people don't. It's just one of those. I, it is better than the Angelina Jolie films. So, yeah, I mean, all in all, I'd, I'd give it a taste it. Yeah, and yeah. then um, I also saw Blockers with uh, John Cena, and uh, 
I've been a John Cena fan since 2002, since he first came into the WWE. At this point, I really think he should just give up wrestling and just go to acting. His comedic timing is perfect. He was he was just amazing in that movie. All in all, I don't think the movie itself was as funny as the trailers made it out to be, but I think he just put on a great performance. Hmm. I have just got a digital copy of that. I'm excited to check it out. But yeah, John Cena's really come into his own in the last couple of years. He was kind of hammy in those first couple of movies he was in. <laughs> yeah, and it's really ironic given his controversy with The Rock about The Rock leaving WWE for acting. I mean, yeah. he he really just should at this point. He was one of my favorite parts of uh, Sisters, which wasn't the best movie ever, but he was hilarious in that movie. Yeah, and Trainwreck, he was great in too. Oh, yeah, he was really good in that. Um, he's going to be uh, the uh, Duke Nukem. He's going to be our Duke Nukem for the Duke Nukem movie. Yeah. yeah he's Bumblebee, the big high-profile movie there. Mm-hmm. I think he's great. I mean, like, yeah, he was doing those WWE movies there, and uh, I don't know what they're called. I don't know. what The Marine. The Marine. Yeah, he was doing the there Marine. There and he did like the Marine one, two, three, four. I don't know how many fucking Marine movies he made. <laughs> he made a shit ton of those pieces. Yeah, he just did the first one, and then he did uh, twelve rounds. Okay, see, I watched that first Marine movie, and I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And it, I thought it was terrible, but yeah, he's. I think it started like for me, it was Trainwreck for me. That's the one where I was like, oh, this guy's funny. And I saw Blockers as well, and I thought that that was a really funny movie. I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty damn good comedy. And um, I, he's uh, it's it's nice to see some of these like uh, you know like you know we haven't seen like since Arnold Schwarzenegger some of these like you know big muscly muscly guys be able to do comedy really well. So it's like forget you know forget your forget your Twins reboots you know or the Twins three or Twins two or whatever. And don't do a twins reboot with John Cena. Just like throw these guys, throw these guys in new comedies. Like they're doing some really fun original shit. So I'm looking forward to yeah, that. I agree. That Duke Nukem movie, man, he's the perfect casting for that. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. That character was always reminding me of a little bit of a Bruce Campbell ripoff with some of the lines, you know. But still, I love Duke Nukem a lot. Like just the style and the flavor yeah. of it all. I wonder if they're the gonna... real sarcastic asshole. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they're gonna base it in the '90s. And I also wonder if they're gonna take like a page out of that Hardcore Henry movie and make some of it look kind of like that. Mm. Mm, do you want that? I, that feels so gimmicky to me. Like I don't need that. I was one of the few people that did, I loved parts of Hardcore Henry. I just felt like it should have been a short. I don't. I, I couldn't take it for a whole film. Um, but a lot of people loved that movie and I love Charlton Copley. I think he's fantastic, but, um, I think it'd be fine for a few scenes. Like, I don't want the whole movie to be like hardcore Henry was to be quite honest makes, with you. Makes me think of doom then when mm-hmm. we start talking like that. And then, I mean, I, I do. That's the problem. That's, yeah. That's a, but see, that's a problem when you, when you do a, when you do a video game movie, it's they feel like they have to do video gamey things in said video game movie. They, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm just hoping with Duke Nukem is like the character is so over the top and entertaining that that'll be enough that they don't they won't have to throw much more video game flavor at it than just 
getting the essence of the main character. I hope you're right, man. And I think it comes down to the director. Like, are we? Do we get great directors doing these video game movies? Do you know what I mean? I'm trying to think of the bad. Like Verhoeven, probably doing the first Resident Evil, and is probably the most notable director to ever do a video game movie, right? Yeah, but Verhoeven, like, I feel like Verhoeven's like you know later stuff never really. I'm not saying Verhoeven's not a big hack in, yeah. in a lot of movies, yeah. but I'm just, he's still the most notable director I <laughs> yeah. can think of that's directed a video game movie. No, and, and those Resident Evil movies are probably the most fun in the genre, you know? So, uh, that, that does go to say a lot that he set the tone there for like what the Resident Evil movies should be. Um, it's just, you tell me, tell me like we're gonna get like a David, a David Letch or a fucking, um, Trying to think of another great director, you know, like an action director or somebody like doing a video game movie. Like, you know, you don't hear those announcements. You, you're hearing announcements like, hey, guess, guess who's doing a fucking video game? Oh, it's Mick G. Mick G's doing the next fucking bullshit, you know. Christopher Nolan's Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting that. <laughs> Mick G's a perfect pick. Oh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the announcement. Mick G for fucking Duke Nukem? Yeah. <laughs> oh Christ! Uh, he like he was taken off the He Man movie. Thank God. The He Man movies, they it's got some bizarre directors too. The, I can't remember the name of those brothers that that's doing that movie, but they did like that that up like that modern Tom Sawyer Huck Finn movie that I hear is actually pretty good. So anyway. I haven't even heard of that yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we talked about it on the show. You might not have been on that episode. I don't know. Anyway, um, let's see here. John, is that all you got? Um, yeah, yeah. So for blockers, I would give it a high tasted and yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, I gave blockers a high tasted as well, man. It was a, it was a fun movie. I like, I like that cast. Uh, have you seen Game Night? I haven't yet. That's next on my list. Oh, highly. There's been some decent comedies that have come out this year. I'm, you know, Tag, uh, Blockers and, and Game Night. I've been, pleasantly surprised by some of the comedies that have come out this year um you know are we ever going to get that next hangover i wasn't like the biggest fan of the hangover movie um i thought it was funny yeah, the concept was great but the execution yeah. wasn't all that it was cracked up to be right but are, are we ever going to get that next hangover movie jake that just fucking just blows people out of the fucking water you know what i mean just just gangbusters yeah jeez it's a hard sell right the comedy is so subjective so yeah. to get like, that's what Hangover had such a brilliant concept that it brought everyone in, mm-hmm. you know, of all ilk. But it's, it's so hard these days, man. Comedy is also, you know, so polarizing, too, with people. What if they did, like, a Hangover, but, like, they, but, like, uh, with, with Bill Cosby in it? <laughs> I, I mean, do you start at the end and, like, work your way, like, backwards style? <laughs> I don't know if that would make it better. That's such a such <laughs> nothing's gonna make it better, John. <laughs> I don't know. That's such an insensitive thing for me to say. It really was. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. Tracy Ferguson's gonna be all over. Oh, that. fucking uh, the Ferguson! <laughs> <laughs> the Ferguson. We're the around with it now. <laughs> oh, the Ferguson! Oh Tracy, no! It's gonna be Fergie Ferg. Oh. <laughs> Oh man, Tracy. Ah, oh, you fucking lunatic, you. You crazy bitch. <laughs> You're a nut. You're a fucking nut, Tracy. We Save love you. Save it. We love you, you crazy fucking nut. 
<laughs> that bitch is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Anyway, um, who? Uh, let's see here. I watched. Um, I watched Office Uprising on Crackle, guys. <laughs> nice, dude. It's, uh, what, what the fuck is that even? It's. it's oh, I think I did see something about that. It's. It's a movie. It's actually dropping June nineteenth. But if you have uh, on Crackle, but if you have crackle on a, either a ps3 or a playstation 4 playstation 3 or 4 you can watch it now they they uploaded it on the 12th so they uploaded it early early it's about um, an underachiever working at a major weapons manufacturing firm finds that his co-workers have been weaponized by a new energy drink designed for the military he must then set off to rescue his one true love from an office building full of psychotic co-workers armed with deadly tech and so i saw that this you know i i like to check the streaming services see what's new and i was like oh what what is this on the front page of uh of of the of the ps of my playstation 4 media page like office uprising what is this and it's got like an energy drink so i clicked on it took me to crackle and um it stars brenton thwaites he was in uh, gods of egypt he was in maleficent uh he's going to be the new robin in the uh, titans tv show for the dc universe streaming service it also has zachary levi who's going to be our shazam uh jane levy from don't breathe and evil dead the new rebooted evil dead is also in this karan sunny who plays dupinder uh in the deadpool films was cast uh greg henry from payback that uh um, if you guys ever saw that remake, uh, uh, that Mel Gibson did years ago, that payback movie that he did back in the late nineties. And he also, he played, I know of it. He, uh, it's a great movie. It really is. The theatrical version is better than the director's cut. Um, oh, but, Hey, that, that was a big thing back in the nineties. That's yeah. a whole other topic there. Trying to find the theatrical version of payback is impossible. It's impossible. Um, every time you see it, like streaming somewhere it's always the director's cut but anyway greg henry he also played uh peter quill's grandpa in uh the first guardians of the galaxy when we got the scene of peter's little boy on earth okay um kurt fuller is in the movie he's from ghostbusters 2 and uh he's he plays a weasley guy he's the guy who, i think bill murray said this man has no dick that guy from ghostbusters 2 i think it's oh, i love that guy and then uh he was the weasley guy in wayne's world the first one so um and uh it's basically it's you've got people trapped in an office building as they turn into zombies and i was i saw the cast i was like these this is a, a really good cast some funny people involved in this and it sounded kind of it, i was like this is going to be like office space meets the belco experiment meets Shaun of the dead this sounds like it could be like a fun romp and the movie is just juvenile and terrible and it's oh it's like it's like i wanted it like part of part of me was like oh my god this could feel like a trauma movie and i love trauma movies like they're silly and stupid you know i love that lloyd kaufman kind of like humor and this does it like this is a disgrace to trauma and it it's sad because like I, I really wanted to give this movie a chance. I just did not have fun. I think like maybe if I was 12 years old and 
I don't know. If I was 12 years old and somebody hit me in the head with a baseball bat and sat me down and watched and I watched this movie, <laughs> then ma- then maybe I would like it. You know what I mean? But yeah, I you describing it made it sound fun, man. A yeah. militarized energy drink yes. turning people fucking crazy. Like the the synopsis did make it sound like a like a very trauma like good time. Yeah, it's that's a shame. What was the um, fake energy drink called? Do you remember? Zolt was it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, instead of Jolt, it's Zolt and Z for zombie. So, and you know, so I was like, oh man, this could be a lot of fun. Like, I remember like watching movies like this when I was a kid. I remember like the sleepovers, and we would watch Toxic Avenger. We would watch Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, and like all these movies that were like this. And I was like hoping to kind of like relive that here. And it's like. None of it, really. And it's like, maybe I'm just too old and cynical, but I honestly, I can still go back and like watch. I can go back and watch Attack of the Killer Tomatoes Part 2 and still laugh and enjoy it, man. I love that movie. That's like one of George Clooney is in that movie. Like this is like pre Roseanne George Clooney, but post Facts of Life George Clooney. (laughs) Listen to you with your George Clooney (laughs) heiress. But but you know what? That's a very specific Clooney. It is, and I I loved Attack of the Killers. Tomatoes, both one and two, are a lot of fun to watch. And I remember that Clooney right in between uh, Facts of Life and Roseanne. I, Did he? He had the mullet still, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember yes. that. Yes. Yeah, my favorite Clooney is Dust Dust Till Dawn Clooney. Oh, uh, that Clooney! Oh my God, that is a that is a great Clooney. I don't know. I. I like ER Clooney. I'm a big yeah. fan of ER Clooney. See, I'm gonna yeah. go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Roseanne Clooney when he was when he was. Uh, what was his name on Roseanne? What was his name? He had Booker. A, oh, Booker. He had a cool fucking name too. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> you remember that? Oh my god, deep cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, you know what? When you were talking about that movie, Brian, I forget what it's called. The Zolt movie. Um, office uprising. Zachary, office uprising. Yes, you said Zachary Levi was in it, and yes. man, it got me like it got my brain spinning. Like, man, if Shazam isn't a big hit, then Zachary Levi is doomed to crackle original movies for the rest of his life, right? Oh man, it felt like he was like doing somebody a, like somebody had something on him. You know what I mean? <laughs> some like pictures. Said somebody had some pictures of him in like an uncompromising, you know position or doing something doing something very bill cosby-ish and he did not want this to get out so he's like yeah i'll do your it felt like all these guys had been like caught up in something you know what i mean you just use bill cosby as a verb (laughs) you know what the, the thing that's fucked up about this is like i was watching this and you know like when you like when you're supposed to be like paying attention to the movie but like you start having like these random thoughts as you're like watching the movie and i'm looking at karan Sonny, who play you know he plays Depender in the Deadpool movies and he's in this movie and he's just acting like a silly fucking jackass and I'm thinking to myself this poor guy this guy this is his, this is his career like he's gonna be the he's never gonna be the leading man in anything like he is never like he's not leading man but he's gonna be just fucking relegated to this fucking silly character here like this is it like he is basically like the screech of film. Like this is it. Like he is, he he he's like the he's like Dustin Diamond. He's the Indian Dustin Diamond, and I feel bad for this guy. 
Oh, poor guy. He's not that old yet, man. No, he still I'm just, has time. He can escape it, maybe. I just feel like he's typecast as this fucking ridiculous character. Like, I love him in the Deadpool movies. I think he's talented and he's funny. And, uh, but they just try to do the same shit with him in this movie that they did with him in the other movies. He, he gets a little bit more screen time, but I'm thinking to myself, like, this guy's never going to be a leading man. This guy, this guy's never going to be able to transcend. He's never going to be able to do what Bill Chris, Billy Crystal did and when Harry met Sally, because you did not have, like, comedians being, like, the leading man in a romance comedy. You just didn't have it. You always had the, the sexy fucking, you know, George Clooney Booker guys doing those roles because they're sexy and the women the women aren't women aren't fucking like oh my god my uh my pussy's getting more sorry i was gonna say (laughs) sorry i was gonna i was gonna say the word that you hate rebecca my pussy's getting wet from watching billy crystal like women don't women don't want to like flick the bean after watching like billy crystal you know what i mean And I so, I'm yeah. sorry if I'm being like, you know, fucking like, oh, Brian, you're being so rude and crude about this. But it's true. Women don't true. women don't sit around like oh, fantasizing about, oh, my God, Billy Crystal. Yeah, stick it in every orifice of my body. Oh, yeah, Billy Crystal. No, like women would let fucking George Clooney do some weird shit to him. You know what I mean? But they're not going to let Billy Crystal do anything to him. Like, you know. Billy Crystal is like yeah. a restraining order. There's no way Meg Ryan's fucking doing what she's doing to Billy Crystal in that fucking movie. Uh, the whiny, the whiny Jewish guy doesn't do it for people. I love him. I think he's great. I thought, I thought he, I think Billy Crystal is a fantastic person. I thought he was hilarious in those movies. But you know, if I had my choice, like I'm not, I'm going, I'm going with, uh, I'm, I'm going with George Clooney. I'm not getting crystallized. I'm telling you that much. <laughs> Crystallization. Wait, can you, wait can, can you imagine if, like, a woman slept with him and then, like, when he was done, he's like, you've just been crystallized. <laughs> and she's like. I, think, I feel like that increases his status. Uh, <laughs> Billy Crystal, why didn't he ever do Crystal Light commercials? You know what I'm saying? Perfect mm, They probably asked. Yeah, his agent. It was, he should have fired his fucking agent for not getting that gig. Crystal Light was still doing those fucking commercials back in the day. They could have got Billy Crystal. <laughs> yeah, maybe he maybe he wouldn't step that low. He wasn't going to do commercials. He could at least got that fucking drink wet. You know, he's not. That's a terrible joke. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, try, I tried to make it work. It didn't. All right. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Yeah. So, uh, Office Uprising on Crackle. I say skip it. I say skip it. It's a toss it, guys. I apologize. I really wanted this one to be kind of like a, uh, a movie that kind of came out of nowhere and like, you know, hit me in the feels like, oh my God, you know, I love this kind of like silly comedy. Cause I loved that kind of shit when I was a kid and this just didn't live up to the stuff that I grew up on. If you've never seen Attack of the Killer Tomatoes part two with fucking George Clooney, you are missing out. It is a hilarious, hysterical fucking movie. At the beginning of the movie, he works in a pizza shop and he's spinning dough. Okay, he's he's spinning dough and he's and he tosses it up into the air and uh, the dough never comes down. And so at the very end of the movie, they defeated the villains and all this stuff. And they're all back in the pizza shop and laughing and talking about their shenanigans and all their bullshit. And out of nowhere, the pizza dough falls on his head. And I 
It's the most. It's seriously the most hysterical fucking thing ever. What a payoff! It was a huge payoff when you're fucking twelve years old and you're like, I remember that fucking pizza though from the beginning of the goddamn movie. You slay me, post facts of life, Clooney. That's what I said. Yeah, to all our listeners out there, you don't need to track down the first one either. You'll be just fine jumping into the second. Yes, one. don't. The first one is is pretty terrible, but. <laughs> the second one is a fucking work of art. Um, Jake, what do you got this week, man? Um, I just very briefly wanted to talk about You've talked about it already, but I've watched the uh, first half of the second season of Glow. Oh, good. Finally. Good. What are you thinking, man? Man, I'm loving it. Um, uh. I've been kind of slow burning it because it's such a great show. I just don't want to sit there and like watch all 10. And I got to tell you, it's hard. I've been doing it like one or two at a time. And I always do want to click the next button, but I'm like, you know what? I, I'm going to let this go like three or four weeks at least. But, but, oh man, I, episode four and five that I just watched might've been two of the best episodes of television I've seen in the longest time. I'm telling you, man, like, I am. God damn it. You, you're preaching to the goddamn choir here, Jake. It was crazy. Uh, the episode four is the episode where welfare queen brings her son to the yeah, wrestling match and he yeah. finds out what she's doing. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't watched the second season yet, but oh, that episode was amazing. Yeah. And then the episode after that just blew my mind. It's like really the first like dramatized television episode that's kind of touched the, um, you know, sexual abuse at the Hollywood workplace yeah. kind of stuff going on. And wait a like, second, the, the, time that- the, the, the Corey Feldman, Corey Haim lifetime movie really did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well the first i i don't watch all television so i hadn't seen that yet i'm saying did you guys watch did you i lit i seriously this is a real movie that i did watch people this is not a joke like this is a oh, real man. movie that i watched so yeah, yeah i heard feldman was really upset about it right really wasn't he like how the movie ended up or whatever well, i know Haim wasn't that was a <laughs> yeah. bad joke well, he'll take whatever he can get well he's dead um yeah, I thought the episode five was absolutely brilliant, though. And I thought up until that episode, they'd kind of painted the Ruth character as, you know, a little bit of the show villain and the Debbie character as, as kind of yeah. the good guy. And I thought episode five really kind of put that on a spin. Yeah. And really made you think a lot about each character's motivations. Yep. And just, you know, I, I just don't even know what's going to happen next at this point. God damn so, it. So good. Oh, man. It's such a great show. Um, I've only seen the first five episodes. If I was going to nitpick and make a complaint, it's that I wish we could dial up a little bit more Mark Marin. He was one of my favorite parts of the first season, and I feel like we haven't really explored anything to do with his character too much in the first five episodes they, yet. Absolutely. They did put Mark Marin on the back burner, but that does come later in the season a little bit. So you'll be happy to know that. But, yeah, you're, yeah, I, you're right. Oh, man, I love it. And this season has more to do about the wrestling than the first season. But even that being the case, it still manages to really have a lot more like social commentary, I thought, than the first Mm -hmm. season did. And not in like a forced preachy kind of way, like with the setting and the times, it it just is kind of a natural fit into what is going on in the show anyway. So it's just wow. This show is brilliant. Who ever thought a dramatized show about a shitty like 80s women's wrestling league? could be this it's great it's great it's great i love this show it is so fucking fun betty gilpin i love her i i I love betty gilpin like everything that she touches i love 
It's yeah, it's incredible. This show to me is an early contender for maybe like the Tupperware for television series of the year. Uh, dude, no spoilers, but shit, man, I'm damn it. I can't argue that. I can't argue that. I it might have I might have put it in my Tupperware's notes that I keep for I keep my I keep my fucking notes all year and I and I add stuff to it, I take things away, and I don't see this one being bumped. So we'll we'll see, man. And you know me, I get really cynical when it comes to part two, second seasons. Yeah. Like it, it, I, I, I don't know. I just I told I you this better than the first. It's it'll continue to be Jake. You you will be continually be blown away by this series, uh, the second season. It, it it will not stop. It's a, it's a this fucking show is relentless. It it's relentless, Jake. Oh, it's crazy, it's so man! Good. Like the last episode I saw ended with the cliffhanger with Debbie and Ruth. You know, Ruth letting Debbie know what happened, and then Debbie getting upset and just like I have no idea like what's what the outcome of any of this is going to be. It's crazy. John, uh, Rebecca, are you watching this? Um, I haven't yet. Um, I probably should. Yes. I mean, I'm a big wrestling fan, so I probably should jump in. You should. Yeah, John, you're, you definitely should. I mean, you obviously love wrestling and it's not, the show isn't so much about the wrestling, but if you come in it from a wrestling background, there's definitely some extra hilarious stuff for you. Rebecca, are you watching this? I haven't started season two yet, um, but I will watch it because I did enjoy season one a whole uh, lot. Yeah. I will be watching uh, season two of Glow. Season season two, once you get started, you will not be able. I couldn't stop. Like I don't know how Jake, Jake. I don't know how you're doing it. Like that is that is like some self restraint. That is insane. Like I, I knocked this out in two fucking days. I watched two episodes one day, and then the next day I just knocked out the rest eight. The the other eight. I was just like I just blew through this shit. Oh man, yeah. I don't know. I just kind of like to let it like like marinate a little bit. Like it's been so good, you know. I want to give like every episode a little bit of service in my brain. Not me. I'm like I'm like Charlie Sheen and like a fucking silver platter of cocaine. I just blow through that <laughs> shit. You know? Winning. <laughs> Hashtag winning. Yeah, fucking glow season two, Jake. I'm glad that you're watching this and enjoying it, man. Jesus. Yeah, for sure. I, it's, I, I, honestly, you were like on the fence about whether it was better last when you were talking about Fuck it. No. And I don't even think it's close. No, I wasn't. I, I said that this is better than season, season one. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah, no, yeah. There was no I, fence. I don't need to misquote you, but it's yeah. like I, a hundred no. times better. And if season there, one was great too. If there ever was a fence, like I took a fucking like hacksaw to that thing and I chopped <laughs> it down and I, I took a blowtorch to it and a, a flamethrower and I just burn it. There was no, I, this is hands down better than season one. Yeah. Is there any news? Is this the show still going to be ongoing? Oh, is it picked up? Yeah. It, it got, it got renewed for season three. I think I read that article. Awesome. That's good so, to know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anything else, Jake? No, other than that, it's been a busy week for me. I had two people at my job quit. So I've been, I've worked like a 60 hour week last week. So I don't need your personal bullshit and excuses. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just letting you know. It's been sucky. I wish I had fucking other shit just to do something besides my bullshit job. I'm excited. <laughs> You're fine, Jake. Oh, yeah. Leave your personal life out of the podcast. I don't need to hear about it, Jake. Leave that shit at the door. <laughs> you know, hey, yeah. talking about personal things right now, I accidentally uh, I rubbed a little. I accidentally sat my uh, phone case in some uh, teriyaki sauce. So now my phone case smells like teriyaki. Mm. Are you enjoying that? I like it, man. Like, I think, like, this, like, out of the box, they should fucking make these like this. 
This is nice. I don't know. When that thing hits the heat, you may change your tune. Oh no, heat it up. It's a hot teriyaki. <laughs> Dude, that's some that's some hot yaki. <laughs> hot yaki. Oh, I love teriyaki sauce. Oh my the oh, I thing like it too. I like the it thing too. is with the teriyaki sauce and the if you buy it for home consumption. <laughs> If you if you if you're not going out to the restaurant, if you're buying it at home, you can't just like make your whatever you're making and then pour it on. You have to heat up the teriyaki. You gotta get you gotta get the the teriyaki heated up. You gotta heat it up and then and then apply the teriyaki. It's all about it's all about warm teriyaki, people. Right. I like it as a marinade for like the chicken and the steaks. It's great. It's fucking delicious. It's great. It's great. I've been I've been, I've been eating a lot of grilled chicken lately, so I've been like buying a lot of different sauces for my for my chicken. A lot of, I've been eating a lot of chicken breast, and like, you know, I got I got I got a North Carolina barbecue sauce where they put a little bit of mustard in the barbecue sauce. That's some good stuff, Jake. Ooh, that's good yeah. stuff. It is, yeah. It's very tasty. I like it. Um, and then I, you know, and then and then and then and now I've it's been the it's been a debate around the house with with the hickory and the mesquite barbecue sauce. I'm going with I'm going with mesquite, man. I'm a big mesquite guy. A debate around the house. It's just me. It's just me and my two cats. I'm a fucking loser. I was thought so. <laughs> People are gonna you hit. Got numbered of the other two cats against you on this one. Oh man, I got two cats, Cake and Hee Hee, and Hee Hee is with me. Hee Hee is all about mesquite, but Cake, you are a cunt when it comes to barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> You're a dickery about hickory, you motherfucker. Anyway, he loves hickory. He just can't stop ranting and raving about hickory sauce. It's too thick and tangy. I like a little (laughs) bit of tang, buddy, but Jesus Christ. That's like taking tang to the next goddamn level, buddy. Slow your fucking roll there, you fucking feline. (laughs) I love them. They're beautiful. They're beautiful cats. I love them. Um, <laughs> this is stupid. Um, I watched, uh, Rebecca, did you watch Skyscraper? I did. Oh, I did I'm jealous. Skyscraper. <laughs> Skyscraper. I, uh, saw Skyscraper with, um, Dwayne Johnson, uh, FBI hostage rescue team leader and U.S. war veteran Will Sawyer now assesses security for skyscrapers. On assignment in Hong Kong, he finds the tallest, safest building in the world suddenly ablaze, and he's been framed for it. A wanted man on the run. Will must find those responsible, clear his name, and somehow rescue his family who are trapped inside the building above the fire line. Uh, it stars uh, Dwayne Johnson, uh, Nev Campbell, and a very, very clean-cut Pablo Schreiber. Very clean-cut Pablo Schreiber. I almost didn't even recognize him. Uh, he's Lee Schreiber's brother. He was uh, on American Gods, if you watch that show. But yes, um, Rebecca, what did you think about uh, Dwayne Johnson in uh, Skyscraper? You know, I I remember when the when the trailers were coming out and they were showing in the trailers he was making that crazy jump from like a crane yeah. onto the skyscraper and then like uh what's his name Neil deGrasse Tyson was like on Twitter saying, you know, that the physics are impossible for him to make that jump because blah 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 blah. Listen, I don't need Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't need <laughs> Bill Nye the science guy telling me why that's not possible. Um 
this movie was fun. This was a fun movie. I mean, this is like Die Hard meets Towering Inferno. What what's not to like? I mean, there's I I'm not gonna lie though. There's a lot of paint by numbers stuff in this movie. I mean, everything is laid out for you in a straight line. There's all the twists are not really twists. You know what's going to happen. I mean, the stuff on the, but it's fun seeing this kind of stuff in the big screen. Um, you know, that's the rock. He's so engaging and charming. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I would give this a solid taste. It. I think you should see it in the theater for the fun of it. Like for the, for the visuals. Cause the CGI is on point. I thought the CGI was great in this movie. Um, but I, I, it's it's the rock and it's a building on fire and he's jumping all over the place. I mean, it's 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 just a fun, <laughs> fun, stupid movie. I want that to be on the back of the fucking Blu-ray. It's hey, it's the fucking rock and he's jumping all over the place. <laughs> buildings Fuck on you. fire. You don't like the Love building on that? Goddamn buildings on fire. He's gonna dizzy into the building. And he's jumping. Jeez. Yeah, what do you want? What do you want, Neil? Fuck you, Stop Neil. It. You. <laughs> fucking science boy I don't, I don't need to telling me it's not I don't care that it's not physically possible I don't care maybe if I lit a fire under your ass you'd give me some good science <laughs> science boy I don't know um, what'd you rate it Rebecca <laughs> I would give this a solid taste the only thing that I, I'm not gonna I can't give it more than that because it is very paint by numbers it is extremely paint by numbers but everybody who's in it does a really great job I thought Nev Campbell was great The Rock is his usual great self and he plays a dad which I always like when he plays a dad he's he's, he's very convincing I thought the kids were great Pablo Shriver I love that guy oh, he's I, great. I love that guy he's so good he's so much fun to watch on screen it's Pablo I mean, Shriver the building's on fire he's jumping around <laughs> what do you want <laughs> the building's on fire. It's Pablo Shaver. He jumps. Yeah, pay your eight bucks and shut up. Wait, can we like? Is there some way that like Brian and I could do the like director's commentary yeah. for the TV? What do you want to make? He's fucking it's a, Yeah, he's never. Maybe he's never worked a crane before. But the building's on fire. You know, he looks like he's looking. He's a he's a crane genius right now. He is working that he is working that crane over. My God, I could not believe how how well he worked that crane. <laughs> he was quite. He was very convincing on his crane work. I I will. I was I, will like, I know that. this guy is like you know he's like uh, part of he was uh, you know in the military and he's like all into security and stuff. But my God, he, I didn't know he was a crane operator part time. Like he was <laughs> his his crane operating skills were just insane. Dude, we lost Jake. I think I, I think we lost Jake. <laughs> I think he's back. Are you back, Jake? Yeah, I don't know what the fuck. Something's still wrong. Now. Yeah, you sound like shit. He's jumping around. Jake's on fire. Hey, what do you want? Jake's jumping around on Skype. What do you want? He's on fire right now. What do you want? He's great. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't miss much. I see. No, not at all. Hour sleep. Yammering on about the same shit. Let me talk about this movie. It's, it's, it's a diehard ripoff, guys. I mean, it's a diehard ripoff. This is, we're celebrating 30 years of diehard. This is the, is it 30 years of diehard now? Yeah, it came out in 88. This is 30 years of diehard. 
And this is basically a tribute to Die Hard. Everything in this version of Die Hard, though, is bigger. Like, you got, you got this building called the Pearl. It's huge. It's so tall. It's like this gigantic skyscraper. It's like three times the size of fucking, like, the Empire State Building. It's, um, it's, it's huge. So, like, it's like, it's almost like, it's like the writers got into the writing room. They're like, you like Die Hard? Well, let's, let's make Nakatomi Plaza like, <laughs> like 12 times taller and let's set it on fire. Oh, you like Bruce Willis? We're, fuck, we just supersized that puny pussy and we got the rock. And like, <laughs> they even have, they even have a, uh, a Hans Gruber falling yeah. death scene. They do. They totally do. <laughs> but the guy they doesn't just fall. Do. He fucking blows up. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> and like, okay, what's different? Like, okay, so like, uh, and what's different about this one is they were like, we're gonna make it harder for our version of John McClane. Let's say the movie doesn't start off with him in the building, because starting off inside the building, that's for fucking pussies. He's got to find a way in the building. So like, like, and oh, hold on, hold on. What if, what if he's not just gonna protect his wife in this one? And he's got to protect his wife and his two fucking kids in this one. And one of his fucking kids has asthma. And oh, hold on, the building's on fire. Kids got asthma. You fucking put the two together. And then, <laughs> and then you know what? On top of all this, we're only going to give the rock one fucking leg. So. Yeah. <laughs> and he's jumping around all over the place. And he's jumping around. He's jumping around. Hold on, hold on. There, there are scenes though in this movie. There's scenes of him like doing these like heroic things from outside and then inside the building. Like, uh, there, and and uh, what's happening is like news stations are filming this uh, to the people that are at home, like you know, watching it on TV, and then also on a big screen to the people that are outside the building watching this from the ground at the side of this building so as as the people are watching the rock do like these heroic leaps and he's grabbing onto pieces of the building and like hanging on for dear life uh people are watching him from around the world and also on the ground and they're like worried for him so like when he is jumping and he completes a jump or he survives and uh a jumper or, or a leap or some kind of like amazing feat People start to clap and cheer, and it's it's like he just it's like he just finished like obstacle five on stage three of American Ninja Warrior. It's like it's like like they might as well have just instead of naming the building the Pearl, they should have just named it like Mount Midoriyama to fucking complete the setting here because it's like it's basically it's like the Rock and the writers' room are like you know that movie Die Hard yeah you know that show American Ninja Warrior yeah let's 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 blend them together and make a movie and that's what we got here my favorite villain rebecca i don't know if you remember this guy but it's the mustachioed guy towards the end of the film oh yeah 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 i i not yeah him. he looks like he looks like he, let me try to explain like what this guy looks like he's got dark hair he's got a big big hefty mustache he looks like like if you sucked every bit of sex appeal out of charles bronson like that's what this guy looks like <laughs> Oh my god, that's so accurate. It's like, no, like, Charles Bronson was a man's man. You know what I mean? Like, he was a man's man, but on the flip side, like, women wanted to fuck Charles Bronson. Like, Charles Bronson, like, if you don't know anything about Charles Bronson, like, you know, like, I grew up watching Charles Bronson movies with my dad. But, like, Charles Bronson was, he was a fucking real man. Like, this guy, like, like, uh, his, his dad died when he was 10, uh, when he was being, when he was in Poland. And Charles Bronson, as a 10-year-old, went to work in the fucking coal mines. 
he was working in as a ten year old. Charles Bronson was working in coal mines in Poland. Like that's a man's man. This guy in this movie looked like like I don't, he looked like Charles Bronson was like basically like if Charles Bronson was cursed and like forced to walk the earth like forever in the friend zone with women like this was like friend zone bronson right rebecca <laughs> friend zone bronson, friend you know, zone bronson. That, that is extremely accurate actually <laughs> i i would agree with that comparison okay uh, i have <laughs> barely talked about the movie but i the movie has fun action like when when you've got dwayne johnson like hanging onto like parts of a crane and he could fall and they, they get these shots of him like far up and it's it's really scary. Like it, it it gave me vertigo, it felt like in certain scenes where like they're looking at like how far up he is, because like he is on like the tallest building that's you know ever been created here within the movie universe. And um also, I want to point out that that jump that you see in the poster is way shorter than what you actually see in the movie. Like, way shorter. Yeah, it, it totally is. Like, it's it, it, it's like that, uh, it's, and when you see him, like, gearing up to do it, right? Like, you're, you're so there with him. Like, even though we saw that in the, in the trailer, like, and he backs up and he starts yeah. running and then he like jumps off and you know you can't help like people in my audience were giggling because it's just so like ridiculously you know it's so ridiculous and he's jumping off the crane and it's it's wild stuff so i i loved all the work they did with with his um with his prosthetic leg yeah like how he used it in different ways um <laughs> just, just, just to keep a door from shutting <laughs> <laughs> the door so it doesn't okay. stop. He like grabs the door on stop. It. It's a door stop. I was like, come on, come on, come on. I mean, come on, what do you want? Come on. He's, he's, he's the building's on fire. He's jumping around. He's got one leg, you know? <laughs> I love the yeah, I love the fight with him and Pablo Schreiber when he's hopping around on one leg and kicking oh his God. ass. Great job! Chicken I thought man. all the fight choreography was really good in this yeah. too. Actually, yeah. I think it's it's fun. It's a fun movie. Like yeah. it's it's great. I, I, I had a good time. You know, honestly, fun to watch the movie. It's great. It was fun. It's one to see in the theater. If you're gonna see see it in the theater, Rebecca's right. I 100 percent agree there. I do have to disagree though. Like this is like the least amount of personality that I've seen out of the, out of Dwayne Johnson in a movie in a long time. Like it, mm -hmm. he had moments that were, you know, great. Like as far as like his character was concerned, but you know, as personality wise, I felt like there, they, they didn't play up to his strong points. I feel like he's got mm -hmm. a lot. This was like, if you're going to, if you're going to rip off Die Hard, give me that cool John McClane. Give me the, you know, give me those Hans Gruber moments, you know, like welcome to the party Hans. I didn't get that shit. Right. You know right, what I mean? Like right. I didn't get that stuff here, but you know, on the flip side, he's a family man. He's trying to protect his family. There's no time for, for that kind of stuff. You know, the building's on fire, you know, you, you know, so, but it's, it's, man, it was, it was, it was, I had fun watching it. It's not one of those movies where you're going to go in there and you got to nitpick it all the hell. You're just going to go in there and just, I, I, I literally watched this alone. There was nobody. I went to a 10, 15 AM showing nobody in there with me. 
I'm able to hoop and holler and act like a jackass. And like there was times where like he's hanging on from like these bars on that crane and he could fall at any moment. And like there's times where he's like getting ready to fall and you're like, oh, oh and I'm doing that shit in this area. You know what I mean? Like I'm really getting into it. I love The Rock. I love The Rock. I think he's a great role model for young boys. I think he's a fantastic guy. One of the things that I love about Dwayne The Rock Johnson is the fact that he he when he's in a movie and they if a movie could end a certain way or something bad happens he's like no i want people to feel good when they come to my movies i and in the rampage movie he spoilers for rampage movie so skip ahead if you don't want to hear a spoiler about the rampage movie dwayne the rock johnson said that he did not want the the gorilla to die they wanted to kill the gorilla in the movie. And he said, he said, no, he said, no, I want people to leave my movie and feel good. The, he's like, if you kill the gorilla, I'm, I'm done. I'm not doing it. This is not the movie for me. It's so, kind of a King Kong ripoff when you go that far with it, too. So I think that was a good creative decision either way. I agree. I agree. I agree. And uh, I'm, I just love, love that about him. I also love the fact that he in the uh, what was it in the uh, San Andreas movie? He showed um, he showed the steps to uh, to CPR in the San Andreas movie, and a little boy watched that movie so much at home with his family, and uh, his little brother couldn't breathe. He saved his little brother's life because of the CPR that he watched from Dwayne Johnson in the movie San Andreas. That's so amazing. I love that that's story. Awesome. I love that story. Yeah, and that's why that that's amazing. And I think that's why Dwayne Johnson put it in another movie. I think he put it in Jumanji. I think he put like a CPR scene in Jumanji. He did, he put it in another movie. I'm not sure if it was Jumanji or not, but he did I think it. That, I, I think you're right. I, I think it is uh, Jumanji. There are some there. There needs to be a there's a lot of bad role models out there for young boys these days, guys. A lot of bad role models out there. And I think that. Um, I think we need some good ones for, you know, young boys that are growing up that they can look up to. And I, I think I'm, I'm thankful for guys like Dwayne Johnson for little boys growing up. And I think he's kind of like a, he's kind of like a, something that they can try to, that you can, he's a superhero in real life that, that, that young boys can try to attain to be. They want to be more like a, like him. I, I think he's just a fantastic human being. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll watch anything that he puts out. It doesn't matter. It, it, it he could put out anything. I'm not- it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, let's take a uh, let's take. I got. We still got some more stuff to talk about. I I, I want to I want to know what Rebecca was watching, um, and I do want to talk about uh, Sharp Objects on HBO. But uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back to finish Good Pop Bad Pop. back all right uh man sexless charles bronson (laughs) (laughs) 
Brian, did you rate skyscraper? Yeah, it's a taste it. It is a solid okay. taste it. You know, I, okay. I, 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 I kind of, uh, I have a love for, for Die Hard. It's, it's just one of those, it's one of those movies that I will watch, you know, every year, at least once a year. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, this is, this is, a, it's a love skyscraper is a love letter, love letter to, to Die Hard. I feel like it scraped every sky, piece of sky. It, there was no sky left to scrape after I watched that movie. <laughs> no jumps left to jump. There are no jumps left to jump. So, sexless Charles Bronson. Man, I, that poor guy. Like, you know, he was dealt a rough hand in life. You know what I mean? Like, all, all the Charles Bronson, none of the sex. You know, <laughs> <laughs> was Charles Bronson really that like prolific? Oh man, you gotta you gotta think to yourself. Like women were just going nuts for Charles Bronson. He was a man's man. You know what I mean? Like he was rugged. He had those rugged looks. He's like you know he, he was like you know it's like if if John Wayne had any sex appeal, it was Charles Bronson. Mm. You know, See, I, I was always a young Clint Eastwood fan. I, I would take young Clint Eastwood over Charles Bronson personally. Well, well shit. Now just saying, it's just it's a personal taste. That's all. All right, I'm just saying. Like I don't know. I I feel like I feel like uh, Charles Bronson was a little. He was he was he was a he was a strong lover, but he had its tender touch. You know what I mean? I feel like mm-hmm. I don't know if, if Clint Eastwood is that attentive in the bedroom. You know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like Charles Bronson. He really gets down and dirty and gets. He really satisfies a lot of needs for a lot of people. <laughs> but then, like he, but then, like he wants to hold you afterwards, like and enjoy that intimate moment. I do. Yeah. There's a. There's that, so? Yeah. There's okay. that. Sp- <laughs> real fan fiction here. I guys. do. <laughs> No, I think I think Rebecca, I think you're on to something. I feel like that you know, like like the women were probably kind of shocked that there was this there was this loving side of Charles Bronson after the deed was done, you know? It's he he would definitely make you breakfast the next day. Oh god, he would definitely make you breakfast. Oh, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely he would. Yes, and and he he would cook it in a coal oven from the coal that he mined. That is impressive. That is impressive. You know, I don't know. Some, I don't know. Charles Bronson, man, what a, he was an American, not an, a Polish legend. That man was. <laughs> anyway, uh, John, how are, you, how are you enjoying your first podcast? It's going good. Yeah. It, it, is, is, is it weird? Are, the, are you, you got the nerves? Or are you like, I don't know, man. It's, it's always weird. Like the first time I was so nervous the first time I podcasted. I mean, talking to people in general when you work from home is kind of weird, so <laughs> it's just kind of any other day I go out of the house. John's like, I'm not used to talking to the three-dimensional people. <laughs> I just yeah, baby steps. Used to reading people t- saying stuff on a uh, two-dimensional screen here. So um, Let's talk about Sharp Objects on HBO. Um, fresh from a brief stay at a psych hospital, reporter Camille Preaker faces a troubling assignment. She must return to her tiny hometown to cover the murders of two preteen girls. For years, Camille has hardly spoken to her neurotic, hypochondriac mother or to the half-sister she barely knows, a beautiful 13-year-old with an eerie uh, eerie grip on the town. 
Now installed in her old bedroom in her family's Victorian mansion, Camille finds herself identifying with the young victims a bit too strongly. Dogged by her own demons, she must unravel a psychological puzzle of her own past if she wants to get the, the story and survive this homecoming. It's a uh, Sharp Objects is based on the book Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn. She wrote Gone Girl, which was later adapted into the uh, Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike film. Uh, the creator here is uh, Marty Noxon. Uh, she's known as a writer and producer for uh, Buffy the Vampire uh, Vampire Slayer TV series. Uh, this stars Amy Adams, Patricia, Patricia Clarkson, and Chris Messina. Um, did everybody get a chance to watch Sharp Objects? Hello? I have lost everyone. All right, I got everybody back. Did everybody get a chance to see Sharp Objects? Yes. Yes. Yep. All right, cool. So what did you guys think about uh, the pilot episode of this new HBO series starring Amy Adams? Uh, I'll start with uh, John. What did you think, man? I thought it was good. Um, I got major... Stephen King It vibes uh, from the 2017 movie and not just because it had Beverly in it um, just the whole concept of uh, you know the curfew kids having to go in early adults sort of being in denial um, yeah just major Stephen King It vibes what would you ra- what would you rate the episode the episode itself uh, I'd give it a Tupperware okay awesome uh, Rebecca I really liked this first episode a whole lot. Um, I like the dual storylines that we're getting of her as a child and then her as an adult. Um, there's, I mean, obvious like that these two things are connected or these two timelines are absolutely um, connected. And I, I, I'm really excited to see like what happened in her childhood that has caused her to become the adult that she is now you know we see her hard drinking and smoking and uh sleeping in her car and she has a terrible relationship with her with her mom and um i i thought it was beautifully shot i thought amy adams was i mean just great in this i thought she was wonderful um i i would also talk aware this i i so love this first episode they gave us enough to keep me intrigued but i i can't wait for more jake yeah um i didn't watch a trailer for this show or read a synopsis or anything i just just watched that first episode and man i i was blown away i i tupperware as well i mean this was this was gorgeous in almost every way like the way it was shot with like beck was saying it was just amazing i love kind of the surreal quality of it that it had and ab adams was so fucking good um i'm so intrigued by her fucked up family and wanting to learn more about like what's going on there with her mom and i thought her sister was kind of kind of bizarre her stepsister but yeah this is great i loved this kind of storytelling i there's so much intrigue it as a pilot it made me want to tune in next week for sure and not wait for all to be collected i was hooked yeah, I, I have to echo a lot of what you guys are saying. Like, uh, Amy Adams is just putting on a fucking clinic in this series. This is, she's too good for this show. She's too good for this fucking earth. She is so, when, when she's given a great role, like I'm talking about like a rival, Amy Adams, um, American Hustle, Amy Adams, you know, when like she's given some meat, she is just, 
I don't know. Just incredible. And this is like, this is like, you know, like people are talking about, you know, oh, True Detective season three coming out. Yeah. Fuck it. I got, I got a sharp objects on HBO. Like this is, this is where it's at. Like I don't know what they're going to do with True Detective season three. This is, this is what I'm watching now. This is great. This is Tupperware. This is so good. I love the, the flashback scenes of her. I want to know kind of like, more what happened there it feels like some bad things happened to her she's she seems like a curious girl you know like when she walks into that uh that shack with all the porn that's hanging on the wall mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's not the that made jerky yeah yeah there's not that moment i feel like bad things are gonna happen like we're not done with that shack bad things are gonna happen in that shack but like what also struck me is like you know like that's the thing it's like Young boys and young girls, it doesn't matter if it's... Of course, young boys are curious about sex, but, like, young girls are curious about sex, too. So she's seeing probably these things, these graphic images, for the first time. And uh, she doesn't, like, run right out of there. She's she's curious about, like, what she's seeing. Like, these are new things. And uh, then we get, like, this a crazy scene of her young younger, and she's like... Is she, like, in a cheerleader outfit, and she's got all these boys chasing her in the woods? Like, another flashback scene that she sees? Yeah, where she's in the water. Yeah. Is that the one you're talking about? Well, yeah, no. it was bizarre. There was there was a scene that was a scene where the boy held the gun to her in the water, but there was a scene later on where it looked like a bunch yeah, of like the guys drinking and chasing her. Yeah, they were looked like they were like maybe in like football letterman jackets and she was like in mm-hmm. a cheerleader outfit and they were all chasing her in the woods. And I was thinking to myself like why is she back out there? Like, why is she back out in these, like, bad stuff has been happening to her while she, and she looked a little older there in that scene too. Mm-hmm. Why is she back out there? What's going on? Like, who, somebody messed this girl up. Somebody did something really bad. And it feels like mom wasn't there for her when the bad things happened. Maybe she didn't, you know, mom feels like she's been embarrassed her whole life by her daughter. Um, we also know that she had a sister who, who's, who passed away. And I want to know more about that. Like, you know, we saw the scene of like her sister in the bed having what looked like kind of like maybe a convulsion or so, some sort of a attack. And uh, then we saw a little bit of her as a child flipping out at the uh, the funeral. Um, and uh, that was a powerful scene. The, the girl, yeah, the girl that plays Beverly and it plays younger version of Amy Adams in this series. And like. She looks just like her, and she's just nailing. Yeah, she's that's nailing perfect casting, perfect casting, and she's nailing this role. And Amy Adams is so good; she is so good in this series. This is this is must watch TV for me. Like this is like Jake. I'm with you. Like week to week, I'm watching Sharp Objects. This is this is fantastic. Yeah, I like all the little little touches too. Like I I've only watched it once, but I I really want to watch it again because there was just so many like little quick images and quick mm-hmm. like strange things. Yeah. At the beginning of the episode when she's on the interstate, the, did you see the exit? Yeah, last chance to get off or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was like a, a like a in her head surreal exit sign. So it like it kind of opens up the door to not knowing a hundred percent. If we're, we're like just seeing stuff in her head a little bit too, mm. I thought. Yeah. Which is the direction. Yeah. Like it, this could kind of go any way. I, uh, but, but like to, oh, sorry. No, no, go right ahead. I, I was going to say the idea of like, you know, she grew up in this small town where everybody knows everybody's business and everybody knows what everyone's doing. She leaves that. She goes to the larger city of St. Louis and now 
she has to go home again. And that's a theme that I think a lot of people can relate to of going home again and whether that be good or bad. And I think we've seen her have like nice experiences, like, like run into like uh, her mom's friend who's like the town gossip and, and she hugs her and, mm, yeah. or she runs into the, like her friend who now runs the bar. Yeah. Um, she has those moments of reconnecting with people, but then she has really terrible moments of like she's reliving her sister's death she's reliving all this stuff that happened to her as a teenager and her mom i mean her mom is like brilliantly played by that's um patricia arquette right no that's the wrong name no it's uh patricia clarkson i had the patricia right clarkson sorry um she she plays the mom so well and and you there is a total disconnect between them i i think the show is great it's it's going to be eight episodes and i i can't wait to see what they do with this story i can't wait to yeah. see how they connect you know the two timelines here a couple scenes the one uh one scene i loved both scenes i loved for different reasons and it's going to sound a little fucked up when i say this but one of the scenes that I loved is the scene where she gets drunk, she's back in her car jamming out to fucking Led Zeppelin, and then she passes out. It was just, oh, that was awesome. Such a great transition. Yeah, I just love it when, like, kind of, like, music kind of, like, overtakes you. And I don't know. I don't know where she was in her headspace in that moment, but it was a powerful scene. Like, one of my favorite scenes from any movie is, like, Jerry Maguire when, like, uh, Tom Cruise is singing Tom Petty in the car. Like, I love that. Right. Mm -hmm. Totally different music kind of scene here, you know, but she's 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 kind of just back in her hometown, losing her shit and just passes out drunk in her car, wakes up the next day. The other scene that that, scene actually made me laugh, Brian, in a good way. Yeah. Like, I know that you're just having a good time. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you're you're woke up and it's over and you'd realize you fucked up kind of. You're right. You're right. Absolutely, man. Like the the song, too, is perfect for it. Like, I I probably would have been doing the same thing, you know. So um, but the other thing was uh, when uh, a haunting scene that I that 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 I will not ever be able to like forget um when I think about this pilot episode is when um the woman is uh in the alley and she's laying on the ground and she's screaming and a guy says we need help and they rush up and they see the dead girl's body hanging there in the mm. win- in the windowsill and how real and how creepy that looked to see like this preteen girl just laid up on this windowsill dead and it was and her looking at the girl and like what feelings it gave her and it just like it was a haunting scene man like i whoo it was uh powerful that was a great scene i love the i really one of my favorite scenes of the episode is with her and the detective in the interrogation room and it kind of harkens back to the scene you're talking about where they you know they talk about that thing that you wish for happens and then kind of the reality sets in of you know what you're wishing for and yeah. I thought that was some really powerful stuff too. Every like de- just- every detective wants their big serial case, and he now that it's here, it's like, do I really want this in the moment? You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, the, it, yeah, it's kind of gross that you yeah. basically wished for the child to die so you could have a better career. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. Like if I if I if if I you know if, if somebody were to do something to someone that I know and loved and cared about. I do want somebody that it's weird. There are people that are made that are programmed a certain way to do certain jobs. 
I couldn't do it. Like people that, you know, uh, fuck, I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, like doctors, they have to, ha- they have to kind of like separate themselves from the situation. Like you throw me into a room with that where I got to do surgery and I'm like, I got, you know, take a bullet <laughs> out of somebody and then like, you know, like, uh, you know, stop them from bleeding. Uh, I want to, I want a doctor that's removed from the situation that doesn't feel anything in the moment, but just knows what to do and keeps calm and can do his work. You know, like that's the doctor I want. I want the sociopath doctor. So, yeah, it's a tough quality to yeah. be both the you know the sociopath yeah. and the professional. Exactly, and so like that's I feel like a lot of the I don't know if this is a good detective or not to be on the case. I feel like Amy Adams is actually going to be the better person that's suited for this and uh better than than him in this scenario just by like what he said there like and i can't fault the guy that's that's kind of human nature of course you want to be like the next big fucking like you know detective and like solve the case and and all this stuff but like when you're thrust into that and into this actual uh, this is actually happening where preteen girls are getting murdered like jesus i I don't know man that's great you got to be a you got to be a special kind of person and kind of detached in a way to to do some of these things that people do. Like I could never work in like a I could never be a mortician. There's no way. Like I worked in a I worked in a funeral home for a couple of weeks. Um it was a sales job years ago where I would like um I was going to like sell people like burial plots and and um talk to families after they lost their loved ones and you know I couldn't do it. I did. I, I I couldn't do it. I, I I talked to my first family, and it was like a young child died. You know what I mean? And, oh God! And, yeah, and, I could not do that either. You know, the mother's crying. Like you know, you're talking about like a you know like an 18, 19 year old kid that died. I don't know the circumstances, but you don't feel like upselling them on like the casket. You know, it's it's I, I couldn't separate myself from it. So I put I, I literally put in my in my notice after that. I, I can't I couldn't do it. The, the, um, dude, for five for five years, I worked in health insurance and 90 percent of the time the calls are people yelling about their 20 dollar copays. But every now and then you get a call from a mom whose son just got diagnosed with cancer and they uh, want to know, you know, what are their options? Yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember I was working at a call center years ago, John. And a guy from New Jersey called me and, um, he was, uh, and this was, I, I was, I was, uh, basically like, you know, if you couldn't, if you had a problem with your fax machine, you would call me. Like I was, I would help you. I would walk you through it. I was customer service. Well, this guy was like trying to get his fax machine set up to take his name off of it when it sent a fax out because he was given six months to live and he didn't want after his when his wife used it after he passed away um he didn't want his name to be sent out on the faxes oh my god that's Uh, terrible and me and him i literally talked to him for four hours because um he just kind of like it's weird how people kind of open up to you and talk to you and they the walls are broken down when you're at your most vulnerable and i remember him saying to me over the phone i'm 40 he was late 40s gonna be 50 and he's like he's like brian he's like you know i don't want to die i'm not ready to go oh my god and i'm oh and it's I'm 20 years old at the time and you know like when you're 20 you got your whole life ahead of you and everything and just hearing you know 
hearing a guy talk like that and like just realizing like, yeah, we're all going to die one day. And here I'm talking to a guy and he's got like a, a, he's got a death sentence. Doctor told him he's got like six months to live. And he's talking to me. He's, he's totally in his head. Like he can talk to me just like a normal person. He, he does, he doesn't sound like somebody that's dying. He sounds like somebody that, that wants to fight and he wants to live, but like he, but he, he can't help what his body's doing. And it's just like, I know we're not even talking about sharp objects anymore. I'm like moved on to something else, but it was, just, it was one of those haunting kind of like conversations that I will never forget. Um, as yeah, long how as could I live. So, yeah, um, Sharp Objects, uh, Absolute Tupperware on HBO. I highly, highly, highly fucking recommend watching this. I was um, blown away by the ending, too. I did not see that coming. Because, like I said, I, I really didn't know anything about this show going in. And yeah. It was very, like, I don't want to spoil it for our listeners, but wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that has to say. And I thought it was really cool of HBO to kind of have a message at the end of the episode, like, for anyone, you know that has any kind of issues like that are depicted in the show that, you know, they can reach out. Yeah. I like it when shows do that. Um, impulse on YouTube red did that. Um, so yeah, they had like a, a number for you to call if you'd experience anything like that. Um, Rebecca, what do you have for uh good pop, bad pop? Did, did, we didn't go over yours, did we? No, not yet. Um, I have a, I have a couple of things here. Some of them I'm going to be really quick on. Um, I finally got back to Luke Cage season two. Mm. I am in episode nine currently. Um, I really like this season. I think season two is better than season one, um, just because it's been a little bit more consistent and a little bit more cohesive to me. Um, have Have you guys all watched season two or, or I, no? I am. No. Jake hasn't started it. I don't, Jake's kind of done with the Netflix Marvel stuff, aren't you? Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, unless something like really new and different like pops up. Like I'd probably give Moon Knight a look if they did that. I gotcha. I, I finished uh, episode 12, so I have one more episode left. Okay, so you're like a, just a few ahead yeah. of me. John, are, um, are you watching this? Yeah, I saw it all the Friday it dropped. Oh shit! Oh nice! <laughs> wow, we got a super fan. Was that well, uh, was I that something had for the to write su- about it? So I had to get okay. it out of the way early. That, oh, yeah, okay. makes sense. Yeah. So, do you, did you wait up till like they dropped it like at three, four in the morning, or did you just wake up the next day and start watching it? I woke up the next day and just made a day of it just plowed through it yeah yeah I, it's one of those things where like i used to do that like i when when daredevil came out that first season um i it was i was locked in man i was locked in like it dropped on that friday that that was my tv viewing you know yeah, when season two came out it was the night we went up to c2e2 and i didn't sleep i stayed up all night and watched fucking daredevil season two <laughs> yeah yeah daredevil was an event so uh yeah rebecca so you you're you're enjoying the season yeah i like it like i would give overall i give the episode i give what i've seen so far uh, a, a high taste it um i love bushmaster as a villain i think he's great i I wish we had more of him and less of Mariah. I, I really do. I mean, I love Alfre Woodard. I don't know. Something about her is Mariah. It just doesn't... Ugh. I, I don't know if they're just trying to show her character has changed from season one to two, but I really don't like like how she's being played this year. Um, her relationship with Shades is really weird. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just yeah. like... Right? Like, it's just... 
Ugh, it's I think so it's off-putting to me. I think it's with the with the Marvel Netflix series, and I want to get John's thoughts on Luke Cage season two. But like, I think with like the with with the the Luke Cage series and with all these Marvel Netflix series, I think that they should kind of like appropriately uh, give us seasons that are maybe shorter. Um, and maybe mm-hmm. episodes that are that are shorter. We don't need each episode to be, you know, forty five minutes to an hour, and we don't necessarily have to have thirteen episodes per season. If it means that we have to have a fifteen episode season for something, if you have an expansive story to tell, that's fine. But I feel like in this one, it's all in the execution too. It's not only the amount of episodes, but it's the execution. I think some of the messages that they've had in this season have been fantastic. One of the messages that I really enjoyed out of the season, where I thought the execution was shitty, was the fact of that, you know, Mariah killed Cottonmouth in the first season, and now she's gotta live that Cottonmouth gangster lifestyle, and she's not that person. She's not equipped to mm-hmm. handle that lifestyle. Cottonmouth was that guy. And I feel like, yeah, they, they, they told it, they basically told, had another character tell us that message. It, it didn't come out naturally in the in the show. Yeah, they, they had- I, I, that that's hitting the nail on the head. She's stepping into a role that she's not comfortable with, but other people have to tell us that. Like she doesn't say it. It's not clear. It's not clearly expressed by her. Um, I do, however, think the actor who plays Shades, Theo Rossi, I think he's great. Uh, I, he almost steals the series for me. I think he is excellent as Shades. The episode, I, I feel like it's episode maybe four. I could be off on my numbering here. But the episode where him and Comanche are waiting at the barbershop for Luke. And, they, and they're like sitting back to back and they have that really subtle conversation. Mm-hmm. I think... To what I've seen so far, that's like the standout scene to me in the entire series so far. Yeah. Like I thought that that, se- that scene was so well done. You knew what they were talking about without them expressly saying it. And then it comes back later on in, in like I think the next episode between him and Comanche. Um, the, he's just killing it as shades. I, I like all the new characters they've introduced. I like the daughter. Um, I, I really love Bushmaster. I love the music in this season. Season two music has been amazing with all the Jamaican influence. Oh, it's the, the music is gorgeous. Like Jake, if, if you don't watch it, like I would suggest you check out like the music on Spotify. It is. Is so it still the good. same guy? Because the guy that did the musical selector producer guy for the first season was um the gentleman from tribe called quest like they're they're old dj do you know if it's still the oh, same god oh gosh i i don't i don't know i don't know offhand i'm gonna see if i can figure that out but i'll look it up while you keep talking be, be, the reason why i say that is because because bushmaster is jamaican and he's the he's the 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 villain this season, a lot of the music has that Jamaican feel to it. Um, you got a lot of Marley influence stuff, but you still got like a lot of that old, you still got a lot of bluesy Harlem sounding. 
I think the music in this season is better than season one. And I, I you're a big music guy, and and I, I I think you would enjoy like the different flavor of it. Um, but yeah, I, I would give what I've seen so far a high taste. I'm I haven't seen. Uh, I know that like Ironfish shows up. I haven't seen him yet. Mm. I'm not that far along yet. But um, I like what I've seen. I like this better than season one so far. Uh, and I loved the first half of season one. Um, yeah. But this, I overall, yeah. I, I'm enjoying. I think uh, you, you said you finished episode nine. I'm in the middle of episode nine. Okay, I think Iron Fist is episode ten. When a, I think so. When a Jamaican guy jacks off, do they call it a Jamaican jerk? <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine so. I'm going to say yes. Okay, I was just curious, John. What did you think about uh, Luke Cage season two? So I agree with um, a lot of the points that you guys brought up. Um, yeah, the music is definitely great this season. Um, the reggae is definitely on point. Uh, they brought in Stephen Marley for an episode. That was great. Um, I do think that Shades and Mariah, they each drag each other down, but on their own, they're amazing. Mariah, though, I, I don't know. I'm a fan of, in the comics, she's, you know, a large... She's very big. She's like an Amanda Waller-esque, large, sassy black woman, and I kind of wish they went that way with the show. Um, that's just me being a comic book fan, though. But also, um, yeah, in terms of what Brian said with the pacing and the season structure, you know, they're very hard set on these 55-minute mm. episodes, 13-episode seasons. Mm -hmm. I think they should just come up with a story and then tell that story in however many episodes it takes, be it six episodes, be it 16 episodes. I mean, it, yeah. it's a comic book show. If you look to the comics, one of the complaints is that a lot of writers write for the trade. You know, they tell a story and they have it, they're hard set on making it six issues. And sometimes that can destroy the pacing. And I think, you know, a lot of these Netflix shows fall into that same trap. Yeah, that's a great point, man. And it's one of those things like I, I always I always go to this show. This is my example, but this this is my example for like a, I how I feel like Netflix can can do shows because they can get away with this. This is not network television. This is not like I'm watching fucking like you know ABC where it's Modern Family and they got to give me 24 minutes. Netflix can do whatever the hell they want to. And one of the shows that I think it should be kind of like the benchmark, in my opinion, is the show called The OA with Britt Marling. And that show was broken up into each episode was a chapter and one episode could be 32 minutes. The next episode could be an hour. The next episode could be 54 minutes. The next episode could be 45 minutes. It was just what they wanted to fit into that chapter. And I just thought that that was so brilliant. Like, so like you, you can't do that's what Netflix can do that none of network television can't do. Like I, yeah, it makes no sense why they aren't, kind of. Agreed. And I know that there's been, like, shows like, uh, Jake, we've seen it with Legion. I've seen it with Taboo, where they can have an, an episode that's an hour, or they can or they can do the hour 15 if they want to. Like, I've seen that happen with FX shows. But, like, as far as, like, standard network television, like, if you're just going to get on, like, ABC, NBC, or CBS, it's 30-minute shows or an hour show. So you're, it, it, by the time commercials are done, you're getting 22 minutes and you're, or you're getting 42 minutes or whatever it is. And like, you don't have to do that with Netflix. 
Like that's, that's that's like what they could do with like Luke Cage. Like you could just give me like an incredible fucking like thirty minute episode of Luke Cage that just has so much meat within that episode, um, and you just cut all the fat out. Uh, but then the next episode could be that hour or whatever. Like you could you could do that with Luke Cage. You can break it up into different chapters and just give us different lengths of each episode. I I don't think fans would be upset at all. I think we'd actually kind of like appreciate that. You know, so yeah, it's weird yeah. to me how oh sorry how HBO takes more advantage of doing that kind of trick than you ever see Netflix or Hulu, right? Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. they, they they've done that as well. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it, 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 it seems like. That's what I love. Uh, Britt Marling, I think she's just a, she's just a great creator and a great actor. And, uh, I think she gets it. I think she gets it. She, you know, she's like, I, I wrote this episode. This is what's in the episode. Okay. When I, when I write the treatment for this episode, it comes to this many pages, this many pages is this many minutes. And that's it. It's like, I, I feel like that should be the benchmark for ne- these Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon shows. It just, it really should be. Like, and I, I feel like you kind of like, you 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 hurt your creators when you when you tell them like okay guys we're we're five minutes short here or or whatever I don't know are these conversations that are happening like you know like okay so uh, I, I want to know what this character is doing in this moment so write something for that like you know I, that's what I, you know I get it like uh, Rick and Morty you know they signed like a what was it like a seventy episode deal but that's gonna happen whenever the, it when it happens you know like. Comedy Central, uh, 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 Cartoon Network. Is it Cartoon Network? They're on Cartoon Network, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah don't swim. I'm losing my mind. Uh, they, they're not going to be like, you got to get these episodes out now. We need them now. No, they're going to give them all the time that they want. You signed a contract. Those episodes are going to come out whenever they come out. They're not going to make them, they're not going to make them, you know, fucking, they're not going to make, Dan Harmon, what's amazing about Dan Harmon, I'm talking about Rick and Morty now, but what's amazing about Dan Harmon is like the fact that like, you know, like you see a lot of like, you know, like, uh, Rick Sanchez drinking and all that stuff. That's Dan Harmon. Like Dan Harmon is like, he's, 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 he's a funny, brilliant guy, but he's also, he drinks a lot and he's, he's, you know, he's, he's got depression and all these problems and stuff like that. You can't push a guy like that creatively. You got to let him come into his stuff in his own time. And I, I think Cartoon Network kind of understands that, and they wanted to lock him up. And yeah, that's a great point. We saw what happens when you push Dan Harmon with Community. Yeah. Well, that's a, that, you, know? That, you know, yeah, exactly, Jake. But th- th- you don't do that with. And uh, you're on the same page with me, Dan Harmon. What happened with Compu- Community? 100% agreed. And see, that's the thing. It's like you don't want to see Marvel. I, I understand Marvel's a machine, but like, let's not treat it like it's a machine. Because like, no, when you, especially when you've already got proof that the good product exists yes treating it like a machine yes when you got steven denight fucking killing it on fucking as the showrunner at daredevil season one and you know it can be done you know you can make great stuff and you don't have to fucking make it part of the mcu you don't have to you can just make great stories about these characters because they're great fucking characters they're great fucking characters I mean, they can do the exact same. Like, look what the MCU did with the Guardians of the Galaxy. They took they took a fucking raccoon in a tree and they made him the hottest fucking things. <laughs> and you can do yeah. that with these Netflix shows. You don't have to treat this like it's a goddamn machine. You can you can you can wait around for this stuff, and you can you can you can, and it's on Netflix, so you can make these episodes like twenty minutes if you fucking wanted to. Just make just give us good shit. 
And I, I'm with you, Rebecca. Like it's uh, for me, it's a taste it so far, and that's a good that's a good rating for this season mm-hmm. of Luke Cage. I've I've enjoyed it for the most part, but I think that they should cut the fat. They they need to cut some of the fat. They need to trim some of this shit. And I feel like I'm a broken record saying that. <laughs> but they but they do. They need to trim some of this fat. They really do. And they they even needed to trim some of the fat with Defenders, and that was only eight fucking episodes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Daredevil season one is the only one that made the best use out of its 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I agree with that completely. Daredevil season one still holds up. You go – I just rewatched the first seven it's, episodes uh, recently, and yeah. it's still so good. That's, 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 it's that's amazing. It's because it's Stephen tonight. Exactly. I was. I totally. I'm on board with you on that. Stephen Denight had a lot to do with that. Well, he signed a Netflix Daredevil. deal. He signed. Yep. A, he signed a Netflix deal. But does that Netflix deal for like the content that he's making for Netflix is any of that fucking Marvel stuff? I don't. I have no idea. I haven't heard. They haven't like like everybody was like going nuts for like oh yeah Stephen Denight like signed like a. Uh, like an, I think it might even be like an exclusive deal to like do a certain amount of like you know movies and and shows and stuff like that for Netflix. And I think like everybody's mind to like jump back to like you know oh Stephen Denight on the Marvel Netflix stuff. Like I don't know if he's doing Marvel Netflix stuff here, guys. Like he might be I doing. Would, I would guess no. Yeah, like I mean he just did Pacific Rim Uprising, so he might be doing like movies for them. It's like. When I first read the article, yeah, I was thinking, oh, God, yeah, let's get this guy back on a Netflix Marvel series. And I'm like, oh, well, it, the article doesn't read that way. So They should give him some of the Miller World stuff. I think that would be a really cool mm, fit. Mm, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Absolutely. That's a great fucking uh, idea. It's a great – I love that, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Rebecca, we weren't gonna spend too much time on what you've been watching, but we, apparently we did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of that is my fault. But, um, what else have you been watching? I got one quick thing I want to talk about before I get on to like something that's really good. I, I have to admit, I saw this movie only because everybody said how terrible it was, and I was so curious, I had to go see if it was, for myself, if it was terrible, I saw Gotti in the theater oh, the, with Travolta. Oh, wow. It's, it's the, it's one of the, it's, uh, it's the, one of the rare movies on Rotten Tomatoes where it received all rotten ratings. So it was at a yeah. zero, zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It still is. I checked today to see if anybody gave it a fresh rating. It is still at zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And this is the John, uh, John Travolta and his wife. What's his yes. wife's, uh, what's his wife's Kelly, name? Kelly, uh, Kelly Preston. Kelly. Yeah. Kelly Presley? Is it Preston? Preston. 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 Yeah. Yeah, she Maybe plays uh no no, you're right. It's 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 uh it's Kelly Preston. She plays Victoria Gotti, John Gotti Sr.'s wife. Um there's a lot wrong with this movie. Like this movie drags on it the it's terrible. It drags on forever. Um it's edited really badly, like it's very choppy the way that it's edited. It's like they're showing you Gotti's greatest hits and it's really not well. If this had been made as a miniseries and released like on Netflix or HBO or Stars, something like that, this would have worked. Ah, they would have stretched out the 13 episodes, right? Pr- probably. But I mean, th- because what they do is they jam so much into this movie because it's really about Gotti Sr. and his kid, John Gotti Jr. It, the movie is just as much about his son as it is about 
him. And I mean, Travolta is just, I, I don't know, man. He's just so ham-fisted playing Gotti. And uh, it's really, it's just really, really bad. I mean, the only interesting thing for me is that like I, where I live is where Gotti used to have his club. It's literally three blocks from my house. So a lot of this movie is shot in my neighborhood. Uh, it's shot down the block from where I live. It's shot in Howard Beach, which is where Gotti lived for years. Um, I'm sure I've passed by his house many times, um, which is like, it's cool to see like your neighborhood on the screen, whatever. But, uh, but my, my problem with these mafia movies is always that I, I always feel like they, they, they like glamorize and glorify what these mobsters do. And I mean, <sighs> Having grown up in an Italian neighborhood where the mob had a handhold for years, it's not glamorous. It's not exciting. It's only exciting if you're in that life and you get to reap the benefits. Yeah, I, that, I, I, so. I get that, Rebecca. Hold on, hold on. Can I play devil's advocate here? Of course, of course. <laughs> All right. And, and I, I know I'm in the minority. I know I am because a lot of people love all these mafia movies. No, 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 no. So I, 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 I did too. I love the, I love the mafia movies. I really do. Like my favorite part of the mafia movies are the fact that when, like when they do glamorize this shit. Do I, do, does that make me want to go out and join the mafia? Fuck no. Fuck no. Come on. It's like terrible. It's terrible. I know that. It's terrible watching Joe Pesci take a fucking pen and stab a guy in the fucking neck over and over repeatedly until the guy bleeds out. It's terrible. But you know what? Like what happens in all of the mobster movies is they glamorize all this stuff and by the end everything falls apart and you see like what their life has turned into. Like they've got to oh. do that. Like that's the exciting yeah. part. Like Goodfellas, Goodfellas, if the whole movie of Goodfellas was basically like Ray Liotta and like and, and fucking uh you know uh who's who else was in that one? It didn't was Denise De- De Niro in that one? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, De Niro. Yeah, Ray, Ray Liotti and De Niro and, and, and all these guys. And it was just uh, them doing all these things. But then, like, in the background, you had people kind of, like, going, tsk, 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 you shouldn't do that. <laughs> it wouldn't no, be I, as good a movie. I completely understand what you're saying. I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say I don't watch any of these movies. I've seen The Godfather. I've seen Goodfellas. I've seen these movies. But, like, the end of Gotti... Uh, by the way, this this movie's a toss it. Like, don't ever go see it. It's just terrible. Um, but like at the end of Gotti, they're showing like real footage from like when he died, and they're interviewing people in the neighborhood, and and they're like, oh, he was a great man. He was a great guy. You know, he did a lot for the neighborhood. Yeah, he did a lot for the neighborhood. If you were part of the neighborhood, but if you were not part of that life, I mean, and they show it in the movie. Like Gotti's son gets hit by a car. One of his kids gets hit by a car and he dies. The guy who hit Gotti's kid, it was a complete accident. Like the kid came out of nowhere and, and like police like records verify, blah, blah, blah. But the guy, it was a real accident. A week later, this guy disappeared from Howard Beach and was never seen again. You know, so I mean, like, I, I, I get it. Like, that did that guy like did he deserve payback it was an accident it was a tragedy something terrible happened but like that guy his family was deprived of their husband and father etc so i i mean i i get it again i know i'm in the minority and it's it's my nitpick only because i grew up 
in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I grew up around this, so I lived it firsthand. Um, but yeah, Gotti is terrible. Don't go see it. It's a toss it. It's just. It's absolutely – if you want to see a really good gaudy thing, watch the miniseries with um, Armand Asante from the 90s. That's good stuff. Like that's interesting and like that's spread out and you can tell the whole story at a nice pace. Yeah, it'd be uh, nice. I don't know. Rebecca's a gangster movie prude. Maybe yeah. it'll be worth checking out. <laughs> I don't know. You might like it. I think. Uh, I think. I, I think Basil liked it. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. But oh, Basil! Um, Basil loves everything. Mobster. He loves all that mafia yeah, stuff, and, and yeah. that's cool. Um, the other thing I did see that I really, on the other opposite end of the spectrum, is I saw the documentary Three Identical Strangers. Have have you guys seen this or or heard of this movie? I've never even heard of it. It's a limited release, and it is actually a movie pass movie, so they are distributing it. Um, the synopsis is in nineteen eighty New nineteen eighties New York, three young men who were all adopted discover that they are triplets who were separated at birth. They describe their lives and what they've discovered about why they were separated. Um, it, it, it is a documentary. Um, so you get to see the actual guys. You see footage from like when they were on the Phil Donahue show. Do they all look the same? Yeah. Are they identical? They are. They're three identical, uh, tri- uh, triplets. Jake, this is like the real orphan black dude. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Yeah, the, it, um, it's real too. It's a documentary. It, it's a documentary. It happened right here in in New York State. Um, these and they tell the story of like how it starts out with like one of the triplets is telling the story how he he enrolled in college. It's his first day on. It's his first day. He doesn't know anybody in the school, and he's walking around campus, and people are saying, "Hey, Eddie, good to see you again, Eddie." And he's like. Who's Eddie? I'm Bobby. What, who is this guy? And people are addressing him as Eddie until finally, like, a, a guy, you know, what, what, one of the kids comes up to him and goes, like, Eddie, I didn't think you were coming back to school. And he's like, who's Eddie? My name is Bobby. And the guy, like, the, the, the guy says, were you adopted? And he says, yeah. Were you born on July 12th, 1961? Uh, yeah. He goes, I think you have a twin, and I think he goes to the school. And that's how the story starts. And they go and they call Eddie, and Bobby goes and meets Eddie, and then they realize, oh, my God, we we were both adopted from the same agency. We were born the same day. They look identical. So the, the New York Post does a story about them. The third brother named David reads this article and goes these guys look just like me and he calls them and he goes i think i'm your triplet and then they all the three of them meet and then like that's how the documentary opens and then the really the the meat of the documentary is about why they were separated at birth and who separated them and for what reason and this is an amazing documentary because it's 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 heartwarming in the beginning and then it gets very sinister and it takes all these turns that you just don't you don't see coming 
and it really makes you feel like it just it just makes you feel so angry for these brothers of what they went through and how they met each other and it, it, it's a Tupperware. If, if it comes, if it plays near where you live, I really recommend this movie. It is very emotional. You will tear up in a lot of spots. There's a lot of talk about mental illness. I mean, it is, it's shocking and surprising and it's upsetting when you find out why these boys were separated. Oh my and God. And how they never knew each other. And this it sounds incredible. It's, it's incredible. It is so, if you, if you enjoy these like really, uh, like heartfelt documentaries, I really recommend Three Identical uh. Strangers. If you can't see it in the theater, definitely see it when it comes streaming or it comes to Redbox or Blu-ray, whatever. Just see this, this, this documentary. And it is so moving. I loved it. Give I us, uh, give us the, loved it. give us the title again. Three identical strangers. Three men and a baby. There you go. <laughs> three men and a baby part two. Yeah. Three identical exactly strangers. No, I think I think what's really interesting is like the first story. Like the two guys on the campus. Yeah. Know? Like that's amazing. Like the third like the third brother's got like the shitty story, right? Like he just reads about <laughs> you know what I mean? He reads about it in the newspaper, like whatever. Like you know what I mean? You missed so, the boat. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll no, be. No, I, I I agree that that first part is like yeah. polarizing when should, you're watching it. Yeah, they should have like uh, they should they should have like fibbed on that 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 third brother, right? Like like they were, <laughs> you know, like the two brothers like went into like a movie and they went to see it was in 1987 and they went to go watch Twins with Danny DeVito and Otto Schwarzenegger <laughs> and on their way out of the theater they bump into. The other triplet who's on his way in to see Twins, he just felt compelled to see it that night. Never was a fan of Danny DeVito. Never watched Taxi. Wasn't a fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Didn't care much for Predator or Commando or anything like that. Just felt compelled to go watch that movie. And then they see each other out in the fucking parking lot. And it sparks this discussion. Like, oh my god, hey, were you born on this day? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, they should have fought. They should have totally, like, fibbed on that third brother story. Him reading in the paper, that's bullshit. That's boring. <laughs> a little bit of embellishment. I a little bit of embellishment. <laughs> no, that sounds really cool. It's a documentary, and you get to know these brothers and everything like that. And mm-hmm. like I'm, like you know, like you just talking about it makes me want to know. You said mental illness, and it's like, what the fuck? Where does that come into play? Is that like yeah. one of the parents? Is that the mother? Is that the father? Like, what's going on here? You know, for all we know, it could be like the the parents of the of the parent. You know, like so, hey, who knows? Like, so I want to know more about this. So yeah, I definitely want to see. This. I hope it plays around me. This sounds uh, really good. Yeah, I I think it may like if if you have like an art house theater or like a theater that only shows like independent yeah. films or like those artsy films that don't. It, it'll probably be there. Like yeah. it's it's a it's a it's not getting like a huge release right now, but. I would imagine it, it will get a, a more expanded release. We got a we got a co op theater in Champaign, Illinois, the art theater, and they play stuff like this. this yeah, like, I'm sure it'll be there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I love about Champaign. Thank God, uh, Roger Ebert uh, was uh, you know born in Champaign, Illinois, and so it's it, like there's a lot of appreciation for uh, good film in uh, Champaign, and I'm glad that I'm only 45 minutes away. The, the, there's the Robert Ebert House, um, uh, Roger Ebert House, excuse me, in. Um, uh, champagne. Uh, 
that's the the house that he was born and raised in and like it, there's a little plaque outside and f- out front of the house and stuff like that i've i've walked by it and taken pictures of it before it's just, it's just there's really nothing to it it's a small little house he wasn't he didn't come from money it looked like so but uh yeah kind of kind of cool jake that we lived near something that historic you know so yeah it is cool Hey. I've never, I've never actually been. though. So yeah, a little it, bit jealous there. It's not, it's not much to see, man. It's like if you're ever in, if if you're ever in Champagne, I just do a Google search and um, you know maybe drive by it. I, I parked the car and walked by it and took a picture of the plaque and saw the house and and all that stuff and. You know, they, they, there's the, uh, they have the Roger Ebert, like, you know, film festival or whatever, you know, like every year. I think this year, like, Ava DuVernay was like a, a guest at it, so. Uh, oh, wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 yeah uh, what's, uh, what's the, what's the movie? I went and saw, like, uh, This Is My Life or something like that. That was the Roger Ebert documentary that came out a few years ago. I reviewed it on the show on an earlier episode. God damn it. You got to watch that movie. It's so fucking good. So, it's such a great documentary, and it goes over Roger Ebert. What a guy! So, yeah, I wonder if that's on streaming. I would actually love to watch that. Uh, I might be able to get you access. I think I, I think I can find it. Anyway, all right, yeah, let me know. All right, uh, Rebecca, you got anything else you want to you want to bash on some more uh, gangster movies? Huh? No. You want to take I a got, sh- I- you want to take a shit on Casino and Donnie Brasco yeah. while you're at it? Huh? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. No, uh, you, you can have your opinion. I'm just, I'm just giving you shit. I know, I know you are. It's fine. Um, so I have one more movie I'll talk about real quick. I actually texted you about this movie a while ago, Brian. Yeah, it, it came around by you to go see it. It's Damsel. Um, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is, yeah, it's um, it's directed and written by David and Nathan Zellner. Um, who both play parts in the movie as well. And they've done a couple of things together as a team. Um, the, the quick synopsis here is in, it's, it's the Wild West circa, circa 1870. Samuel Alabaster, an affluent pioneer venturing across the American frontier, uh, to marry the love of his life, Penelope. As his group traverses the West, the once simple journey grows treacherous, blurring the lines between hero, villain, and damsel. Um, you know, uh, Brian, I, I love a good Western. I know you do as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. Um, this movie is a Western, but it doesn't have to be a Western. Um, it's like the Wild West or the, the West is like a character in this movie. Um, because the the guy who's who, who's traveling across America to, to marry his, this woman is played by Robert Pattinson, who plays like this really quirky rich guy who uh, ropes this preacher into coming with him to go marry the love of his life, Penelope, who's played by Mia Was. Oh my God, I was gonna mess this up. Wasikowska. Oh God, Mia, we're sorry. We're sorry, yeah. Mia. I, I'm sorry, Mia. I apologize. I, the I don't know the uh, the views expressed by Rebecca here and your name, <laughs> your, your your name pronunciation expressed by Rebecca has nothing to do with me or Jake. We are free and clear. Yes, no. absolutely. <laughs> Somebody so, correct me if they know the correct yeah. pronunciation. Is I have it, no uh, idea how to uh, say her last name. How's it spelled? W A S I K O W S K A. I don't know. Wasikowska, I would guess. I'm sure I'm mangling it. I'm sure oh, I am. God, again, um, Mia, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. 
No, Mia, I apologize on behalf of Rebecca. Jesus, she just butchered your name. Jesus I Christ. <laughs> uh, she, she's been in like a bunch of stuff. Um, th- this is a weird movie. It's, it's odd and it's like, it's funny in weird spots and everybody is playing a character, but there's, they're not really who they appear to be. And like little by little, they are revealed to be who they really are. And like you, you think Penelope is the damsel in distress, but she's, she doesn't, she's not really the damsel in distress. And, and maybe someone else in this movie is actually the quote unquote damsel in distress. And, um, like everybody is odd. There's a horse in this movie. The horse's name is Butterscotch. It's 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 a miniature pony that he has. This guy has dragged with him to present to Penelope as a wedding gift. This <laughs> this is like the cutest little horse. It's adorable. I love miniature and, horses. Oh my god, this horse! <laughs> it's the cutest little thing. The horse's name is Butterscotch. He drags this horse all across the West to get to Penelope. It's hilarious. I will say that the movie is a bit slow in parts and there are moments where you're just like, where are we going? Like, let's step this up a little bit. But it's like a quirky, funny, odd, weird movie. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. I laughed in a lot more than I thought I would. And Everybody is just really like the actors all do a great job, and I don't. I I enjoyed this movie. I, I would give it a high taste. It. And hmm. I, I say if it comes around where you live to go, give it a shot. If if you kind of like the idea of a weird, funny western, I I, I think you would like it. I got to check this out. Yeah, uh, damsel. It's, it's it's very funny and like, but it's weird comedy, and there's some dark comedic moments. Which I enjoy, and it's I, it's just really good. I, yeah. I would say give it a shot. It's got a uh, miniature horse. I uh, I used to <laughs> I used to live on a ranch, and I used to I used to take care of the miniature horse on the ranch. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, I used to feed the miniature horse every morning. Miniature horses are just uh, adorable little fucking horses. Yeah, like <laughs> little, little Sebastian. Yeah, you know um, Penelope. The name, the name. Like, uh, who names their kid Penelope? You know what I mean? I think the I think the women that named their daughter Penelope because I don't think I don't see a lot of guys saying you know suggesting throwing out Penelope as a name for their daughter. I think it, I think the women that name their daughters Penelope probably as a child had a huge doll collection, right? <laughs> yeah, the most of them end up becoming pennies, though, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it, it all starts with the Penelope, Jake. It all starts there. <laughs> like, you can shorten it and call her Penny, right? Like, and she probably does that herself. But mom, when mom came up with the name Penelope for her daughter, that mother probably had a huge doll collection growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And I agree. One I of those that. dolls was named Penelope, and she was like, I'm going to name my daughter Penelope, because, like, no woman in her right mind would name her daughter Penelope. <laughs> just, just crazy women with huge doll collections, right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Hundo. <laughs> I am sorry. I'm. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. That's an accurate. That's an accurate blanket statement. 
I just, I just feel like that's definitely coming from a woman that had an expansive collection of dolls. <laughs> I can't wait for that angry Penelope iTunes review we're going to get after this. <laughs> Penelope Ferguson. Penelope Ferguson is a crazy fucking bitch. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> all right. That is all. We, this has like been like one of the longest good pop, bad pop sections we have ever had. But... Um, <laughs> Penelope and dolls. What the fuck is wrong with me? Sexless Charles Bronson and Penelope and dolls. Se- sexless Bronson. <laughs> sexless Bronson. You know, you know, sexless Bronson. When his wife looked at him and said she wants to name the do- their daughter Penelope. Penelope. First off, he's shocked that he fucking finally knocked somebody up because he's been sexless for so long. But when she says, but of course he's with somebody that had an ex- expansive doll collection. But when she says, "I want to name our daughter Penelope." Like he's kind of like out of that fucking talk, you know what I mean? He, he, you gotta leave that up to the, to her. Like he, the sexless Bronson doesn't care what they name their daughter. Now if a boy was born, it, he's gonna get a manly name, right? Sexless Bronson is gonna give his son a man, like Butch. He's naming his kid Butch. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not, he's not naming his boy some kind of like, you know, name that's kind of like, I don't know, a little bit on the- Hunter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? None of, none of these, none of these names that are going, he, just these classic fucking like, like dick swinging manly names. You know what I mean? Like, you know, a, a, a name so manly, it feels like you just got slapped in the face with a giant set of balls and a dick. <laughs> Butch and fucking like, you know, like. <laughs> Butch is the one, huh? That's, that's all sexless. That's the only name sexless Bronson can utter. <laughs> He's like Butch. That's our boy. They've got like it's like George Foreman naming his kid George five times. It's like you know, oh my God. it's like Sexless oh Bronson has like six j- b- butches running around the house. All right, guys, this is ridiculous. John, I'm sorry that this had to be your first podcast. I apologize, sir. That's all right. <laughs> all right, we are going to take a quick break and then come back with uh, our news. All right, hey, we are back, and it's now time for the Pop Culture Leftovers News. You know it's not gangster as fuck? What's that? Number one, sexless Bronson. Number two, I did not... <laughs> 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 poor guy. We have talked more about Charles Bronson in this episode than anything else. It's ridiculous. The millennials have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, Jake. <laughs> Maybe they've seen the Death Wish remake. Oh, oh wait, they haven't seen that either. <laughs> they haven't seen that either. <laughs> I mean, uh, anyway, then number two, I did not restock my beer supply, so that there might be a moment where, like, I you don't hear me. That's me at the fridge restocking the beer supply. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that's you leaving, going to the convenience store. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Jake, 
was, that struck me really funny. That was, <laughs> I, I thought it was funny. I'm going to take a 45 minutes. <laughs> you guys hold the fort down. <laughs> you guys have like zero notes in front of you. I like. I wonder what you would talk about for forty five minutes. I think, I think I would. I think I would come back and it would just be like a sexless Bronson marathon. You just guys just talking about. I could talk about UHF for forty five minutes. Oh with yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm in. Mm. All right. In uh, quick news, uh, Entertainment Weekly found out a couple of actors voicing Decepticons in the Bumblebee movie. One of the Decepticons is Shatter, who takes the form of a cherry red Plymouth satellite. Uh, she will be bo- voiced by Angela Bassett, uh, Dropkick, who's these <laughs> <his> names, <laughs> Shatter and Dropkick. Um, Dropkick, whose vehicle form is a blue AMC Javelin. Will be forced by, uh, voiced by Justin Thoreau. Just, uh, Justin Thoreau getting a lot of work here lately, Jake, after the leftovers did, uh, he was the, uh, the, uh, slicer in, uh, the Last Jedi, the, the guy wearing the red plum bloom, and he's gonna be in the new, uh, what is it, Kate McKinnon, Myla Kunis, the spy movie. He's, he's playing. <laughs> you were cracking me up for a second there. Are you being sarcastic? His last, last Jedi and Transformers voice is a lot of work since. Uh, no, no. The uh, the uh, he's doing the Myla Kunis movie. The Myla oh, Kunis, Kate McKinnon spy movie, the comedy. He's playing. Oh, that looked pretty funny. Yeah, he's playing the spy in that movie. He's getting some work, man. That's some work, right? Yeah, he deserves better. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he's getting away. He's, getting, he's in movies. He needs he gets to go home to fucking uh, Jennifer Aniston every night. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'd be, I, I'd, I don't feel sorry for her I'd anymore. Be, God, I mean that that's the gig that I want, you know. Shit. <laughs> anyway. Why is he even working? Why don't they just live off that friend's money? Yeah, you know you know he's not gonna allow work or a lot of anything these days is sexless sexless Bronson. <laughs> wow, I'm slow. I actually did not see that. <laughs> Uh, the two main villains are Decepticon Muscle Cars, says, uh, director Travis Knight from, uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, the director of that film. Uh, there is one flying villain whose identity and voice actor are still under wraps, but otherwise these bad guys will be prowling the roads rather than the skies while pursuing their prey. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, of course the, uh, flying villain is gonna be, uh, Starscream, but, uh, yeah, uh, Angela Bassett is going to be playing a, uh, a, uh, cherry red Plymouth satellite called Shatter. And then, uh, Justin Thoreau is going to be dropkick. So we got, uh, two new Decepticons in the mix here in this Bumblebee movie. So it's going to be, uh, looks like we're going to get three Decepticons and then, uh, and then Bumblebee in this movie. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I never thought that we would get, um, I never thought that we'd get fucking John Goodman play, playing an Autobot, let alone Angela, Angela Bassett playing a Decepticon. I, I kind of love these two voice actors here, Justin Thoreau and Angela Bassett. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, hopefully they put a lot into it, and it's not just like, you know, because it's always like a lot. It's like about seventy thirty percent. Like you get them really putting their all into it, and like the voice acting thing. Sometimes it's just a paycheck job. Sometimes too, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Jake's already saying they're going to phone it in. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the short of what I was saying, basically. <laughs> Justin Thoreau's just going to collect a paycheck and go home to Jennifer Aniston at the end of the day. So. I hope they don't, though, because I agree. They're both very capable of actually bringing a lot of their own personality and, like, swagger into the role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John, you a big fan of these Transformers movies? Oh, God, <laughs> no. Um, I dropped off after Revenge of the Fallen. <laughs> That's probably a good point to drop off, man. <laughs> you should have dropped off before that, actually. <laughs> That's the best point. Uh, I still got high hopes for this movie coming out in December, so hopefully this will be good. This is good news. I think these are two great actors here. Hopefully they'll get a little bit more meat and not just phoning it in. So, uh, Eco Uwe's, uh, from the Raid movies and the upcoming, uh, Mile 22 film with Mark Wahlberg. And he was also, he's also in Star Wars The Force Awakens, guys. He was a member of Kanja Club. Eco Uways. A member of Kanja Club back in The Force Awakens. And, uh. <laughs> another, another five second Star Wars role. <laughs> he just phoned it in. <laughs> There's Eco just getting a fucking paycheck. Um, but, uh, Eco Uways is getting his own Netflix series. Uh, the show called Woo Assassins. Is a crime drama set in San Francisco. UAs will star as Kai Jin by day, an aspiring chef, and in his dual life, he is a Wu assassin tasked with confronting the powerless, uh, excuse me, the powerful members of an ancient triad and bringing them to justice in order to restore balance once more. So, I, I'm a huge fan of, um, Eco UAs, the raid movies, um, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna watch Mile 22 because I'm a big fan of him. And uh, what did he do? He did another movie with Dolph Lundgren and Ron Perlman. And I wasn't a big fan of that movie, but I, I fucking bought it. And I was like, oh, this movie's terrible. But I love Eco Uace and I love the raid. I just did a raid rewatch, literally less than a month ago, and watched both raid movies back to back. And that was a fantastic experience. Um, and. Uh, Really excited that this martial artist is going to be getting his own series on Netflix. I think it's like a eight to ten episode series. So really looking forward to this. Um, Jake, I know Rebecca. I don't know if are you familiar with the actor Jake. Are you familiar with the guy? Yeah, I know. I know what you guys are talking about. I googled while you were talking, and I do rec- actually recognize him from the brief Star Wars appearance. Yeah, um, Rebecca, are you familiar with Deco? Yeah, like on a peripheral sort of basis, I am. I, I've seen him around. Um, I think it's really cool news. What what you're reporting here is that he's going to get uh, his own series. Yeah. Um, it sounds really interesting, and I I know that this guy, like he has the chops to do it. So I I think it's great. Yeah, it's really good. Um, those that that first raid movie, just basically low budget Indonesian film, came out of nowhere, blew everybody the fuck away. Um, I didn't get to see the first one in the theater, but I did get to see the Raid 2 in, in the theater. I was talking to Scott Shooty, that son of a bitch got to see both of them in the theater. I'm so jealous of him. But, uh, John. I bet you are. I am. I, the second one in the theater was like, that was a fucking spiritual experience for me. It was amazing. Um, John, uh, are you familiar with Eco UAs and the Raid films? I've seen the first Raid. Um, I didn't realize that it was him in The Force Awakens until relatively recently um but yeah i mean i think he's 
great actor. I'd like to see what he does with this new series. Yeah, God damn it! They, there was a rumor for the longest time. For you guys that are big fans of this guy, there was a rumor for the longest time that the Raid Three was going to be developed, and the director of the first two Raid movies came out and said, "Like, I don't have a story for a third movie. Sorry, guys, I don't see it happening. I don't have a story." But there was rumors that it was going to be uh, Eco Uways and Tony Ja in. Tony Jaa, oh my god, Ong Bak, if you, if you've seen those movies, but like, Tony Jaa and Eco Uwe's in the same film would just blow me away. I know it's happening, I think, it, or it did happen, but, um, I would love to see like a full movie of those two guys in a movie. But anyway, uh, let's see, you're moving on. Oh yeah, I, if you read stories this week, there were stories that were coming out this week about James Wan's Mortal Kombat reboot film, where they said, um, it was it, the story came out of uh, the outlet that hashtag show, and they had a list of characters and character details. They aren't true at all. James Wan put a rest to uh, this rumor on Twitter. He said, uh, "Please don't be so easily baited by faux information. Good and bad news. Nothing is happening yet. Literally, still in early development. Anyone who tells you the movie is." Location scouting or casting is trolling you. So this is like literally days after producer Todd Garner also refuted the report. And this, I, I kind of want to point this out. Like this is why I don't report. There's a ton of stories that come out from that hashtag show and I have nothing against the people there. Um, I just have to take every report of theirs with a huge grain of salt. I do not report their news. Anytime they have casting news, I don't report it. Um, if you go to their YouTube channel and you watch like the rumors for the Marvel films, they aren't correct. I mean, I've, you can go back and watch like their old rumors for like, Oh, this is how civil war is going to end. And like, none of that ever happens. Like everything that they've ever pointed out in like those videos never happens. And like once the movie, it just comes out and it disproves all their claims. And so for Mortal Kombat in their report, they said that a new character, Cole Turner, would be the lead film. And it's not true. The details about the character that doesn't exist were a lead male in his 30s, a brand new character to the Mortal Kombat franchise. Cole is struggling and, and widowed boxer who cares more about his young daughter than anything. He is incredibly determined and refuses to quit in the face of fantastical adversity. Like, it's all bullshit. Like, it's... <laughs> None of it. Yeah, they just get the they get the sensational headline and then yeah. they just make up the rest. And see, the funny thing is, it's like they'll report that, and like I don't know, I I can't go back and I can't fact check everything that they've ever come out with. Like I'm sure that some of the stuff that they have, a lot of their reports are we have the we have a a list of casting um, details. These are the characters they want, and this is what the characters are going to be about in this movie. And here's here's your casting details. We're looking for, you know, a 20-year-old female, Asian, blah, 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 blah. And they'll give you some details about the character. And I don't report them because, like, I've never seen any of their stuff actually come to fruition, like, be true. So um, I'm really excited for James Wan to get his hands on the Mortal Kombat film. I can't wait for it, but... God damn it, you know, like, give me some, give me some real stuff here. Like, don't give me this bullshit news. So, James Wan doing a Mortal Kombat movie, that's, like, get Eco Uways and Tony John that fucking movie, right? 
Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because you, you want some good combat for sure, not yeah. just a good story, you know? Eco UA is a Sub Zero, fucking Tony Jaws, Scorpion. There's your fucking movie. God damn, that would be incredible. Fucking Mads Mickelson is Raiden. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I never. I'm, Matt Middleton is Raiden is amazing. That's a. That would be great casting. Yeah. Uh, Deadline had the exclusive this week. Um, any, any final thoughts about Mortal Kombat? I'm just. I'm sorry, John. Rebecca. It's, it's unfortunate that it. Oh, sorry. Um. No, not really. Um. I will say regarding that hashtag show, they're kind of like um. They're kind of like. Umberto Gonzalez, like they're kind of fifty-fifty. Mm. You, you do have to take everything they say with a grain of salt. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. I definitely don't think they're just making everything up. Um, I mean, clearly somebody's giving them that information. I, you know, as a writer myself, I can't believe that anyone's out there just making stuff up from scratch. But I think you got to be careful with your sources. Yeah, it's yeah. it definitely comes yeah. down to your. I got an echo. What's the echo about? Okay, it's gone. I don't know. But yeah, you got to be careful with your sources. You know, I, it, it's one of those things where you know we we hear a lot of these reports and then they're debunked, and uh, that's the thing. Yeah, I have nothing against the people at that hashtag show. It's just I real. Sometimes I have a problem. Like I see some some of these headlines. Like oh my gosh, you know, like these characters are going to be in this film, and then I read that it comes from them, and I don't report it because I want to. It's a wait and see for me. Because I, you know, I don't know how reliable that, that source is. So, um, but uh, anyway, uh, Deadline had an exclusive this week that uh, Jeremy Renner has joined the Todd McFarlane directed Blumhouse produced Spawn film that has already cast Jamie Foxx as Al Simmons Spawn, um, and uh, yeah, he's going to be pa- playing Twitch Jake Detective Twitch Williams. The, uh, yeah, I thought I thought this was pretty inspired casting. God damn this, it. this could work. This is, this is goddamn you, uh, fucking uh, Todd McFarlane's got to be doing backflips right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, this fucking cast. I, how 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 is he getting these people? See, that's the thing. It's it's one of the what's crazy about this story, Jake, is the fact that like uh, Jamie Fox was his uh, first choice as Al Simmons. And his first choice as Twitch uh, Williams was um, who he, he basically Twitch Williams is uh, kind of like um, uh, he's a detective that helps uh, help spawn, and um, so it's it's one of those things where it, Jeremy Renner was his first choice to play this character, and apparently like these guys, I think they they did kind of like a Grey Goose online ad together. And uh, uh, Jeremy Renner and Jamie Foxx. Oh, wow. And throughout the whole, like, conversation, like, neither one of them, they, they got along great, but, like, neither one of them knew that they were both kind of, like, being kind of, like, courted for these roles. And it just kind of, like, happened. So, um, uh, Todd McFarlane had some quotes about this. He says, uh, as a first-time director, I wanted to surround myself with the most talent and most skilled people I can on all fronts. I was lucky enough to land Jason Blum and then Jamie Foxx. 
And I knew the person on screen the most is this police officer, Twitch Williams. We needed as strong a person as possible because he will be the face of the film. I took my naive Hollywood approach again and said, let's start at the top and work down. Jeremy was at the top. I'm a huge fan of his. The character doesn't need to be a bodybuilder or GQ handsome. That's got to hurt him a little bit, right? A little, a little bit of, a bi- little bit of backhand compliment there. Yeah, a little bit of a bi- we don't want a handsome guy, so we got Jeremy Renner. Like, a little bit of body shaming, and you know, you you know, Brad Pitt. Like the guy has been. On that the- sounds like the perfect role for sexless Charles Bronson. <laughs> <laughs> sexless Charles Bronson is just like a pile of flesh with a mustache, right? I mean. <laughs> There's your twitch, man. Yeah, it's just, it's just like he just he just he's just a, a sack of flesh with a dead penis. Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> well, not even the mustache anymore. You already downgraded within a sentence there. <laughs> oh man, uh, let's see. Have you guys seen the t- Have you guys seen the trailer for the new Magnum PI TV show? Magnum PI doesn't even have a mustache. <laughs> no, I've not I, seen I, that. I've seen the trailer. I've. I don't know. I'm not a fan of them rebooting these 80s shows. I, 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 I didn't like the the MacGyver reboot, but it's still on. I think. Um, and I don't. I don't know. I I love the original Magnum PI. It's that 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 mustache, Tom Selleck mustache. Like, how can you have Magnum PI without the stash? How was how, how did the Magnum PI song go? Was that the <laughs> I can't even do it? What that was? <laughs> that was that, that sounded like a funky guitar. Like I was playing a banjo and I'm drunk. Um, <laughs> I I, don't know. I I I can't do it anyway. Anyway, yeah, a little I don't know, a little backhanded like you said, backhanded compliment there for fucking Jeremy Renner. A little bit of body shaming. You guys been on GQ, Jesus, Todd. Anyway, he says I was looking for somebody who's a person you've met before. I needed someone who can pull off the grief of an average human being. I've seen. Is he, is he, does he have grief because he's not a bodybuilder or GQ Hanson this time? <laughs> and he's just so ugly, yeah. <laughs> just, just a shell of a man. Um, I've seen Jeremy do that in more than a few of his movies. He was at the top of my list, just like Jamie. So I, I like the statements by Todd here. Uh, what I say the most, he wants to surround himself with the most talent. And I think that, this could be to his benefit. You know, you've got, you've got, um, these guys are, uh, Oscar winners or, uh, is Jeremy Renner Oscar a nominee or, or is he an Oscar winner? Ooh, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, like Hurt, Hurt Locker won an Oscar, but Hurt, not for yeah, him. but yeah, not for him. So he, but he might have been nominated, but you know, yeah, yeah. fucking Jamie Foxx is an Oscar winner. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, he's, he's got, he's got people behind him. He's got Jason Blum. He's got Jamie Foxx. He's now got Jeremy Renner. I think like this is, gosh, man, you know, this is like, uh, this is like bad news bears story where it's like, he's the underdog here with the spawn movie. That's going to be like 10 to $12 million. Um, but it looks like they're making all the right moves here. It's crazy. It's crazy just mm-hmm. seeing this kind of come together, Jake. I don't know what we're going to get with this, man. I really don't. But this is like it's shaping up to be a good movie so far with these castings. 
Yeah, I can't argue that. Renner is a two-time nominee. Two-time nominee. For, uh, Hurt Locker in 2010 and The Town in 2011. Oh, The Fucking Town. Jesus. Yeah, yeah uh, Rebecca, I don't know about yep. you, but he should have been winning some awards for his fucking performance in Wind River. Oh, my God. I was that, – that movie got snubbed. I was so upset that it did not get – more attention at the Oscars. I have been saying since I saw Wind River that that was, for me was his best performance since The Hurt Locker. Since The Hurt Locker. I yeah. loved him in that movie and he should have gotten some kind of recognition for it because he was so good in that. John, uh, you sound like you're a big fan of The Hurt Locker as well. Hurt Locker was great. Wind River's great. I love seeing Jeremy Renner in those like really stoic roles. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, his Hawkeye is fine. But oh. yeah, I think the stoic roles really suit him best. I'm gonna, you know what? People are going to think I'm being sarcastic here right now, but I'm going to tell you one movie that I loved him in. I thought he was fantastic and charming in was the Hansel and Gretel movie, and that was a fun movie. I don't give a fuck what people say. If you if you talk shit about it, maybe you didn't see it because it was actually a fun fucking movie. That Hansel and Gretel movie that he did was a lot of fucking fun. And watch it if you if you can find a way to watch it, watch it. It's definitely worth a watch. Was that the one where they were like witch hunters yes. or something? Hansel and Gretel okay, witch hunters. I, I didn't yeah. see that one. It's fun. It is a lot of okay. fun. I was surprised. I was like, I was like, ah, there's no way I'm going to watch this fucking shit. And then it was like on HBO or Cinemax or something like that when I had a free preview and I watched it and I was like, oh my god, that was so much fucking fun. If you like shit like Evil Dead, you know, Army of Darkness, that kind of stuff, you're going to love that Hansel and Gretel movie. And Jeremy Renner is absolutely charming and fantastic in it. It is a lot of fun. He must have had a lot of fun making it. That's really the only way you can do that kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Because you know it's not going to win any awards or anything like that. You know, you got a guy coming off like the Hurt Locker and all this stuff. Yeah, like like who's going to take this movie seriously? Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I agree. Yeah, he put us all into it. Uh, I feel like a lot of news that we're going to come out this week is like it's announcements for TV shows. Um, we've got it's crazy. We've got all these networks and streaming services. They're competing for us as viewers. They want to. They and and they and it feels like we're getting a new announcements for TV shows every day. It's it's an incredible time to be alive. <laughs> watching TV, <laughs> really, it's crazy. Yeah. We're in the dawn of a new era of television watching people with streaming services we're watching things die like toys r us and blockbuster but we're watching like the rise of streaming services it's crazy just watching our childhood die in front of oh us God. our childhoods are <laughs> there's <laughs> plenty to sit on the couch and watch though while your childhood dies it's crazy yeah, yeah it's like toys r us is dead but like risen out of the ashes of our dead childhoods is like amazon prime and hulu and netflix yeah, like a fucking phoenix. Like a phoenix out of the goddamn fucking flames, right, Jake? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Um, <laughs> a new show is coming to HBO. It's going to be held by jo- helmed by Joss Whedon. It's called The Nevers. And here are the details from Variety. HBO has given a series order to The Nevers, a science fiction drama from Joss Whedon. The series is described as a sci-fi epic about a gang of Victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities, relentless enemies, and a mission that might change the world. Whedon is going to serve as writer, director, executive producer, and showrunner. 
He's got his hands all up in this shit. He is diddling the fuck out of this vagina of a fucking TV series. <laughs> uh, he, uh, here we go. <laughs> Why did I say that? I'm sorry. I apologize. I ser- I apologize. Uh, <laughs> All the regret goes away when you crack yourself up after apologizing. I'm laughing. I'm laughing because Rebecca's laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, HBO programming president Casey Bloys said, uh, we have long been fans of the incredibly talented and prolific Joss Whedon, and we can't think of a better project than The Nevers, which will... Uh, with which to welcome him to the HBO family. We look forward to meeting the strange, multifaceted characters of the Nevers to learn their stories, see them in action, and share with them uh, with our viewers. We're honored that Joss chose HBO as the place to build his ambitious new world, and we are excited to get started. Apparently, guys, like... He did choose HBO. There was a there was a bidding war for this show. Uh, Netflix was in the in the bidding, and HBO won the bid. Um, and uh, Joss Whedon actually had a statement about the Nevers. He said, uh, "I honestly couldn't be more excited. Uh, the Nevers is maybe the most ambitious narrative I've created, and I can't imagine a better home for it than HBO. Not only." Are they ma- uh, the masters of cinematic long form? But their instant understanding of my odd, intimate epic was as emotional as it was incisive. Uh, it's been too long since I created an entirely new fictional world, and the HBO team offers not just scope and experience, not just prestige, but a passionate collaboration. I could go on, but I'm impatiently grateful to say I have work to do. So, guys, yeah, this is uh, a new. A new project from Joss Whedon, The Nevers. He's on HBO. Um, this guy, it, 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 these are uh, Victorian women who find themselves with like these crazy abilities, these new superpowers or whatever. This is kind of like in the comic book genre, but it's not tied to a comic book. This is right in his wheelhouse, like with doing stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Dollhouse. He's worked with strong women uh characters in the past and it seems like he's going to do that here for hbo hbo fucking getting the watchmen doing more game of thrones stuff and now the nevers hbo is not tapping out they are fucking still giving us great program we talked about sharp objects this is crazy are you guys looking forward to the nevers yeah i'm looking forward to it um the platform really interests me um We've never really seen Whedon do anything that wasn't, you know, stronger than a PG-13, honestly. So mm. him kind of being able to do, like, the R-rated mature stuff on HBO really intrigues me. And if he'll be able to take advantage of that, you know, not sensationalism, but actual good storytelling under the HBO banner is from yeah. Whedon will be very interesting. I can't wait for casting news. I've, I've been so excited by casting news coming out of HBO recently. It's crazy. Like, you know... Sharp Objects got Amy Adams, and it's like we're the Watchmen show is just getting just crazy fucking casting. Don Johnson, Louis Gossett Jr., uh, Jeremy Irons joins the Watchmen. And like, who are they going to get for the Nevers? Like, who's going to be wanting to work with Joss Whedon on this show? Like, what women are, is he going to get on this show? Um, Rebecca, are you looking hopefully, forward to this? It's, I'm sorry, Jake, I'm cutting you off. I was going to say, hopefully, hopefully not. Is like, I kind of hope he goes outside the box with casting on this too. Like, I don't. 
I don't want to see like the typical Whedon people. Like I'd be kind of disappointed if it's like Eliza Dushku in the lead or, mm. you know. Yeah. I, I think HBO is going to, I think HBO is going to want to go a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah. They, they want someone yeah. for a poster. Agreed. Rebecca, what are you thinking? Uh, I have I have a very unpopular opinion that I'm about to say here. <laughs> I'm not the biggest Joss Whedon fan. Um, I like some of his stuff, but I also dislike some of his stuff. I don't like when Whedon is left to his own devices and writes stuff that, for me, I think is too jokey sometimes. Um, having said that, though, I, I am intrigued by this because... Because I love science fiction and I love the idea that this is going to be uh, a lot of women cast in this and strong female leads. I, I love that. That's right in my wheelhouse. I just I would hope, though, that like there's somebody there to balance out Joss and his comedy or not his comedy. That's the wrong word. His sense of humor that I don't always enjoy. I, I was never a fan of like Firefly and Serenity. I know that's like hugely unpopular, but I didn't care for that. I didn't I don't get the fascination with that show or that movie. Um, Buffy was fine. I didn't watch a lot of it though, uh, but I loved his work on the Avengers. So I don't know. I, I don't like a ton of his stuff, but I like this idea and I'll absolutely give it a fair shot to see h- how it goes. Um, but yeah, I know that's like kind of an unpopular opinion. I, I, most people love Joss's stuff and they, they love like stuff that he's done. How dare you not have opinions? I know. How I dare know. you have an opinion that does not line up with what we think? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Terrible. How dare I? I know. I know. Believe me, I know it's unpopular. You know, whenever uh, I, uh, whenever I hear people like, Oh my God, is Firefly coming back? And I'm like, who cares? Uh, people are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That show is amazing and the movie and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I just, I don't get it. I just, yeah. it's not for me. Jake, fuck independent thought. Am I right? Oh yeah, yeah. We're not about that on top no, of no. uh, Rebecca, would you just fucking conform? I know. I, I I I will get in line next episode I'm on, I promise. All right. Uh John, um does does this sound like it's it's a science fiction drama from Joss Whedon. Apparently Rebecca thinks that this is gonna be a fucking uh, Fairly Brothers comedy, but uh <laughs> what do you <laughs> so I'm um, I'm not really I wouldn't call myself a Joss Whedon fan. Um I love the Avengers. I enjoy Buffy. Um that's about the extent of it really. Um uh, that being said, the premise definitely intrigues me. It's yeah. something that I definitely will check out. Um at the same time I also think it's worth noting though you know, putting Joss Whedon in this position where he's writing, you know, strong, powerful women. It's also worth noting just a few months ago how many complaints there were when that expose by his ex-wife came out about how he's basically, a, you know, a fake feminist. Mm. I, I don't know if that's the kind of role that he should be in right now, but, you know, uh, I'll I'll definitely check it out and see what it looks like when it comes out. Yeah, it's one of those things like, you know, we've got we've got a lot of these reports coming out about a lot of these people doing things and, you know, we 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 all Oh man, that is a tough thing to talk about. It really is. It's a tough thing. I know 
I know from personal experience, like, you know, like when I had my divorce, like there were things that my wife said about me. There were things I said about her. And like, I'd say like 50, 50% of like everything that we both said about each other was probably true. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's one of those things. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's, it, you never want to see somebody's career ruined for something that never really happened, but on the flip side, it's like you ne- you don't want to discount someone coming out and saying something that could be true and and really could have affected them. It's it is it is kind of like when I I my thoughts did go to that John. Like when I read this, I was like, oh my gosh! Like I can't, it's kind of crazy that HBO is getting the show, and these are these are women that are involved in this they're 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 part of the show and like yeah there there were those reports that came out so i don't know it's yeah and i I will will say out of whedon's resume i mean tv really is his true wheelhouse i mean between movies comics tv Mm -hmm. tv is really where he tends to excel so yeah that is something in his favor if you watch the Avengers, I know it's grand and i know they have a huge budget but it does like there are parts of it that do feel very tv yeah, it does feel like a TV. Like when you like the first, like the opening scenes, like when they're in the facility and you got Hawkeye there with the Tesseract and all that stuff, and that feels like it's straight out of a television episode. Um, there's a lot of stuff of his stuff that just doesn't feel very cinematic at times. Um, but uh, so I think he is better suited for television. So I'm looking forward to it, though. I, I, I you know, it just. The premise of this, you know, Victorian women who get these unusual abilities. How uh, it's a period piece. Um, I want, you know, who are the who, who are their enemies going to be in this series? And um, I want to see. I, I do want to see this. I, I think it's intriguing. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I always thought maybe he left that girl because of the ex-wife expose, but then it's kind of contradicts that when you know that there's a there was like a, a little bit of a bidding war for this show right mm-hmm. yeah so yeah it's yeah. very interesting I think, but who do they got who, uh, the 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 writer for the the bad girl movie the director or whatever she's she's the writer for the bumblebee movie right if i'm not i think i'm correct there <clears throat> you would know that better than me i believe so yeah i think the 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 uh the writer for the Bumblebee movie, I think she's the one who's who's doing the whole Batgirl movie now. So, and I've liked what I've seen so far out of, out of Bumblebee. Um, there's another show that might be another show. That, uh, you can, I'm going to be looking for it. it. The pilot's been ordered. Um, it's called Briar Patch, and it's coming out on USA. Deadline had the exclusive. Uh, Rosario Dawson is set to lead. Uh, she's set to be the lead of USA Network's hour-long pilot, Briar Patch, from Universal Cable Productions. Um, Mr. Robot creator Sam Ismail um, is going to be uh, involved in this. He's going to be heading this up. So um, it, it this kind of lines up. I, it feels like Rosario Dawson, like her days are kind of like numbered, I guess as like night nurse in the Marvel Netflix series, it, she may or may not return to that role of Claire Temple. She was at uh, MCM London comic con. She said, I don't know if I'll be back after this to be honest, but it's been amazing. It's been an amazing few years. I've been on a lot of different shows. I mean, I don't know if maybe they do a third season of Luke Cage potentially, or maybe if they figure out some kind of way for me to be on the Punisher, 
just so I can feel like I've done every show. But it's been like my daughter is in high school, so I kind of want to not be 3,000 miles away from her. So now she's going to be doing this show for USA Network from Sam Ismail, the Mr. Robot creator. And uh, Deadline had some details on the show. It's going to be written by Andy Greenwald based on the Ross Thomas novel Briar Patch. It centers on Allegra Pick Dill, played by Dawson, a tenacious and highly skilled investigator working in Washington, D.C. for a young, ambitious senator. When her 10 years young sister, a homicide detective, is killed in a car bomb, Allegra returns to her corrupt Texas hometown. What begins as a search for the murderer becomes a fraught and dangerous excavation of the past Allegra has long sought to bury. This sounds like fucking uh, sharp objects. I was just thinking that it has a lot of the same tones, a lot of the same notes there. But the thing that does have me like, uh, I like Rosaria Dawson. Um, the thing that has me hopeful is it's Sam Ismail. Like I, Mr. Robot, I'll be honest with you, it's a great show. I haven't, I'm not caught up, but what I have watched, it is, it's phenomenal. It's, uh, th- there's nothing like it on TV. Um, Rami Malik is just amazing. I, we're gonna get a second trailer to, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody soon, guys. I saw that. Oh. Yeah, we're gonna get a second trailer to that. God cool. damn it. God damn it. If that doesn't make you wanna listen to Queen music, like, I guarantee you, like, I, me, after I see that movie and I get out of the theater, I'm listening to Queen on the ride home. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I'm listening. I'm gonna, Spotify. Yeah. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like Amy Adams and Sharp Objects. I'm going to be listening to Queen and pass out drunk in my fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> what's your going to, what's going to be your pass out drunk Queen song? <laughs> oh shit, man. It might be, uh, uh, it might be, uh, the collaboration with, uh, Bowie, uh, Pressure, Under Pressure, right? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Under Pressure. It has a, a fucking wonderful collaboration between two Amazing artists. Freddie Mercury. That story needs to be told. I hope it's told well. The trailer looks great. Anyway. Yeah, the fear is that they made it a little bit more um, positive than it probably should have been, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the fear because um, they wanted to make it a little, a lot darker, Jake, uh, back when uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was um, attached to play the role of Freddie Mercury. And then I think the band members of Queen kind of wanted to... I don't know, lighten up the mood a little bit. So I don't know, man. Yeah, we all want to see that dark side. You know what I mean? We all want to see. I think we'll get a little bit of that, but who knows? Yeah, you got it. It'll be interesting. I'm definitely excited. Yeah, I am excited, too. But it's like, are we are we pumping it up too much? Like we can all say like the see, that's the thing. Like uh, we can all say, yeah, we were supposed to be talking about a Rosaria Dawson series. But anyway, I'm talking about (laughs) Talking about Bohemian Rhapsody. We can all say like, oh my God, I can't wait for this movie. And I can't either. I can't either. He looks great. He looks, he looks like Freddie Mercury. And I think it's like part of the trailer is just like hearing the music and seeing him and, and the accent and, and he's perfect. He's nailing it. But like, we still got to watch this movie. It's still got to be good. So. Yeah. 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 I, I'm excited to see it, man. Remy Malik's doing like some of the actual singing too and everything. It's going to be crazy. Nobody can sing like fucking. Uh, nobody can. Nobody could ever sing like Freddie Mercury. Like, I remember it was. It was a fucking uh, George Michael did a uh, Queen cover, and it just it sounded okay, but it's it's nothing like Freddie Mercury. Nobody nobody had the fucking pipes like that guy. 
Yeah, with this big old overbite that he wouldn't get fixed. Oh, yeah. Fear. Good for him. Good for him. Okay, uh, you know, Joe Jackson died. Michael Jackson's dad recently. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. I was reading articles. Did you know, like, there's articles. Is this true? Is this true that he fucking, like, injected him with, like, he, he had with some kind of, like, uh, I don't know, like, um, something that would, what is it? I don't know. He like he like chemically castrated his son Chemi- according yeah, to chem- these reports. Exactly, chemically chemically castrated him so that his voice wouldn't deepen, so that Michael would still sound really had a high pitched voice, could still hit those yeah. notes. I, I don't know if you if you believe a lot of the stuff that people have said about Joe Jackson over the years. I mean, who knows? You know, uh, but. I think most people would agree that he was he was a pretty terrible person in a lot of ways and I mean if he went to that extreme I mean he totally possible. Yeah, like the grandkids, you know, Michael's kids are like, "Oh, he's he wasn't like that. He was a great guy." But grandkids, you you did you were raised by him. Grandkids always get like the good the good side of the of the, the oh, of I, your I, that's the truth. Yeah, mm-hmm. the right? next generation gets the great grandparents yeah. or the yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, sure. I'm gonna fuck up your mom and dad. I'm gonna fuck them up. They're gonna be emotionally, they're gonna have emotional baggage for the rest of their life. But I'll treat you like little princes and princesses, and uh, <laughs> you know, I'll let your mom and dad fuck you up like, like I fucked them up. It's like they're trying to make up for the for big fuck up stage. Yeah. Now they get, all right, one more chance to not fuck this up. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It's it's kind of like they're just showing off, like kind of like rubbing it in, to like the parents, yeah. like this is what I could have been to you, but I wasn't. <clears throat> but I, <laughs> I'm a terrible person. Wow, this got real dark. Dead. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, mom. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rosario Dawson's getting a TV series. <laughs> Guys, let's talk about it. I'm looking forward to it. I like Rosario Dawson, and I like Sammy Smell, and I think like this could be another uh, a good show for USA. So, looking forward to it. Sounds a lot like Sharp Objects, though, right, Rebecca? Oh, for sure. I, I thought of that as you were saying it. I was like, oh, we were just talking about this in Sharp Objects. Yeah. Going home again. Yeah. Going home again, having to deal with some unresolved uh, issues that you, uh, you kind of pushed out of your mind for years. Now you got to come face to face with them. <laughs> it's a classic kind of theme, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, John even brought it up earlier, too. Like, Stephen King's used that device many a time himself as well. I think she should come out with a show called Rosario Dawson's Creek, and it's just like a collaboration <laughs> <laughs> with, you know, fucking uh, James Vanderbeek and, like, the like the whole cast. They come back, but the only difference is that actress Rosario Dawson has joined uh, the uh, cast. So anyway... Uh, actor Winston Duke. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am ridiculous this episode and I apologize. Actor Winston Duke, uh, who played, he played M'Baku in Black Panther and in Avengers Infinity War. Um, also he had a, he's got a lead role in, uh, Jordan Peele's, uh, follow up movie, uh, to get out, uh, called Us. Um, but he's gonna be set to play the late Kimbo Slice. In a biopic titled Backyard Legend about the deceased MMA fighter. How familiar are you guys with, uh, Kimbo Slice? 
Jake? Mm, not not super. I mean, I know obviously know who he is, but not. I don't know his story very well. I'd be interested to see this. John, did you ever follow Kimbo Slice? Not his MMA career, but I used to watch videos of him um, when he would do like unsanctioned backyard fights. Yes. and I mean yeah. that man is an absolute beast. Well, a lot of those were fake, though, right? Uh, fake or not, they. They were ridiculous. I think the, I think like this was back like, you know, back when like, uh, you know, Vine was kind of like a new thing and like the YouTube was like the, and they, they built this guy up and they, you know, they built him up as this unbeatable badass. And I, I, you know, I, I remember just like when it first came out, like in the mid 2000s, just thinking like this guy's a tank, this guy's a beast. I remember watching like, I, I got first introduced to this guy watching G4. You know, Kevin Pereira was doing the attack of show, attack of the show and showing like clips of this guy. And I was like, holy shit. Then I started looking him up and watching like all of like backyard fights, just beating the shit out of people, people conceding and saying, ah, fuck this. And this guy is just a beast. Rebecca, are you familiar with Kimbo Slice at all? Uh, gosh, no. I know nothing about anything, any of this stuff. I'm just Googling him now. I will say just by the looks. What a great casting. I mean, uh, mm. he could totally pull this off. Um, yeah, I, I don't know anything about his career, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I don't really follow, like, fighting and stuff like that. Um, yeah. It's, it's crazy because it, uh, it, it was back, like, when, um, you know, people were getting on YouTube and, like, you know, you had, like, these crazy, like, when, when videos first started going viral, you know, I, and, 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 part of this part of this craze was uh kimbo slice and uh they would they would just uh show these backyard fights of this guy just like just destroying guys like sometimes not just one guy but like two guys and just taking them on and just 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 beating them down and they built him up so big to be like this unbeatable guy but um they're going to be doing a biopic about he died um uh, back in 2016 so um they've got winston duke playing him i hope he bulks up for the role he's a big guy anyway but kimbo slice was just jacked so i'm hoping that winston duke just has a just a crazy training regimen and uh, is able to put on a little bit of weight and get a little bit bigger here but deadline says white boy rick scribe andy weiss is writing the screenplay about the bahamian born backyard brawler who rose from homelessness to mixed martial arts fame after his brutal backyard fights drew a huge youtube audience kimbo slice died suddenly in june 2016 at 42 from heart failure and a liver mass though he battled high blood pressure for years kimbo slice insisted on boxing months before his death winning a three-round heavyweight match against the fear data 5000 harris at bellatar 149 in houston uh, before dying, Kimbo Slice was scheduled to fight James Thompson in the main event, Bellator 158, despite his family's mixed emotions. They knew his health was ailing, giving him his lack of energy in the data fight, 5,000 fight. Um, Duke and Michael Imber, Kimbo's longtime friend, manager, and employer, who will prominently uh, be depicted in the picture, um, the role has yet to be cast, will also serve as an executive producer. Producer on the project, Steve Lee Jones, said, It's a rich and layered tale about this man's incredible journey from a poor neighborhood in Miami to becoming a worldwide phenomenon. We're ecstatic that Winston has decided to take on this both physically and emotionally challenging role. We simply could not find a better Kimbo. 
Um, Winston Duke said, I'm looking forward to exploring Kimbo's story and interrogating the expectations society places on men like him who are their own special breed of hero. So um, I hope that they cover everything. I hope they go through, if they're going to do a biopic, I hope that they cover, like, his childhood. I hope they, they cover, like... I'm sorry, my computer's making noises on my end. Um, I hope they, they, they cover, like, you know, these, these backyard brawls. I hope that they cover, like, his UF, his time in the UFC. Um, and he, he, you know, he did fight in the UFC and, uh, he got, like, they built him up to be, like, this unbeatable guy. And then, like, I remember he got beat by, uh, Seth Petroselli in, like, less than 30 seconds. Like, the match starts. They come out there. Seth Petroselli just like hits him in just the right spot. Just like hits that hits that button on your fucking head that just like has you drop. And mm. in less than less less than like thirty seconds into this fight, Seth Petroselli just like everybody knew his name after that fight when he beat you know Kimbo Slice. But I yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I think Winston Duke. This could be a big one for him. This could be a great movie. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, I, I like I said, I don't know much about Kimbo Slice, but I, I think if you, I love movies like this where, you know, you go on a journey from, you know, find out where he came from, find out why he was doing this fucking crazy backyard wrestling shit in the first place, like what even led to all that, you know? It sounds good. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, a lot of yeah, if you don't know anything about Kimbo Slice, just. Just go on YouTube, type in Kimbo Slice Backyard Fights or whatever. Watch some of his UFC stuff. And it was crazy. It was crazy while it was happening. Back in, like, the mid-2000s when the, the videos were first being put out, like, he was, he was like, the, the unknown. Like, he had never been, like, he had never been, like, center stage on, like, a real, you know, like a UFC kind of, like, fight or anything like that so like when you watch these fights you didn't when he had that first fight in the ufc you didn't know what to expect out of this guy you didn't know what he could do because he just looked so unbeatable in these fights and uh it was it was quite an incredible journey and story for this guy um moving on here jason momoa is going to be in a uh, new sci-fi series for the apple streaming service it's called uh the 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 show is called c S-E-E. And it's being described as an epic world-building drama set in the future. Momoa will be playing Baba Voss, a fearless warrior, leader, and guardian. Guardian. What is he guarding? Hmm. The sea? (laughs) (laughs) Because he's Aquaman? S-E-E. I spelled it. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Stephen Stephen Knight wrote C and will serve as an executive producer. Stephen Knight, uh, Stephen Knight, um, he's a writer. He was a writer for uh, Peaky Blinders on Netflix. Uh, he wrote. He was a co uh, collaborator with uh, Tom Hardy on uh, Taboo on FX, um, and uh, he did the movie Lock with Tom Hardy. Um, he also re- wrote the uh, screenplay. Um, for that uh, that new movie that uh, we brought up a few weeks ago when Scott Schutte was on the the Girl in the Spider's Web, that movie coming out. Um, I also found out that that Stephen Knight, he's one of the three creators of the game show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. 
Isn't that weird? Isn't that a weird fact? Yeah, that is weird. That's, <laughs> he's probably still making money off of that. Yeah. Francis Lawrence will direct and executive produce. Uh, he was the director for uh, The Hunger Games, Mockingjay, and Catching Fire. He uh, also directed I Am Legend and then uh, the 2005 Constantine film with Keanu Reeves. But uh, Jason Momoa doing a, uh Apple Apple TV show here called C. Set in the future. He's going to be a fearless warrior, a leader, and a guardian. He's just running the gamut on cool things to be. <laughs> a warrior. He's one cool dude. I'm a warrior, a leader, and a guardian. Like, wow. <laughs> Shit, man. Nice resume, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, how... I don't know how excited you give me more. Give me more information about this fucking show. Uh, how excited are you supposed to be? He's going to be playing a guy called Baba Voss and he's a warrior, a leader and a guardian. Oh shit. <laughs> I'm confused about the Jason Momoa stardom in general to be honest with you. I've I've never gotten it. Me he's too. Like, like a modern day Arnold Schwarzenegger. He has a great look, but his acting chops are really limited. That's why he worked so well as Khal Drogo on Game of Thrones, because he really didn't have to say much. Yeah, he's a, he never yeah. spoke English. Let's get the guy yeah. that never spoke English and put him on the Hollywood rocket. It's it's crazy, Jake. It's, see, here's the thing. It's like they, they find this uh this 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 beautiful chiseled man with 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 piercing eyes and they're like we we gotta put him in something. He's just too pretty not to put in anything. Like we gotta do, we, we gotta find a place for this guy. They're still trying to find like what can this guy do? Cause he's that gorgeous. Like he's, I mean this guy like he's uh he's the reason that Lisa Bonet is not with Jim uh, not Jimi Hendrix. What's his fucking name? The uh the the, the Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz. It's like like she left Lenny Kravitz and she's oh my god. Can you imagine like. I, I, the sex that those two have, I bet it's just like, I bet they make, like literally make their own music as they make love. Like, there's like <laughs> nothing playing. You could, it's, there's nothing audibly playing, but as soon as like the, the, the genitalia of those two beautiful specimens meet, like music starts to play in the air. <laughs> just two, two beautiful human beings. It's just, I don't know. It's crazy. Fucking Jason Momoa, this guy, this is, he's got, he's just the luckiest man on earth. He gets to act not well and fuck Lisa Bonet. <laughs> <laughs> Probably has to work out a lot though. That's true. He's true. It's true. You know, it's true. That, that's gotta be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Jason Momoa doing a show. Not a lot I can say. He's a guardian, a warrior, and a fearless leader. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow we still talked about it for 15 minutes. I don't know, man. I, it's, like, it's like one of those stories that I throw in there and I'm like, what, what, what can I really say about this? Like, what can, what can you say? It's like you're scraping at the bottom of the barrel talking about his love making sessions with Lisa Bonet. Like that's where it takes me. It's like I have nothing else to really Talk about when it, there's really no meat on that story. The only meat is in the bedroom and those two beautiful pieces of flesh collide. <laughs> God, if I could be a fly, if I could be a fly on that wall, 
Jesus. I'm telling you, it's a spiritual moment watching those two go at it. Uh, neither one of them have ever said, nah, I'm not in the mood tonight, right? You think yeah. they got to always be up for it, right? They just like look at each other and they're just like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Why else is Momoa even there? I'm yeah. Surely that's what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh man do you think oh, you man. think do you think uh do you think just to piss off fucking lenny kravitz he wears a pur- uh, purple beret when they do it no that's fucking that's prince i'm thinking of prince <laughs> jeez <laughs> yeah shit shit i'm sorry i was th- i was thinking lenny kravitz sang that song <laughs> sorry <laughs> I'm sure Lady Kravitz is doing just fine. Oh, I'm sure Lady Kravitz is doing fine. Absolutely. You know, his mother was, uh, she was an actress in, uh, The Jeffersons. Yeah. 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 She was, um, she was the neighbor who was married to the white guy. Yeah. Lenny Kravitz, man. What a cocktail of a human being. He's half Jewish and half African American. And he's just a beautiful man. It's like you, it's it's like you take it's like you take the you take the best of two worlds and you throw them together and you get that fucking cocktail of a human being. <laughs> he plays a mean guitar too. He does. He does. Are you gonna go his way? Lisa Bonet did for a while until Jason Momoa showed up on her doorstep. <laughs> She's like, he's got he's got better looking abs than you. Anyway, I'm sorry. This episode's terrible. Um. We're getting a uh, deadline exclusive Quantum and Woody. Um, we're getting a Quantum and Woody, uh, let's see here, an adaptation of the Valiant Entertainment comic that has the Avengers Infinity War helmers Anthony Russo and Joe Russo and uh, spies Mike LaRocha attached to executive produce uh, in early development at TBS. Um, I understand Ant-Man and the Wasp, Andrew Barr and Gabriel Ferrari are writing the pilot for what could be a franchise series. So, uh, the, it's based on a comic from Valiant Comics. It's co-created by, uh, writer Christopher Priest and illustrator Mark Bright. Quantum Woody was originally published in 1997 and draws inspiration from the characters played by Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes in 1992's comedy feature White Men Can't Jump. Comics pair are adoptive brothers who come together after years of estrangement by the mysterious death of their father in the course of investigating. They are accidentally imbued with powers. Um, back in 2000, 2013, Valiant began republishing um, these uh, these characters. Uh, at one time, Joel McHale was previously rumored to star in what would be a reteam for the community alum and the Russos who were frequent directors on that series. Um, I am a big fan of Quantum and Woody. Rebecca, you know this. I, I've talked mm-hmm. about it before um, on our other podcast, Number One Comic Books. I'm a big fan of the series. Um, they're... In 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 the in the version that I read, I read the 2013 version that came out. Um, their dad was a scientist. They're... they're one, uh, uh, Qu- uh, Quantum is, uh, black and then, uh, Woody's white, but they, they were raised by the same father. And, um, their dad was a scientist and he, and he dies. And so, like, they go to his lab and then they're involved in this freak accident that gives them these powers. And then 
they have these bands on each arm that activate the powers when they kind of they clang them together that's the word that they use in the comics clang when they ever whenever they touch the bands and um the thing is that they have to clang the bracelets together at least like once i think it's once every 24 hours or they could die so that's kind of an interesting part of the story so like if you separate them for too long um and they don't clang their bracelets together it could kill them um they eventually like in the comic book they find out that their dad like his mind is is trapped inside of a goat <laughs> so that's <laughs> it's funny like the writing is really sharp and funny in the issues that i've read and this is one that i'm really looking forward to um but i don't know it's it's tbs i think that joel McHale would be perfect as woody i think he would be fantastic as playing woody um, and then the Russos, the Russo brothers are involved in this, Anthony and Joe. I mean, I don't know. The only thing that kind of like has me worried here a little bit is that it, it, it that it will be TBS, but I've kind of enjoyed the, uh, what is it? The new, uh, Tracy Morgan show, um, on TBS. It's been really funny, but I don't, I don't know. TBS and superheroes just doesn't sound, I don't know. It just doesn't sound like the place to go to watch a superhero TV show. Yeah, TVS does try some interesting stuff, though, with shows in the last, like, two or three years, so... Yeah. You never know. It could be good. Does it sound like it would interest you you guys at all? John? Rebecca? I mean, I can't think of any TVS original series that I've ever watched and liked. Um, As for Quantum and Woody and Valiant as a whole... I've never really been able to get into Valiant, um, but I do know that a lot of their fans hold Quantum and Woody in very high regard, especially mm. um, with Christopher Priest's work. And, I mean, he's doing amazing things on Deathstroke right now with DC, so if they're going to take any cues from his work, I mean, I'll definitely at least give it a try. Mm-hmm. It's it's defi- it's comedy, and it's it's going to be one of those things where... I feel like we could be looking at like another TV show that like it's a one se- one season and done. Like I love Quantum Woody, but I'm not gonna fucking try to like sit here and bullshit you and say like oh oh my god I can't wait for the show I think it's gonna be great. Like I think like this could be like another show that gets like one season and it's done. We saw we saw fucking Adam Scott and Craig Robinson do a show called Ghosted, which a lot of people liked, but it was a one season and done. Like it just it. It just didn't make it. Like, you don't... And, like, what was the other one? What was the other fucking... uh, It was, like, the NBC show where it was... Powerless. Powerless. Yeah. Like, it was a one season and done. Like, it had its fans. It had its core group of fans, people that liked it. I think, like, this will be... To be quite honest with you, I love Quantum and Woody. I will read the comic until the day that I die. Not literally. I'm not going to be on my deathbed reading that fucking book. <laughs> but, like, I will read Quantum and Woody as long as they want to put out Quantum and Woody books. But I'm going to be a realist. I'm not going to sit here and be like, I love Quantum and Woody. I can't wait for the TV show. It's going to be great. I think, like, this this show, since it is a comedy and it's a superhero comedy, it's kind of set up to fail. It's kind of set up to fail. So if it does get ordered straight to series, even with the Russo brothers involved, I think that this could be a one season and done. Yeah, I think that's a very safe and smart prediction. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's hard to imagine something like that in today's day and age is really going to go viral and 
can like grab people's attention like that mm-hmm. where it's like must watch TV on TBS. Yeah. I don't yeah, see it happening. Mean, Powerless couldn't do it with DC. I mean, and Valiant is incredibly niche and they're not even on a major network. I mean, I mean, TBS is a major network, but it's not NBC. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I, 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 you know, I don't know. It's, uh, I think it would be better suited if it was like on a, like a, like Amazon, you know, like Amazon has the tick, you know, throw it on Amazon Prime or something. It's just, I don't, you know, I, God bless TBS though. They brought back American Dad. I love American Dad. I fucking love American Dad. I don't give a fuck what people say. I love that show. I love Roger. That alien cracks me the fuck up. <laughs> that dumpy looking fucking alien cracks me the hell up. Um, guys, we're getting a, um, we're getting a new Robocop movie. Deadline reported that MGM is developing a new installment of Robocop and has set District 9 director Neil Blomkamp to helm the picture, which is titled Robocop Returns. The studio hopes to revive a franchise that began with Paul Verhoeven directed satirical sci-fi action thriller that Orion released in 1987. Original writers Ed Niemeyer and Michael Miner are producing and executive producing respectively. Justin Rhodes, who co-wrote the Terminator film that Tim Miller is shooting, uh, which is Terminator 6, the untitled Terminator that's coming out, uh, will rewrite the script that Neumeyer and Miner wrote years ago as a planned sequel to Verhoeven's hit, an installment that never happened. The, that duo is creatively involved in moving forward their creation for the first time since the original. Um, I want to point this out. Um, this is, it's getting, it's getting a script rewrite from Justin Rhodes. He's rewriting, uh, Neumeyer's and Miner's script that they wrote as a planned sequel to the original RoboCop. So like this movie was in the pipe years ago. Like they wrote this, I don't know uh, the time frame that they wrote this, but this was written as the actual sequel to RoboCop. Wow, that's so the, crazy. But with a little bit of a tinge of a rewrite now, right? Oh yeah, it's going to get the rewrite here. They got to they got to update it for today's audiences or whatever. You know what I mean? It's called RoboCop Return. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I guess I'm expecting it to be closer to our time period. Um so just just the corny name alone tells you though that it's like a little bit not a reboot possibly that it's it's the same character returning well robocop returns it robocop could be a moniker it doesn't have to be peter weller ah, that's true that's true so basically yeah i it, this is what they intended to be the sequel to robocop robocop 2 Frank Miller kind of helped write the story for RoboCop 2, I believe. And so that's the story we got instead of the Niemeyer and Miner story. So, um, yeah. Yeah, corny name aside, I, I'm interested in this project. I mean, we didn't get the Neil Blomkamp alien movie, so he's moved on to a different 80s franchise. I don't and, um, like, I'm not a fan of Neil Blomkamp. I don't like Neil Blomkamp. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think the um, kind of the District Nine sensibilities kind of fit in really well with kind of what's going on in RoboCop and kind of the social awareness going on in that original movie. I think this is kind of a pretty good fit. Yeah, I uh, I think it's a good fit too. I really do. I'm just not a fan of Neil Blomkamp. I didn't like District Nine. Saw it in the theater. Didn't like it. I don't like any 
Neil Blomkamp stuff. There's not one Neil. And I'm in the minority. Everybody loved District 9. I didn't like it. Um, but, um, Neil Blomkamp, he's a, he's a fan of Robocop. Um, he wanted to do this movie. Um, he said, uh, the original definitely had a massive effect on me as a kid. I loved it then, and it remains a classic in the end of the 20th century sci-fi catalog with real meaning under the surface. Hopefully that is something we can get closer to in making a sequel. That is my goal here. What I connected to as a kid has evolved over time. At first, the consumerism, materialism, and Reaganomics, that 80s theme of America on steroids, came through most strongly. But as I've gotten older, the part of me that really resonated with me is identity and the search for identity. As long as the human component is there, a good story can work in any time period. It's not locked into a specific place in history. What's so cool about Robocop is that like a good Western sci-fi films and dramas, the human connection is really important to a story well told. What draws me now is someone searching for their lost identity, taken away at the hands of people who are benefiting from it and seeing his memory jogged by events. That is most captivating. The other thing I am excited by is the chance to work again with Justin Rhodes. He has added elements that are pretty awesome to a sequel that was set in the world of Verhoeven. This is a movie I would love to watch. So it sounds like he gets it, man. It sounds like he's a fan. He understands Robocop. It sounds like he gets it, and I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not a fan of his previous stuff. I didn't like Elysium. I didn't like District 9. Um, I never watched Chappie, but uh, I'm, just, I'm just not a Neil Blomkamp guy. But I'm willing to give him he, – he, like listening to his words, it sounds like he fucking gets the franchise. Like what people yeah. liked about the original RoboCop, not this fucking uh, bullshit reboot crap that we got. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, You know, I'm not a huge Neil Blomkamp fan. I, I love District 9, mm-hmm. but the other two movies were kind of misses for me. So hopefully this is kind of, and I think of his three movies, RoboCop is closest to kind of what they're trying to do with RoboCop mm-hmm. and District 9. So well, here's hopefully the, that holds true. Here's the thing. Okay. So RoboCop came out, rated R. RoboCop 2, rated R. RoboCop 3, PG-13. Yeah, so, Samurai's. Yeah. And jetpacks, Rocketeer jetpacks. <laughs> so is this movie going to be rated R? Cliff Blazinski, yes. Cliff Blazinski, the game developer who's responsible for Gears of War, he tweeted Neil Blomkamp recently. He said, tell me it'll be rated R. Tell me the satire will be there. Tell me there will be huge fucking exploding squibs. Jake, not your Harry Potter squibs, so chill the fuck out, all right? I know that you, oh, those, those I poor know. squibs. I know you, Jake. Jake, for a moment there was thinking like, please don't kill people that were not born into wizarding families with no magic ability. Don't kill them; they're people too. But that's not what I'm. Squibs are small explosives that they use for special effects and films and things like that. So I guarantee you, like when he tweeted that, a bunch of fucking Harry Potter dorks were bothering them. Stupid shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, they use a shit ton of squibs in the Matrix. Um, Blomkamp re- responded to um, uh, Cliff Blazinski's tweet. He said, there will be all these things. So he gets it. 
It's going to be rated R. There will be satire. And it'll be a bunch of fucking exploding squibs. <laughs> <It'll> <laughs> it's the perfect recipe. So, uh, Rebecca, you a fan of RoboCop? Oh, the oh, absolutely the 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 first RoboCop movie I love. Yeah. The second one, I I haven't seen the second one in forever, but I think I liked it. Oh God, I love it! Fucking uh, the, the the little the little baseball kid gang at the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I I did like the second one a lot too. You had the drug nuke, and you had uh, you know what I don't want about out of this new RoboCop movie, guys, is is nostalgia. I don't need your fucking nostalgia. Just give me RoboCop. I want him to look like RoboCop. Give me that fucking amazing pistol. But you know what? You can take ED-209 and shove him up your ass. I don't need it. Right? Right. I, lo- I love ED-209. I want ED-209. I don't. I, we don't need an ED-209 in today. We don't need an ED-209. We don't need a robot that can't walk up and down stairs. We don't need that today. <laughs> that's a great point. It doesn't. The, the commentary really doesn't make any sense today. That's a, that's a great point. I also don't want drones, though. I don't feel like, oh, what's the new thing? Oh, drones. I don't, I, I don't want a bunch of fucking dr- I don't want RoboCop skeet shooting. <laughs> Uh, yeah that would be pretty boring so i don't know like a video game yeah i want them to have like a nasty villain just like they had in the first movie you know what i mean they had a nasty fucking villain a guy that you wanted to see die they had great villains in the i want them to have another nasty villain in this one i don't know like i don't need them to, to go nostalgia route with me though as far as like fucking ed209 i don't have to get ed you know i don't have to get ed309 <laughs> what, what about another origin are we doing that yeah they probably have to i guess with if they're going to introduce a new robocop yeah just uh, that feels weird after just having the yeah. weird crappy samuel L. jackson one pretty recently still well if, if it, with it being i don't know with it being maybe they're It'd be great if, since it's called RoboCop Returns, that it's in the same, like, fucking canon as the original, and the RoboCop program was kind of, like, you know, retired, and now they're, like, they're bringing it back for some reason, so, I don't know. Whatever. that could work. Yeah. John, you a RoboCop guy? Not really, no. I've never really been into RoboCop, um... Uh, Neil Blomkamp, though, I, I mean, I enjoyed District 9, so, and, I mean, his words definitely sounds promising, so mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what he does with the property. I wa- I recently watched, uh, a RoboCop, you ever, remember the RoboCop arcade game, Jake? Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, I'll just sit down and I'll watch, like, playthroughs on arcade games. I watched, I, <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting idea. It's fun. You could just go to YouTube and just type in like, you know, uh, RoboCop arcade game playthrough or whatever. You can just watch it. Cause like, I didn't have enough quarters to beat that fucking game. So I'll just sit there and like, you know, you, I think Taito made it. Taito. Remember Taito? T-A-I-T-O. Oh, yeah. Taito. Yeah, Taito. <laughs> <laughs> I, liked, I, I liked how you said that five times in a row there. Taito. Suck it in. People me. have to hate me. Like, listen to this jackass laugh at himself. 
Like, people have to hate me. Fuck you, too. I hate you, too. Um, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> oh, this guy's having fun and laughing. Fuck him. Ah, fuck you, you piece of shit. Um, yeah, every once in a while, just watch video game, arcade video game playthroughs. Um, I'm very tapped into what people think about me. (laughs) You're on the pulse of that, huh? You know, yeah, exactly. I know what you're thinking. You know, I'm sitting here talking. I know what's going on in your little head. People can't, people, oh God, this guy's having fun. This guy really likes himself. No, you don't. I'm a tortured human being. Fuck you. I hate every minute living in this fucking body. So fuck you. (laughs) Anyway. um, No one that, no one that hates us made it this far into this uh, podcast. That's true. That's true. All right. We're all friends right now, except for you, Ferguson. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're still here, Ferguson. She's my Newman. (laughs) Ferguson. Um. Anyway, um, yeah, recently I watched the, the RoboCop playthrough for the, uh, for the, uh, was it Namco or Taito? I feel like it was Taito. <laughs> it no. better be fucking Taito. I after think all it, this. is it Namco or Taito? Taito did the Operation Wolf. Remember Operation Wolf with the fucking, yeah, uh, Operation Wolf was fucking cool. That was definitely Taito. I know that was Taito. Remember Narc? Oh, I love NARC, oh, fucking love the NARC giant too. fucking hypodermic needles mm. that the villains would throw at you. God damn it. If I could, it, seriously, if I could make a day of just playing NARC and Smash TV arcade versions, I'd be a happy person. Yeah, Smash TV arcade versions, one of my favorite things ever. Yeah, fuck the, whatever, the home versions of uh, Smash TV just never lived up, but my God, the arcade version of that. And then yeah, I, it's all about having two joysticks. They really didn't like reproduce. They didn't have the PlayStation yeah. controllers yet. Did you ever play the arcade version of Michael Jackson Moonwalker? Oh, it was amazing. I watched a playthrough of that recently too. I just sat there and watched Michael Jackson fucking like grab his crotch and rescue kids. It was amazing. <laughs> Fuck, light shoots out of the sky, destroys all the enemies. Ooh, and then he fucking like yeah. If he gets if he find bubbles, the little monkey, the little chimpanzee when he runs on screen. If you touch him, you turn into Robo Michael. You turn into Michael Jackson, but you're a fucking robot and you shoot lasers and you rescue children. I'm in. It was an amazing game, <laughs> Rebecca. You got bubbles the chimp to like give you special yes. abilities too, Re- if I remember correctly. Rebecca, John, this is a real fucking game I'm talking about. No, I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> we had the Genesis version too. Oh, the Gen- Jay had that one. Jay had the Genesis. I remember playing that shit at his house. I wasn't. It big- was a totally different game, but it's almost better. Like I'd rather they do that than try, like badly reproduce the arcade version. Yeah, guys, we're getting a uh, we're getting Zombieland too. It's officially happening. Yeah, that's cool. What's it been, a decade? It's been, uh, it'll be a decade by the time it hits theaters. It's going to supposedly come out October of 2019. That'll make it 10 years. Uh, they're getting everybody back. Uh, the band is back together. Emma Stone, Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, and Abigail Breslin. What's Abigail Breslin doing? Is she doing anything? Yeah, she was the easiest to get back. Was she like, was she sitting around for this call? Like, you know what I mean? Was she, is she the Corey Feldman of this group that's just begging for this movie to happen? 
<laughs> She's been getting people to sign a petition for a decade. Jeez, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah, but uh, they're all coming back. Ruben Fleischer, who uh, helmed the original and is behind the studio Spider-Man-centric fall tentpole Venom, is returning to the director's chair. Uh, the Deadpool writers, Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese, who wrote the original Zombieland, they're coming back and they're going to pen this movie. Um, and the new movie will once again focus on comic mayhem, taking the quartet from the White House to the American heartland as they face off against new kinds of zombies that have evolved since the first movie, as well as some new, as some new human survivors. But most of all, according to the studio, they have to face the growing pains of their snarky makeshift family. So, um, I'm happy. I love the first one and, um, I mean, I'm looking. I, I hope it's good. Yeah, this is better than a remake. I'm excited as well. So, yeah, I think it could be good too. Yeah, uh, Rebecca and John with a rousing approval of this. <laughs> what, what, what's going on? Did you guys watch Zombie Land? Are you happy for the for the announcement of the sequel? I've seen bits and pieces of uh, the first Zombie Land. Um, I would probably have to watch it in full before I could decide whether or not I really want to see a sequel, but I mean, it sounds like it'd be all right. Yeah. You got to watch it. You got to watch the movie. It was, I don't know. I don't know if it works now though, Jake, like with all this zombie shit, that's like, this was pre walking dead. This was pre world war Z. This is, this is only post dawn of the dead and maybe 28 days later. And maybe the, you know, a couple of the first original resident evil movies. But this was doing something different that those movies weren't doing. It was a comedy zombie movie. You had like these cute little fucking like, you know, like pop up, you know, like you remember what it was, uh, the VH1 pop up video when they had a little shit that pops up on the screen that tell you some funny mm-hmm. shit, a little funny anecdote about the music video you're watching. Well, they would do that with the Zombieland stuff. It would pop up and it would give you like, you know, like these are the things that you need, the tools that you need to, to defeat zombies, make sure that you got good cardio and it, all these funny little things would pop up on the screen. And it was just such a different kind of like zombie comedy. And I, I loved it for that. I thought it was so creative and it's like now watching it again, you know, you, you watch it again post Deadpool. And it's like, it totally makes sense that it's Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick behind this, the guys that, you know, wrote Deadpool. Yeah. So hopefully they have, a new idea, right? Like this could easily fall into sequelitis territory. Yeah. Where it's just greatest hits of the last movie. It is. They're saying it's a, a new kind of zombies have evolved as well as new human survivors. So they're going to, they're going to shake things up here a little bit. You know, it's like, you know, Ghostbusters one, we had ghosts and we had slime and ectoplasm, but then Ghostbusters two, we had slime that if you sang to it, it was happy slime. <laughs> oh, God. Ghostbusters 2 sucks such a giant bag of dicks. <laughs> Rebecca, did you ever watch Zombieland? Uh, no, I never saw it. You know, I'm not a zombie fan. It never, like, appealed to me to watch it. But I know a lot of people love that movie. Um, and I think I'm sure a lot of people are excited for for the second one, too. I love how it's it's a broad statement where you're just like saying like 
I didn't watch it, but there are people that do, and yeah. I'm, 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 I bet those same people that did are happy for what's going to happen. <laughs> it's not a lie. It's true. I, just... I know. I know. It's great. It's you're it's it's you're such a considerate commenter. Like you are, you are, you are. You really are, Rebecca. You're like those people that watch that stupid thing that I didn't want to see. I'm so happy for you guys and I hope that you get your stupid little fucking sequel. <laughs> and I hope it makes all your sequel dreams come true. Fuck your little zombie bullshit. <laughs> so. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh man. Is it though, Jake? It was pretty funny. Okay. <laughs> all, all Beck's favorite genres are coming up this fucking. Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> this is I, I, mobster movies. Yeah. Josh Whedon, I know. fucking zombie movies. Hey, she brought up the mobster movies. You know, they, yeah. This, I'm sorry, Rebecca, that the episode isn't tailor made for you. <laughs> <laughs> recall ever complaining about that but okay i know i that was that was me that was i know brian's, brian's tapped in he knows you were thinking it yeah <laughs> guys you know what we're gonna god damn it this episode's going on way too long it really is it's ridiculous so we're gonna take a quick break and come back and we're gonna wrap this shit up real quick okay all right let's do it <laughs> Hey, we are back. Uh, it is now time for uh, Marvel News. Marvel news. All right, real quick. Uh, we talked about sharp objects earlier. I wanted to point out one of our listeners has a sharp objects podcast. Uh, Melissa, she does a podcast called uh, Wild Pretty Things, a uh, podcast about sharp objects. So check that out. And uh, so, yeah, that's cool. One of our listeners is doing a, a podcast. I love it when people start new podcasts. It's a lot of fun. It's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome, especially people that listen to us that start new podcasts. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, Aaron Claude Miller, we've had him on the show before. Him and Keith Keller uh, do a podcast. They did a podcast for years called Nerd Porn. Uh, they finished, wrapped their 200th episode, they're rebooting, and now they've got a podcast simply called Nerds. So check mm, those guys out. Out of the porn game, huh? Out of the porn game, <laughs> and it's all about nerds. But uh, it's funny. I was thinking to myself, they finally, after like, I don't know, four or five years or whatever recording, doing nerd porn, they finally got their first one-star review, and I thought it was hilarious that they rebooted their podcast after their first one-star. So, <laughs> God, we would have to reboot like every other week. <laughs> We we would have rebooted this week. Somebody left a one star, but they didn't leave a review. So mm. like, we would have had to reboot this week. We would, like, how many different variations of pop culture leftovers could we have done? <laughs> I know. We ran out of acronyms. We'll have to create some new letters. Exactly. Jeez. Oh, we could have done porn culture leftovers after nerd porn. Ooh. Yeah. Now that they're gone, let's pick up the slack. Let's do it. Uh, Marvel news guys, Ryan Reynolds said in August that we're gonna get a super duper cut of, uh, Deadpool 2. So it's coming out in August. And I'm hearing it might have a deleted scene with Wolverine, uh, with, oh, Wolverine and X-Men villain Omega Red. So, um, 
No, not Wolverine. Just uh, I'm sorry, I wrote that down wrong. I'm hearing it has a deleted scene with the X, with the Wolverine and X Men villain Omega Red. Not Wolverine. In uh, <laughs> there we go. I was yeah. getting ready to say, wow, that's yeah. crazy that they would do that for a fucking deleted no. scene Blu-ray. Release. I I, I read I, I wrote that, and then I when I read it, I I read it like like a f- fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, at least you're not being hard on yourself. I just, I, God, no, I am just a fucking giggle fest this episode. Like, this is, no, this is the true test for a listener. Like, oh my God, I'm just going off the rails and saying stupid shit. But anyway, the super, the super duper cut will first air for fans at San Diego Comic Con, uh, next weekend. And uh, Collider had the exclusive on what all comes with the Deadpool 2 Super Duper cut. Um, the Blu-ray release includes both the theatrical version of the film and the extended cut. The Super Duper cut includes 15 minutes of new footage made up of deleted scenes, alternate jokes, and extended takes. Um, if it's bonus features that really get you going, the Deadpool 2 Blu-ray has them in spades. The theatrical version of the film includes an audio commentary by Ryan Reynolds, director David Lech, and writers Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. There's also a boatload of featurettes focusing on everything from Easter eggs to stunts to Lech's directing style, as well as deleted and extended scenes and a gag reel. So, fuck, sounds like uh, the people that pick up the uh, Deadpool 2 Blu-ray are in for a ton of shit here. They get, uh, it looks like there's a, ch- it, it, there's a scene called chess with Omega Red. So it might be like a, a, a prison scene of Omega Red playing chess is what I'm guessing. Um, this sounds like a lot of fun, man. Fucking uh, audio commentary by Ryan Reynolds and the writers. It sounds great. Yeah. The Deadpool one bonus features were out of this fucking world. So I kind of expected more of the same from Deadpool two. I'm excited yeah, for it. I am too. Uh, Rebecca, John, are you guys fans of uh, Deadpool, Deadpool 2? Yeah, I mean, I love Deadpool. Uh, not so much in the comics. Um, I mean, I like him in his guest appearances, but not in his own standalone titles. But the movies are great, and I definitely want to see the audio commentary with uh, Ryan Reynolds. That'll yeah. be great. Yeah. And, um, I mean, deleted scenes, behind-the-scenes features, those are always good. Omega Red, um, I can't imagine it being anything huge if it was just a deleted scene. I mean, considering that they already have the Juggernaut in there, I, it'll still be interesting to see, though. Yeah, I want to see... Well, the, it's just, just going to be playing chess. That's not that huge. Yeah, but I want to yeah. see what it looks like, you know? How are they going to make yeah. them look in the, in, in the in the anime, in the cinematic universe, excuse me, so... <sighs> Rebecca, you fan of the Deadpool stuff? Oh yeah, for sure. I enjoyed both of the movies a whole lot. Uh, this this commentary or this uh, excuse me these um, bonus features sound a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I mean anything with Ryan Reynolds where he just kind of gets to like run amok and do whatever he loves to do, especially with this character. I think you're going to get some really fun stuff, and I, I I I'll definitely pick it up. It sounds like a whole lot of fun. I would love to get audio commentary of Tracy Ferguson listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would probably be painful. Oh like no, I man, I would get a kick out of it. Oh, Oh my god, it's gotta be torture for her. She fucking hates me. Yet she listens every fucking week. It is insanity, Jake. That is, like, I can't imagine, like, subjecting yourself 
every week to something that you hate. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's like a Jewish family going to Auschwitz like every fucking weekend. <laughs> yeah, this is like a test here. Us talking about it so late in the episode, right? Yeah. Like it's one thing to kind of listen, but. If he starts talking about this part of the episode, then it's like, oh, my gosh, this person is pathetic. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, Tracy. <laughs> She's hanging in there. She's, nah, oh, I don't man. Know. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if Tracy's here right now. I, I, I guess she can't let it go. She's, 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 she's on a mission, Jake. Nah, she ain't here right now. That's my guess. <laughs> she's hanging on my every word. <laughs> uh, she, yeah, she's probably got the Tracy Ferguson like army like listening for her. Oh yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. I've heard from none of them. She has zero supporters. <laughs> she is out of her goddamn mind. She's an absolute it's, lunatic. It's a ghost army. <laughs> you are fuck Tracy. You are fucking crazy. You are nuts. You are so. What does it feel like to be a fucking crazy person? God damn, that's, I don't know, you fascinate me, you fucking enigma of, she's an enigma wrapped up in a riddle, she's, she's just insane, you're, you're just, you're the physical manifestation of just craziness, you're just a wacky human being, you, <laughs> oh, Tracy, we love you. God bless you. Um, <laughs> we got some exclusive news here from Deadline. Sony Pictures has set JB Smoove to star in Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, sources said Sony would not comment and nobody would divulge Smoove's role, but I'm told it's a lead in the ensemble. So far, he's the first new cast member to be set beyond Jake Gyllenhaal, who is expected to play the villain Mysterio. So some fans are saying that they want J.B. Smoove to be J. Jonah Jameson. That's what I'm hearing. I've seen that, too, online. A lot of people are fan casting him as that as, as that character. I think it, I see. OK, hold on. Like, I think it would be funny. Like, in my head, it's funny. But I don't. I don't know. I don't, I love JB Smoove. I think it's funny. I could kind of see it, but part of me still wants like Nick Offerman in that role. Like I think Nick Offerman <laughs> would be great as J. Jonah Jameson. I was thinking of, I was thinking like, if I was thinking like, you know, it's a school, you know, you know, Peter Parker's in school. I was thinking of like JB Smoove as like, you know, he'd be a great like bus driver or something, you know? You know, bus drivers are, they hear all the conversations of the kids on the bus and stuff like that. JB Smoove would be a, a great, like, bus driver for the school that Peter goes to. But who, for all we know, he could be J. Jonah Jameson. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. I don't know if I'd want a J. Jonah Jameson yet. I mean, this Spider Man, not with this incarnation of Spider Man. I mean, he's too young, right? I, yeah, he's too young. I want to see him at the bugle with Jameson, you know? I, I don't think we're ready for that yet. Jake, what are you thinking? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I just don't see it, JB Smooth, as as JJJ. It's you know, I love JB Smooth, and I've seen him in a lot of stuff, but he doesn't really have all that much range from what I've seen out of him, right? So, I just don't see him like being that kind of a character actor to be a JJJ. He's just gonna play JB Smooth being. J. Jonah Jameson, right? I mean, it's just going to yeah. be... Yeah. 
I love I what he does for him in the movie. I yeah. think he'll be great, but I don't, I don't see the JJJ. Yeah, I mean, we had think, Hannibal Burris in the first one, and like he was great. And it's like I, I could see JB Spoof just doing his thing and playing another character, but as J Jonah Jameson, that's it's kind of crazy to think. I don't know. It's hard to wrap my head around that. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. I'm I'm actually a little bit surprised by that. It's just a it's a fan rumor. It's a fan rumor. We know he's being cast, and they're saying it's a it's a it's a it's a large meaty role. So of course people are going to say like yeah, J Jonah Jameson possibly. So it's a rumor out there. Uh, THR reported that Black Widow has found its director in Australian filmmaker Kate Shortland. Um, she's directed a few films. I haven't seen any of her films. I guess her most famous film is Lore from back in 2012 it's not the 2017 amazon series that's based off the podcast um but i have read up on lore and it seems like lore sounds like an incredible film and i need to track this down here's the synopsis for lore left to fend for themselves after their ss officer father and mother a staunch nazi believer are interred by the victorious allies at the end of World War II. Five German children undertake a harrowing journey that exposes them to the reality and consequences of their parents' actions. Led by the eldest sibling, 14-year-old Lore, they set out on a harrowing journey across a devastated country to reach their grandmother in the north. After meeting the charismatic Thomas, a mysterious young refugee, Laura soon finds her world shattered by feelings of both hatred and desire as she must learn to trust the one person she has always been taught to hate in order to survive. Um, it sounds pretty incredible, and it has a 94% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, so it, she sounds like a very competent director. Um, that movie, I, I gotta track this Laura movie down, that sounds fucking, I never even heard of it until this announcement. Yeah, I've never heard anything of, of that movie. That's interesting. What what year did you say it came out, Brian? 2012. She did another movie in 2017, but it, I don't think it was as highly regarded. Um, I didn't hear anything bad about it, but Lore seems to be like her standout film. But um, it, apparently Deadline reported that you know uh, Marvel Studios met with over 70 directors to find the ideal candidate for this and... It looks like they've landed on Shortland, and Johansson was a fan of hers, and she actually pushed for Kate Shortland. And um, she, what what Johansson liked was the handling of the female lead in the movie Lore, and so. Um, Apparently, this Black Widow film is reportedly set before the events of the first Avengers movie and sees the actress reprise the role of Russian spy turned superheroine. So Kate Shortland is going to be our director here. It's going to be a Black Widow film. And I, for one, think that I, for one, think that, like, as much as I feel like this should have been done years ago. I still think that I, I'm happier to see Scarlett Johansson doing this than doing like, you know, Ghost in the Shell and then like this, what was that rub and tug movie that she was going to play the, like the transgender where, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she dropped yeah. out of that. She dropped Good out of it. Well, yeah. Oh, she did drop out of it. Well, see, the, yeah. the director for the rub and tug movie was the same director for the Ghost in the Shell movie, which both of those movies took a 
shit ton of criticism for like the first one was the whitewashing and like here is like we're in a place where you know we're we're, we're you know where where transgenders can play this role it used to be see this is the thing it used to be where acting was kind of an actor would be able to play anyone right like it, that's that's the world that we were in Years ago, like, like remember, like uh, fucking uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. in that movie Radio, where he played mm-hmm. the, you know, he, he played the, the 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 guy who was kind of like a special needs guy who was obsessed with football and 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 um, carried the radio around, and we saw a bunch of like Hollywood actors, you know, playing like these roles that they they typically, you know, I don't know. The, the, you know, like Tom Hanks and Forrest Gump and like, you know, that's what acting was. It was just like big name actors, you know, taking on these, these roles that are, that are just, you know, really hard to, to kind of tackle. And like, we're, we're in a period now though, that like representation is really important. And so when, and we want to see, we want to see new faces and new people get new jobs and stuff like that. So, um, I'm, I'm happy that she did step out of this, you know, and because, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's, it's, I, I, I do want actors to challenge themselves though, but in something like this, I, I think it, I think it, uh, getting a trans, I think we're at that point where, you know, like more people, we want to see more people kind of like step up and be able to, to show us what they can do as far as like acting is concerned and, and people want to represent people that want to represent themselves in these roles. So it, does that make any sense? <laughs> no, yeah, no yeah. It, it makes total sense. It makes total sense because yeah, there, there was a time and you, you cited some really great examples, Ryan, about Tom Hanks playing Forrest Gump and Cuba Gooding Jr. playing, playing radio. And, but, this is a role of a transgender person and you're going to cast a straight woman who she's not transgender. She's never been transgender. And you're going to say, okay, now play a transgender person. When you've got lots of transgender actors who are looking for work, they want to work and they're not getting these roles, but they're handing them to the Scarlett Johansons of the world. I mean, see, but that's a, that's a thing. It's, it's one of those things where like, I, you got to think like at one time, like a, a, a role like that could be, think about it this way though. Like if you're an actor and like acting is in your blood, like taking on a role like that, it's kind of like for transgenders, they, some, some transgenders think it's, it's, um, I don't know how to, I'm trying to say this without coming off like I'm ignorant or something like that because I, I do want to see a transgender in the role because I think like that's where we are in this time. But I can also see it from like the actor's point of view where it's like, this is a challenging role. I want to take on this role. You, you, you see what, the, you see what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, oh no, I completely, I completely see what you're saying. Yeah. I don't think you coming off as like ignorant or a jackass or anything like that. But I think it, I think we're at a point also where people are equating her taking this role or any actor who's not transgender taking a role like that to, uh, oh God, and this is like a really extreme example, but like think back to Breakfast at Tiffany's with Mickey Rooney and Yellowface. I mean, that, I mean, 
terrible. It's completely offensive. But at the time, it was played as a joke, and it was, uh, oh, look how funny this is. And we're we're living in a time though where it's like we have to be more sensitive to these things. And I'm not saying that you're not being sensitive, but I mean that for her to step away from the role for whatever reason she did, I'm glad she did because. There's, there's no, I get you want to stretch your wings and you want to, you want to challenge yourself as an actor, but not to the detriment or to the offense of an entire group of people. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm if, saying? If people are taking offense to it and, 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 and see, that's the thing. See, that's where I have a hard time with this kind of talking about this because I, 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 I can, you can, you can look at it from both sides because like, Part of me would think like, wow, like wouldn't, wouldn't like a transgender person be kind of like flattered that she wants to take on this role? Like, I don't know. I, I hope I'm not, I really am not trying to come off as insensitive here. I'm, I kind of like, like she feels like it's a challenge. Like that's what acting is. Like you, you're pretending to be someone that you're not. That's, that's, that's what acting is. And I feel like part of that. Um, is is taking on these roles that uh, that are challenging and that that is something like that that you are not like I you know like fucking um, you know when uh, when Daniel Day Lewis you know uh, played Lincoln like he, he's nothing like the real Abraham Lincoln yet he's playing this guy and he's doing it so convincingly and doing a great job. And I feel like you know for like this role of this transgender for like a lot of actors like this would be. You know, a lot of people would think like, oh my God, that's definitely a role that I want to want to do. I would want to do. I will, I would want to take on that role. But, um, we're in such a place today though that like representation is really important. And we, and there are a lot of transgender actors. We, you know, like we had June on here a few weeks ago talking about that new Ryan Murphy show called Pose where they have real mm-hmm. transgender, um, actors and, um, that that actually got greenlit for a season two, by the way. I found that out today. But uh, we're living in a time where, like, we do have those doors are open for these actors to play these roles. And I feel like as much as I can talk about how, you know, like, it could be challenging for an actor to be in those roles, there's also kind of something special about the real person representing that culture. And mm-hmm. that's... And that's kind of like where I'm falling on now. Like yeah. this is this is a different time. This isn't uh, you know, nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties. There's I want people to be kind of like more I think if you have real people um that are transgender playing these roles, then that leads to if it's a great performance in a movie that is like well renowned that leads to interviews with that person and that leads to um, people seeing these people on their TV screens that they wouldn't regularly see being able to talk to you. And now you're actually relating to a real person playing that role instead of hearing Scarlett Johansson talk about her talking to people in the transgender community and her studying for the role. You, you're actually hearing from people that actually understand it. So, um, it's, I don't know, we're, it's just a different, 
it's a, just a different time and I, and, uh, I'm fully supportive and I hope, I hope that, uh, it's sad though. It's, it's crazy. They, 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 they get the director that was like under controversy for whitewashing Ghost in the Shell and then they give him like this, this rub and tug movie that, that features a transgender, uh, lead and like, and he's willing to go ahead and cast Scarlett Johansson again. Like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. That's like fool me once, right? Yeah. What's going on here? What's going on? You know, like, yeah, yeah, we're at a point in time where like, you know, like, there's 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 a time where like uh people were saying like a like you know you can't do a movie like Black Panther with an all black cast you can't do that and now it what it was like one it was like one of the biggest movies this year behind behind Infinity War mm-hmm. one of the biggest movies this decade exactly you got to rethink Hollywood has to rethink how they're doing things it's time to change a little bit like I can I can I understand like like actors are still st- stuck in that that uh like, oh my God, that's what a challenging role. You know, like, I, like Christian Bale and, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Daniel Day Lewis, like these guys like see these challenging roles and they want to tackle them. You know, of course. Wow. Like, yeah, you want to, you want to, you want to tackle that role, but you know, we're, we're in a, we're, I don't know. We're at a place now where like the people that are actually representing these, um, these these alternative lifestyles, these different lifestyles, they can. We're finding out that there are people that can act and they can do these roles, mm-hmm. and they, and they also have a message, a personal message that they can give us once these movies come out. That's what you're not going to get with Scarlett Johansson. She's not going to be able to tell you, like, once the movie comes out, let's say it blows up, she's not going to be able to talk to you in an interview about like what it's like to be a transgender today. <laughs> and who and kind of who who really cares what Scarlett Johansson thinks about that? Honestly, yeah, that's right? a, she's not the, the the transgender community doesn't want Scarlett Johansson to be the voice of their of their you know of their movement. And yeah, it's definitely a movement. They want they want people to understand. They want people to appreciate them and to treat them equally. So I think yeah, getting getting I think right now I think right now we definitely need people to represent their cultures and things like that in these movies. So. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, we were. T- what were you talking? We this is Marvel news. What the fuck are we doing? <laughs> oh, uh, Black, Black, Black Widow Black, movie. Yeah, Black <laughs> yeah, Jesus. How the fuck did we? Hey, John, are you, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> did we lose John? <gasps> did John fall asleep? <laughs> yes, we lost John. Oh no! <laughs> I think John. I think John fell asleep. All right, we're gonna we're gonna. Oh shit! It happened again. I did it again. <laughs> uh, um, let's see here. Yeah, uh, Ruben, he's still on the call. He's still on the call, so he must have passed out. Um, Ruben Fleischer talked about the Venom movie. He said he's gonna. He's, I don't know. He, he wants it to be like a werewolf movie. He says it's gonna be like a werewolf movie. We talked a lot about a werewolf and what it was like when you get infected by or bit by a werewolf. So. <laughs> okay. I see the uh, metaphor, but, you know, I was hoping for a little bit more than just, you know, the basic werewolf plot line. You think John got attacked by a werewolf? Is that why he's not with us? Hmm. I don't know. I think maybe Bill Cosby gave him a drink. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> he got Cosby. <laughs> 
man. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like John's going to learn a lesson about not taking tricks from strangers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's the sound. I don't know. I was trying to, I was trying to, I was trying to make some junkyard music there. It didn't yeah, quite. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it sounds like when you're getting molested in the junkyard people. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp theory. So uh, these are going to be light spoilers for Ant-Man and the Wasp. If you don't want to hear them, if you haven't seen it, skip ahead. Just skip ahead maybe like three minutes. Do three minutes. Three minutes is safe. Um, we were talking about Sonny Birch's buyers in uh, the, our Ant-Man review. Jake, some people are saying that the buyers could be Oscorp, Norman Osborn. Hmm. All right. That, that's fascinating. I I don't really like that though. You know, I don't I don't know. I don't need Norman Osborn to be like an overall like over the entire MCU villain. I, I would find it odd that um they would do that too, being just Sony probably owns the rights to him. Part of me was thinking like I was hoping it was just gonna be the overall villain for Ant Man three, and I don't want the overall villain for Ant Man three to be involved with Norman Osborn. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a bunch of reasons why I'm not I'm not really thrilled if it ends up being Norman Osborn. Yeah, yeah. So what's what what is um, driving that theory? Uh, speculation, one hundred percent speculation. Sunny, there there is nothing in that movie, Jake. Zero that leads us to believe there is no Easter eggs. Nothing in that movie that leads okay. anyone to believe that it's Norman Osborn. Uh, I'll take solace in that then. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. Uh, a lot of people are also saying that the time vortexes in Ant-Man and the Wasp could, could be a, a, could be a convenient way to introduce the Fantastic Four if, uh, if the Disney Fox deal goes through too. So I kind of like that. If, if they, if they use the time vortexes, um, to introduce the Fantastic Four, Makes sense. It works. If they disappeared in the 60s and they come back through a time vortex, that would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, also, I had a, one of our listeners sent me a, um, a video, uh, through Facebook Messenger, um, and it had to deal with the real science between quantum entanglement. Quantum entanglement, Jake, is a real thing in quantum physics. Oh yeah, I, I was never denying that it wasn't real. I didn't know that. Like I knew that they were talking to that, you know, quantum physics, you know, consultant, but Jake, I'm I'm not like I'm not getting quantum physics monthly sent to my doorstep. So like I didn't know that quantum entanglement was a real thing that you know. So, I th- uh, you know, the actual entanglement's a real thing too. Yeah, there's like I'll, I'll send you the video. Um, one of our listeners sent me a video for quantum entanglement, basically saying like how you could have a quarter in one dimension, like a quarter, like a coin in one dimension and a coin in another dimension, and there, you know, the the entanglement means that if you spin these coins, one is going to land on heads, and the one is always going to land on tails. So they, they, it's it's 
that was their way to kind of like explain it in the video. The video would explain it a lot better than I did. I, I'm six beers in and I, I'm not a quantum physicist, so, you know. <laughs> I hear you. That's, yeah. I, yeah, I'd like to see that video. Send that to me. DC News. Uh, let me play this fucking stupid bumper real quick. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. Real quick, I watched the uh, the new Death of Superman DC animated movie. Um, Rebecca, did you see this? I haven't watched it yet, no. I, I really enjoyed it. It starts off kind of slow, um, but there are some great character moments. Um, the death really hit me in this movie. They show you how much Superman meant to certain people, and uh, it's really emotional. Um, I didn't mind that the Justice League was involved in this story. I think it kind of like was kind of cool, actually. And the, the Doomsday fight was incredible. So I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I really liked it. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, Flash was a lot of fun. Um, the voice acting was okay. It was not great. But uh, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. So... I would highly recommend the new Death of Superman, the DC animated movie. Um, we've got the Aquaman figures that were revealed this week. Um, we've got uh, the Aquaman, Mira, and Black Manta figures. Did you guys see these? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, they look great. Yeah, they looked really cool. Like, Black Manta looks fantastic. Aquaman's suit looks like it's going to be true to, like, you know, the colors that we see, you know, in the actual, you know, comics and stuff like that. And, uh, Mira looks great. I, I fucking Tupperware the look of the, if the, if this is what we're getting in the movie, it looks fantastic. Yeah, I agree. So the figures look good. I'm, I'm excited that it's like your traditional Black Manta suit. Like I was worried that maybe that yeah. was like an Easter egg tease from that one image we saw. I hope uh, I hope Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren's going to be in this movie. He's going to be playing like uh, I think he's playing Jason Momoa's father, the King of Atlantis. I hope uh, I hope his name in the credits when they roll the credits. I hope his name is Dolphin Lundgren. <laughs> I hope so too. Now, <laughs> oh my God, Rebecca, yeah. when you laughed there, you actually sounded like a dolphin. Oh jeez, you sounded like fucking Flipper there for a second. <laughs> You know, uh, uh, John, you're, uh, what do you think about this, John? And eh, nothing, because John's oh, fucking sleeping. No. Poor John. Jesus Christ. Mm, poor is, John. Jeez. Man. It is, uh, just, just, I don't know. We're just putting people to sleep. Is it that bad? No. No. No, it's not bad. <laughs> I, I fucking worked my ass off this week, and I'm super tired, but I couldn't. I'm not falling asleep anytime soon. Oh, man. John was just like, you know, I'm done. Fuck this shit. He yeah. just, he just, he, he, he laid the headphones down and he's in bed. He's just like, fuck this. God damn it. It's like, it's 1130, 1230 or wherever he is. He's just like, fuck this shit. Um, he's, yeah. on, he's, he's on the East Coast with me. It's, yeah. it's 1230 here. He's done. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he's done. He tapped out. He's like, fuck this shit. This is, I'm never doing this again. Don't. <laughs> don't put out the call for me anymore. Exactly. <laughs> and I've made my decision. He's locked in. Yeah. So. 
Um, Entertainment Weekly reports that Jaiman Hansu, the actor that played Korath the Pursuer in the Guardians of the Galaxy film and whose character will return for Captain Marvel, has now been cast as the wizard in Shazam, uh, who passes on his abilities to Billy Batson, his successor. So, um, Entertainment Weekly shared some news on the film saying, in the film, Billy is assigned to a new foster home where he befriends comic book superfan Freddy. One day, Billy's subway ride is interrupted by a mysterious wizard who's been searching for ages to find the right successor to inherit inherit his powers. He reveals the teen's been selected to gain an assortment of abilities, and all it takes is for Billy to say Shazam. So, yeah, Jaiman Hansu is going to be playing the Fisherman King, in uh Aquaman, a CGI character, and here he's gonna be playing a uh he's gonna look like himself, but he's gonna he's gonna be a little wizard man, give powers to a teenage boy. <laughs> That's cool. That's boy. He never seems to get that big of a role in these movies. It'd be he's a great actor. I wish he could you know, it's by the time he gets a big role, he's gonna be eight other characters. Mm-hmm. He was he was I, he was a voice actor in the Black Panther animated movie or something or oh really yeah oh shit john are you back oh, john <laughs> sorry my dog was going crazy i had to let him out dude we thought you fell asleep we thought you pulled up yeah. a- no, sorry we- i had to yeah. <laughs> take care of my dog real quick oh but when you say your dog do you mean do you mean a nap <laughs> <laughs> Well, John, I thought you fell asleep. Welcome back, buddy. Yeah, no, I'm still here. Rise and shine, John. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, how do you like your eggs in the morning, John? My eggs, uh, <laughs> hard-boiled, uh, yeah, hard-boiled. Oh, God, this is a boring answer. <laughs> They over easy or scrambled. You're like no hard boiled. Oh man. Yeah, I'm scrambled with a lots of pepper. It's mm, a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, I don't know. You sounded a little judgy there. No, that's a good choice. I I'm a fan of black pepper. I also like a lot of pepper in my eggs. But if I had a choice, I would pick Eggs Benedict. God, right now, John, my John's thinking I came back to this. Fuck me. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, looks like the dog needs out again. I, I, God, he's like, he's like, oh my God, I'm going to go make some hard-boiled eggs and go to sleep. <laughs> we did start the episode talking about salad, so did I you, guess it's only fitting we talk about eggs now. Did you guys see the Shazam suit this week? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Everybody's giggling. Nobody likes the Shazam suit. What's going on? Oh, it's just silly. Like blow up muscles. They don't look real. Yeah, the, the suit itself doesn't look that bad, but the muscle padding just looks ridiculous. Yeah. I don't he's. A, I don't know. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna wait for the movie. He's a. It's a 14 year old kid, right? Right. 
Yeah, I mean, if they nail the humor a certain way, then the look could like fit yeah. into that mold. But until we kind of see the total package, what we're seeing is a goofy muscle suit, and it's hard to not not giggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm very proud of you for waiting and seeing Brian and not giggling yet. <laughs> oh no, I was very serious about it when I saw the suit. I was like, no, there's no. I'm not going to disrespect this suit. I'm not going to giggle. <laughs> there are no giggles coming out of me right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold, I'm holding the giggle. And I was like, I'm gonna wait and see. And if the, if the movie's terrible, then giggle galore. Just, it, it's gonna, I'm going to unlock the giggling. But no, I was just thinking, like at first I was like, oh god, this, yeah, it's, it's bright, it's colorful, it looks silly, the muscle padding. But then I was just thinking to myself, like, it's a 14 year old kid. Like, you know, I don't know. It's a 14-year-old kid, and he's he's got the powers of a superhero, and, like, maybe he'd want to look like this. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to give it a pass because it just seems like it's going to be like a like a superhero movie mixed in with, like, Tom Hanks' big. That's what I got. That's what I got mm. from it. So I agree, and that and that description sounds great. But uh, yeah, it's just, it is odd. Like, you, maybe you're right, though. Maybe they work it into it's his imagination that gives him the uh, crazy muscle suit. Mm-hmm. The Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix is definitely happening. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix signed on to the film officially this week. Uh, Jeff Snyder from Collider is speculating that Thomas Wayne will have a big role in the Joker origin movie. Uh, he's uh, suggesting that the timeline is one in which Bruce is still a boy. Uh, Jeff Snyder made the comment when talking about Robert De Niro's role in the film and no Robert De Niro is not playing Thomas Wayne. Jeff Snyder said, as for De Niro's role, I don't think he's playing some canon type character. I think he's playing like a local TV host or something like that who's maybe broadcasting about the Joker. I'm not entirely sure. I do know that one character who has a big role in this is Thomas Wayne. So, um, that's unfortunate. I thought the whole idea of, of the timeline was to have a Joker movie independent of any Batman stuff necessarily, and it seems like a little bit of a cop out to have Thomas Wayne as a main character. Yeah, I don't know. I think that what's going to happen is we're going to find out at the end of the movie that Thomas Wayne and the Joker's mother both had the same name. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be surprised by that. So, um, no. And they become best friends and yeah. their conflict is resolved. Exactly. I'm, I'm looking forward to that moment. Yeah, it's going to be like that stepbrothers moment. Like, we're best friends now and they play drums or something. I don't know. I, it, okay. Um, it's also, it's, it's rumored that we're going to be getting moments from the Joker's childhood in this movie. Months ago, MMA fighter and actor Brendan Schaub who's also friends with Todd Phillips, agent Todd Feldman, said on the Joe Rogan experience, it's dark, it's like a dark joker. As a kid, he had a permanent smile and everyone made fun of him. It's like on the streets of Brooklyn. It's super dark and re- super dark and real. So... It's super dark and real. I hate when we throw the term real around dealing with these superhero movies. You know, like, I get it that you're trying to ground it in reality, but the, at the end of the day, it is a very hyper reality. You know, that's, 
Yeah, I just I think they they try to take like like what would it how would the real world react to a superhero? And I think that there's a way there's a way to do that, you know? Cuz like yeah. comic books like don't comic books are just like I don't know, comic books the, the superheroes have just been around for so long that, you know, they mostly focus on the superheroes themselves. Like most comic books that I read as far as like, you know, you know, superheroes and stuff like that and the Marvel DC stuff, they're not focusing on like regular people typically. And the, and if they do, like the regular people that you meet in those comic books are used to a world with superheroes. Yeah. So you think the movie's going to be from like an outsider perspective? Cause I always take it when they say real that they just mean more like the physics and like the serious tones and I feel like, like this I, is, I always feel like that's the DCEU definition of real. Well, this is not affiliate. This is not uh, connected to the DCEU. I feel like this is just like if you know. If no, you, I'm just going by what I've heard thrown around as real in other superhero movies before this. You know. No, I'm okay. How do I say this? Okay, I feel like. If you're gonna if you're gonna compare like what they say like what's real and I'm putting throwing up the quotations it's like you know the Tim Burton Batman stuff is like the fantastical comic book stuff and like the real stuff is like the Christopher Nolan stuff. Yeah, that, that's that's the kind of statement though that kind of does kind of make me roll my eyes a little bit. I think it's just a way to kind of like let us know what we're in for though. Like this is not yeah, like it's not camp. Exactly. They're, they're not trying to, they're not trying to, I don't know. They're not trying to pre, I don't think he's trying to be pretentious and say like, oh, this is real. Like, I think there's still a place for like the Marvel stuff where it's like kind of surreal and crazy and like comic booky. But like, he's just kind of like, what, this is just a fucking MMA fighter who knows Todd Phillips' agent. <laughs> I, so, know, I know, I know, I know. I'm not trying to nitpick on his terminology, but it is a, it is a thing I hear thrown around a lot by by fans of you know the DC movies and everything. The the real terminology always makes me roll my eyes. Yeah, know? but like if you're trying, okay, there's a couple ways to say that. If you're saying that like it's gonna make it a better movie, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. It doesn't. It you can you know like that doesn't necessarily make it a better movie. The fact that it's like more real. Okay, like, but if you say it as a way to like, kind of like let you know what the tone of the movie's gonna be, that it's not gonna be like it's not. Yeah, it's not gonna be like uh, it's not gonna be like a Marvel movie. It's gonna be kind of like more like a Christopher Nolan Batman movie, or even like a Watchmen movie, where like you know the Watchmen like there's the Watchmen's a dark fucking movie. Yeah, you know? I just hate the term. I I find all three of those examples, and I, I'm we agree, right? I, I all three of those movies are fantastical. Just in different ways, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's like, just because one movie doesn't have the comic book science doesn't mean it's just as, like, hyper, you know, realistic as the other movie, too. Like, it's just so weird to me that that's, like, that's a thing that we criticize one movie for or we champion another I, movie for. I just, I when get, it's just as, like, phony baloney as the other thing. I got sick of the gritty. I got sick of the word being gritty being thrown around. Like, it's fucking, like... Gritty being thrown around like fucking Lindsay Lohan at a fucking rave. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, gritty's more accurate than real, though. Re to me, real just comes off as real, like, ah, every Everything it's was like you're everything was gritty for a while, right? Everything was... <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Oh, oh, you like the Nolan stuff? Wait for more gritty. Gritty, gritty, (laughs) gritty, gritty should be like, I don't know, like undercooked oatmeal. Like not, not super, (laughs) super super superhero movie. John, are you still with us? Yep. All right, just make it, dude. I we really thought you fell asleep, man. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Only you know the real story. I feel like this is like the staircase part two. Like, did John, <laughs> did John, did John really fall asleep, or did John, or did John really take out the dog? <laughs> no, but um, with this um, Joker news, I mean. What's starting to worry me, like, I'm a fan of the show Gotham on Fox, but I don't want to see that on the big screen. And the fact that they're bringing in, or supposedly bringing in Thomas Wayne, Mm -hmm. makes me think that they're going the Gotham route, where they're trying to make a Batman project without calling it Batman. Like, I was actually, the idea of just seeing a Joker origin film sans Batman was kind of intriguing. But if they're bringing in Thomas Wayne, it's like, they're just inching closer and closer to just making it a Batman movie without calling it Batman. Yeah. It's like, oh, is there going to be a scene with Thomas Wayne? And he's like, Oh, hi, I'd like to introduce you to my son, Bruce. You know, it's like, I don't yeah. need that fucking scene. I know that yeah. I'm not stupid. I'm here. I'm here to watch a fucking Joker, or Joker origin movie. I don't need a scene of Thomas Wayne, like introducing his fucking son. I get it. I'm here because I'm a Batman fan. Like, I get that this is fucking based on the Joker. I, I know that, like, there's a... I, I just want to see a joke. If you're going to make this fucking ridiculous movie that's a Joker origin story, which doesn't need to be told in any form, and you've convinced Joaquin Phoenix to do this movie, which Joaquin Phoenix... There's a quote out there, or I read in an outlet that Joaquin Phoenix was kind of like, it'd be kind of cool to do like a villain movie where like you show the origin and you do it in this way and blah, 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 but it wouldn't work for a Joker movie. And like, I'm now, now he's doing that movie, which is just <laughs> insane to me. I actually, I read that on a, I, I, I wish I had the quote, but, um, yeah, I agree with you guys. So it's what I, it was the first thing I said when we brought this up is the Thomas Wayne stuff. It just, ugh. like the whole point of this is to not do that. I thought. Yeah, I, I it, it, we're getting out. They're, they're, they're doing a fucking Alfred TV show, Jake. It's called Pennyworth. Yeah. Like, yeah, just it's, it's like it, when you do these things, like I always think the whole point is just to step away from the main character mm-hmm. and give this character a fucking showcase. So why do we got to shove more Thomas Wayne BS into the Joker stuff? It's going to be like, oh, we got to even make the ties to Bruce even closer now. So it's even that much more impactful. And it's an origin that won't stick anyway because it's some Elseworld shit. So yeah. why not take a risk and not do the Thomas Wayne stuff? Yeah. Uh, apparently, um, though, um, Phoenix has uh, read the script and he is um, he's impressed by the vision that Todd Phillips. Yeah, we talked about The Hangover earlier. Todd Phillips, the director for The Hangover. He is, uh, he's impressed by the script and vision that he's created here, and it's, quote, unique. And he also said it, that the, that, uh, the, the, the script scares the fucking shit out of him. So, this movie, this idea for a movie scares the fucking shit out of me. 
<laughs> Gosh, it's I, I don't I, I don't get it. Like they're they're still going to do a Jared Leto Joker movie as well, right? Yeah. Yes. This makes zero sense to me. I mean, I shouldn't say zero sense. I get it. Like, they're going to make money no matter what. And you get a name like Jake Gyllenhaal and you're going to – no, that's not the right name. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I'm sorry. You you get – like a name like that and you're gonna give him some you know quote unquote real story real script gritty mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it and and you make this movie I just I don't understand like I don't understand it beyond this beyond the making money point I, I just think it's ridiculous and then I, I, John you said it really well about how they're, they're going the Gotham route you know go, Gotham was touted as or touted as this is not a Batman show, mm-hmm. but it's become a Batman show. We're just not call it's like it's not really Batman wink, but it kind of is. And and like how many times can you go to the Batman? Well, like it's just I, it's just inundated with Batman stories that and now they're not calling them Batman stories, but they are Batman stories. It's it's insane. I, I don't know. It's just I don't know, so but weird to it, me. It is weird, but like how, I, you know, I understand like Warner Brothers fascination with this. Like, I, I don't know what like fucking kind of like, uh, LSD everybody was taken when they talked about the idea for this movie, but like, you've got Martin Scorsese producing, you've got Joaquin Phoenix on board, you've got fucking Todd Phillips involved in this project. It's like, how do you pass on that though? Like, yeah, it, no, I, I get, I get it in that sense, like the business sense of it, and like the excitement of the project and the people involved. It's just, I don't, my, my fears for the casual fan, you know, for 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 people like us that know what's what, we're going to go into this and we'll know it's an Elseworld story, but I feel like the casual fan is going to go in and be like, wait a minute. Isn't this other guy the, the, the Joker? And then they'll get the Jared Leto movie and go, wait a minute, I thought the other guy was now the Joker. That's gonna I, happen. I that's I'm gonna, sorry? No, I said that's going to happen. People are yeah. gonna have those conversations. Yeah, I mean, my brother-in-law just now realized, or just a few days ago realized that there's two different flashes. There's a movie flash and a TV flash. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, these, these are things that are gonna, we lost Jake, by the way. Yeah, Jake we lost. Yeah, so we're uh, but we'll get him back here before we get into Star Wars. I only got one story for Star Wars, and we'll wrap this shit up. But yeah, um, I found out today that the raps Umberto Gonzalez, um, he he had a uh, scoop here that Oscar winner Francis McDormand passed on playing the Joker's mom in the. Uh, Joker origin film. Hmm. So, yeah, um, Francis McDormand from Fargo and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. She, uh, she passed on it. Warner Brothers is still trying to get a big name actor to play the role though, is what the, is what I'm hearing. So. Interesting. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. I don't know. I don't know about this. Joke. I, like, I, I wish that, I honestly, I wish that DC Warner Brothers would have been doing Basically, just like Jake, you're back. Welcome back, you son of a bitch. 
<laughs> yeah, my phone fucking died. I didn't even know it was dead. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking shit about you, and I was like, I, I was just like, Ugh, Jake is so real. Is what I kept saying. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm more real than fucking Christopher Nolan Batman, I'll tell you that much. Dude, I'm just kidding. I, I didn't say any of that. I just said it when you came back on just now. So, um. <laughs> no, I was talking. Francis McDormand, um, Umberto Gonzalez from The Rap, uh, heard a rumor that Francis McDormand turned down the role of Joker's mother for this movie. Hmm. I'm guessing she was probably smarter than Joaquin Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. I think Joaquin Phoenix is doing it because he wants to... I mean, it's hard to pass up a movie that's produced by Martin Scorsese. I don't care who you... That name carries weight, right? It It does. And to be an actor and say, like, I worked with Martin Scorsese, like, even if it's this pile of shit Joker movie, like, that says something. Like, not a lot of actors... (laughs) Not a lot of actors can say that they've worked with Martin Scorsese. So, I don't know. I don't know. This movie sounds insane to me. I got to see it. I can't wait for it to come out. (laughs) Wait, wait. Are you more excited for this or for the Gambit movie? Which one are you more excited to see? I'm more excited for this. (laughs) Fuck, no. I want Gambit. Give me Gambit. Dude, I have I I I gotta see this movie. I have to see it. Like they have to make it so I can see it. Which one? <laughs> the Gambit movie. Oh, I gotta see I it too. I have to watch it now. I gotta see Channing. Oh, I hope it never comes out. Oh, I no, no yeah, I gotta I see it. Now. I want Channing Gambit so badly. Like you have <laughs> you have no idea. I want to I want to see him like try to talk in a Creole accent and just fuck it up. Like sound horrible. Like <laughs> just just terrible. Oh man, I, I gotta get that Channing Gambit movie. Chambit. I gotta see Chambit. Chambit! <laughs> Gannick. <laughs> Chambit. Oh my god, Ganning Chambit. Ganning Chambit. Sexless Bronson. Anyway. Um. <laughs> Star Wars news, yeah, Misa whatever, Misa horny, Misa horny, I'm, I'm Jar Jar Binks, Misa horny, love you long time, alright, yeah, I, um, it was reported a few weeks ago that Billy D. Williams was getting in shape, he was on a diet, and uh, people were speculating that he was coming back to Star Wars because this is the exact same thing that Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher were doing before they reprised their roles for uh, episode 7 and 8. Um, then this Star Wars outlet, Fanta Tracks, uh, they're located in the UK. They started to hear rumblings that Billy D. Williams was coming back. And then we got word, uh, this past week from THR that it's happening. So it, it's not 100% confirmed, but it's more than likely happening. THR said Billy D. Williams is returning to a galaxy far, far away. Uh, the actor who played uh, galactic gambler Lando Calrissian will reprise the role for Star Wars Episode Nine, the next Star Wars installment from Lucasfilm. So, um, yeah, um, I'm. I think they need it. Like, uh, you know, we've lost, we've lost Luke. We've, you know, we've we've lost uh, Han, and 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 we've lost Leia now with the, the real passing of Carrie Fisher. And I want to see another legacy character come in here and kind of fill that fill that role. I want to see him behind 
the you know in the cockpit of the of the Millennium Falcon and um, reunited with Nine Numb. Nine Numb, we saw him at the end of uh, you know the of uh, the Last Jedi, hanging out with uh, you know Poe Dameron and the rest of those guys. And it'd be nice to see Lando reunited with Nine Numb and Billy D. Williams is fucking eighty one. We're not going to get him again. Let's see what's he been up to. Mm-hmm. The last time we saw this guy, the last time we've heard about this guy in canon was um in the uh bloodlines um book where uh after after the galaxy found out that Leia and Luke were the children of Darth Vader um uh Lando sent out like a transmission like a like a message to Leia saying that he supports her so like that's we know that he's still alive uh 6 years before the force awakens so, I don't know. I want to see him come back. It'd be nice. I need another legacy character in here. Yeah, I agree with what, what you said, too. You know, we've lost Han and Luke, and, you know, we, we didn't lose Leia, but we're obviously not going to have her in the next mm-hmm. movie. So, yeah, let's get Billy D in here, and let's let's do more than a cameo. You know, let's give yeah. him a good, meaty role. And the, the, thing, the nice thing about this, too, is for him... He does all these fucking conventions, dude. All the, he's like Stan Lee with these fucking conventions. He goes to all these fucking conventions and he hasn't, you know, I don't know. He hasn't, he hasn't done much in recent years except for like the rebels. Like he's done the voice acting for Lando. But if, yeah. if he, if he gets a role in episode nine, like he'll be able to, he'll be able to charge more for his autograph. He'll be able to charge more for appearances. And it's just good for a guy that's worked this hard in his in his lifetime to to get the recognition. So, yeah, I just hope they explain like where he's actually been since the new trilogy. Um, I mean, especially many people were thinking when you know in the Last Jedi when Leia was reaching out for allies to help them. You know, a lot of people were expecting Lando to show up, yes. and obviously he didn't. Yeah. So, I mean, did he receive some sort of message and couldn't get there? Did he, like, where was he? Yeah, exactly. Like, what was he, what was he involved in? Like, um, Bespin? Like, is he still, is he still, do we know if he's still, like, involved? Is he doing anything with Bespin? I mean, or is, or could he show up and could he be, could he be one of these arms dealers? Could he could he not be a, as good a guy that w- that we thought he was? Hmm. That would be I mean, interesting. I not mean, my like, Lando. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I mean, I think it would be interesting. I just don't know if they do that with a legacy character like that. I don't. I don't. I mean. I don't know. It's it's it 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 is an interesting thing to do, like to sort of have Lando skating that line, uh, because that's kind of always been who he is, like skating that line between good guy, bad guy. He's not really a bad guy. He's kind of in the gray. Um, might be interesting to see him like play both sides. Maybe like yeah, I'm an arms dealer. Wink, but I'm really working for the rebellion. Like that. That might be interesting. I want good Lando. You want just straight up good Lando? I, yeah, seriously. I, I feel like a fucking. I feel like a, I'm talking like a toddler right now. But like, I want good Lando. I do. I do. I don't want. I don't want any twists and turns and shit with Lando. Like, okay. Just, 
Just give me, just give me good Lando. All right. <laughs> you don't want him fucking around with it. No. Oh, that's interesting. Just give me good Lando. I just want good Lando. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like I want him to be kind of like a scoundrel and shit. Like when it comes, like I don't want, I, I don't, you know, like I don't want to sit there and be like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't. I kind of like want to guess like what his motivations are, but on the flip side, I still just want him to be a good guy, you know, after the events of like what we saw from him and, you know, the Empire and fucking Return of the Jedi. I still want him to be a good guy. I don't want him, I don't want him selling arms and stuff like that to, you know, the, the, what are they, the First Order? What is that what they're calling? Yeah. Yes. I can't First remember. Order. First order. It's like crazy. First order sounds like a like a wrestling tag team. First order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brother. Join the first order. <laughs> <laughs> the new first order. The new first order. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that NWL the New World Order? Yeah. 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 Jeez. Jeez. That was back when Hogan like had his mustache all like black and shit, right? Yeah, yeah. He renounced all the vitamins. Oh, <laughs> don't pray. Don't take your vitamins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh uh, man, that's ridiculous. Know. I'm happy for Lando. I'm happy for him to come back. I just, you know, 81 years old though. Fuck. What's he doing? He's, yeah. What do you think he's, uh, he's selling capes? <laughs> Might be. <laughs> Think he's still uh, banging that robot? L three, L three died, dude. Oh, that's right, that's right. Unless he's f- you know fucking the exhaust, he- uh, fucking the exhaust of the Millennium Falcon, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Slide my dick into the old exhaust here, the old Falcon. Can you feel that L three? Oh, good old L3. Alright, it's yeah, late. Too bad. It's late, and I'm done. Yeah, I need right? to eat and go to bed myself. Yeah, I'm done. I'm out of here. Hey, Rebecca, thanks a lot. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me back on. Yeah, yeah. It's like, people think twice about ever coming back on the show when we go this late. It was like one of those. <laughs> You know what I mean? This is this is the I think this is the latest I've ever recorded it's, with you guys. It's, it's fucking late. It's fucking it it's, late. it's fucking late. It's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. John. All right, guys, it's time for some steak and shake in bed. All right, Jake, can I say goodbye to John here? Fuck All right, before, John. No, before you, Jake's just giving oh, me his, his fucking nighttime itinerary right now. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm going. I've got. I've got. I've got to apply this mud mask before I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> John, thank you. Like um our listeners, if they want to like read some of your stuff, where can they go? Um I post a lot of my articles on Twitter, so if you want to find me on there, it's uh at John Arvedon, J O N A R V E D O N. And John, I want to thank you for being on and uh how was it podcasting for your first time? It was great. Yeah, definitely love to come back. All right, yeah, we can have you back again. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, we're gonna wrap this fucker up because we've ran on way too long. Jesus Christ, I don't know how this episode's gonna go over. It's weird. It's weird. A lot of weird twists and turns. When we went, we talked about sexless Bronson, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of controversial things. 
Jake, Jake is just, Jake is like, let me apply my mud mask and go to bed. I got, I got fucking oil of, I've got oil of Olay to apply before I go to bed, Brian. You don't know the night. I've heard that term for you, a long time. You don't know the nightly traditions that I go to to look this goddamn good, Brian. You don't know. This skin doesn't fucking, it doesn't rejuvenate itself, you son of a bitch. Exactly, exactly. Tonight is an oil of Olay night, you fucker. All right. <laughs> oil of Olay. Dude, I, I use oil of Olay. Oh, I know you do. All you women, all you women use the oil of Olay. It's a good product. It's good wine. Oil of Olay is tried and true. It's been around forever. Oh, I oil know. Olay is great. I know, I know. I, 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 was, I was rocking the St. Ives. For years, you ever use the yeah. Saint Ives oh, products? Yeah, sure. Saint Ives is good stuff. It was it's no a, oil of Olay, but it's, it's I know it's no oil of Olay. It's it's a poor man's oil of Olay. <laughs> I get it. I miss they now they got everything in tubes, but back in the day it was hand dip. It was all hand dip skin products. It was a, it was a tub. And it was hand dip. You just dipped your hand in there. And then, you know, that was the 90s, when 80s and 90s, when they gave you great products. And it was hand dip. You just, you fucking stuck your hand in there like you're, like your finger in this fucking. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's getting dirty. It's getting dirty and it's getting late. Yeah. Fuck fuck it. I don't, tubes. Give me that hand dip. I want to put my hand in there. Yeah, Jake, you ever use, you ever use, sorry, we're gonna end here real quick. You ever use, you ever use deodorant? Did you ever use talcum? You ever use talcum deodorant? Like the powder? The powder, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not for a long time, but yes. Oh man. I, me, I, 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 I like the talcum. It's good. It's good deodorant. Like now everything's spray or glide on. Like you got the glide on, kind of like, you know, like the speed stick. You pop off the top and it's this gel and it's just like you got your hot gross armpit and it just like slides on there and shit. You just slather that shit. The talcum, it's a powder. It's a dry powder. It's talcum and you just slap the talcum on there and it feels like it's actually soaking up your disgusting bodily juices that your body our bodies are gross pores everything's got a hole on your body every hole on your body produces some kind of fucking bullshit right you got sweat glands you got your nose got snot you out of your mouth who knows the what the fuck's coming out of that goddamn thing bile vomit spit your ears got wax our bodies are just disgusting holes that just produce garbage our bodies, this is human bodies, just a fucking, it's a, it's a, this is a, a garbage spitting dumpster. Alright guys. Hey, thanks a lot. I really. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note everyone. Alright, just like all good leftovers say in the doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We will see you next week with episode 242. See you next week. Later y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap.
Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap.